Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast with Jack Encarnacio and J.P. Sorrow. It's still real to me, damn it. The Lapsed Fan. In all my years in professional wrestling, I've never seen anything like it. Oh, my God. Drop kick in a beauty. Oh. And it's time, 22 weeks into this one-of-a-kind, 30-week WrestleMania journey here on the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast to go big time. Well, I'm on my way. I'm making it. Yeah. And I'm going to make it show. <laughs> it's big, 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 big time. WrestleMania 22, 2006, the windy city of Chicago. Big time. I'm on my way. I'm making it. <laughs> big time. Uh, th- thanks, Justin Gabriel. I mean, Peter Gabriel. Peter, Peter. Former former WWE employee, Justin Gabriel. Do you mean? Former indeed. Hashtag former. But uh, boss, here we go. Hashtag quitter. Well, look at it whatever way you'd like. <laughs> Hashtag future endeavor. Yeah, I'd quit before I got fired, too. Yeah, you're damn right. Anyway, um, Give me. So, Cena, okay? Yep. Last week, yep. as we began the final third leg of our journey, John Cena defeats JBL in the SmackDown Championship match at WrestleMania 21. You know, I, I gotta say, I gotta tell you something. So I was, it's so funny, it's so interesting to me how Cena literally mm-hmm. starts the final journey. Like he starts our final, our, I mean, our final third of this journey. Yeah, this is the Cena it's, era leg. It's unbelievable because I didn't he literally expect starts wrestling con- at 21. I didn't expect you know? it to constitute a whole 10 of yeah. entry. I know. I, it kind of got me up like, oh, really? We got 10, 10 weeks of Cena. Oh, well, all right. I guess that's the way it's got to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I was I was like, wow. I can't believe that there really is that that breaking point. Because WrestleMania 20 is the end of that of our second of our second decade. Clearly. And he's in the he's in the you know, he's in the opening match 
And literally the next year, he's in the co-main event and he's winning the title and it kicks off a decade of C-Nation. Decade of C-Nation, decade of thugonomics. A, a decade of not being able to see our champion. <laughs> right. A decade of an invisible champion. <laughs> no, actually, that's the current champion. That's true. A decade of hustle, loyalty, and respect. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. what are your memories of this mm-hmm. match, WrestleMania 22? He defeats Triple H in the main event, taps him clean in terms of cementing or softening. Yeah. Cena's run as champion. What did this Triple H match and this sort of first true WrestleMania main event for John Cena mean? Well, I see. I, I thought it meant a lot. I think. I think there were a lot of there were a lot of like the stakes were pretty high. Yeah. Because he came off uh, a year of literally being booed around the around the country. Yeah. You know he was and and then and I'll tell you I I, I know that in storyline it 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 made sense. But I remember the build to this, and the entire time, and even when we get to it, I'll, I'll, I'll even, I got some quotes from JR about it um, during the match itself. Great. But the whole angle of the match was Triple H saying that John Cena can't wrestle. Yeah, that's right. And I was like, you know, and the thing is, that seems so Triple H to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I got the best idea. For an angle and a storyline, I'm just going to come out week to week and tell the fans that Cena can't wrestle. Like, here's your guy. Yeah. You, the guy that you, you know, that the company is, is deciding to build around. Yep. And you're going to come out week to week and say he can't wrestle. And that's... And I remember, and this is one thing I remember too, it's coming to me even more. I remember Triple H coming out there and being able to completely destroy verbally Cena. Mm-hmm. But then Cena had to do the old, you know, I respect you, Triple H. You yes. know, you're a great performer. Trip, uh, Cena had to had to build up Triple H. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not the way to do this. This is such sabotage of, of your guy who's already going through rough times. You know, with with the fan base totally turning on him because the the the, the company um, changed drastically changed yes. his character so much between WrestleManias twenty one and twenty two. I'm like, this is not the way you're going to get them to to cheer him by telling him by telling us on a weekly basis that he can't wrestle and not letting him have a true comeback. When here's a guy that we knew was the king of comebacks. Mm-hmm. The whole idea, you can't see me, and the rapping thing, like, this guy was about, whatever the fuck you want, I'm going to win anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, no, not for this. And and don't try to match wits with me, son, because right. I'll put a, a spin on it that you won't be ready for, and I'll use a bit of freestyle, and you won't know yeah. what to say. Yeah. But, but all the, that's gone. You're putting your finger on something that's really profound about the Triple H effect. Yes. The, I think the general thing about Triple H, and this is, I think now, since he's got so much power, very yeah. much ingrained in the entire WWE product and how just about every storyline they do works nowadays. And I'm wondering if we're seeing the germ of this as far back as you're pointing to here, boss, in the Cena program. All is well that ends well in their mind in terms of babyface is going to go over in the end ultimately, just like Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. So on the way there, we can trash him as thoroughly and we can flog him as thoroughly as we'd like because he doesn't have to appear strong. 
the whole way no. if he's going to be strong at the end, and that is no. just not true. No, it it, it isn't, and and and. And we, we, you know, we talked about this leading up to WrestleMania 14 and how we were surprised by all the elements of Austin being beaten and beaten and beaten by Degeneration X. And I remember I asked the question, how does that work then but not now? And you brought up the point because we haven't really seen this guy necessarily be popular. And I, I mean, here certainly Cena was dominant without a doubt. Obviously he had a dominant 2005. He, he kept the belt the entire year until edge cashed in money in the bank, but it was still like, there was still something off about, about him. He wasn't there. He still wasn't there yet. Do you know what I mean? Well, he like, wasn't, he wasn't perceived as, um, he wasn't perceived as tough, right? He was perceived as resilient but he wasn't perceived as tough. Right, right. He couldn't withstand someone coming up and saying that about him. Like if if, if Triple H went face to face with Steve Austin at this exact point in Austin's run that we are in Cena's run, mm-hmm. and said to him, "You can't wrestle," and people really had, didn't think Austin could work. Like, or, or yeah. no, let's even remove that. If he said you can't wrestle, everybody would laugh at Triple H. Right. And right. so he probably would be smart enough not to say it. Right. But when he does go for the real you know, weak spot when he goes for the weakness, like they obsessed about with Daniel Bryan and the size and the B plus player and the look, and it'll never work out. And it's like, you know, their idea of heat is what people, you know, who want to cheer this guy would heap upon management as critiques and as, you know, issues that they take with their outlook on talent. Like, of course you'll never let this guy get over because X, Y, Z. So it's like, all right, let's own that message. And then yeah. when the guy gets over in the end, it'll be great. No, all you do along the line is damage because you're yeah. pointing out his weaknesses all the way. And then he wins a fake wrestling match, but the weaknesses you pointed out are real. You know what I mean? Right. They're, they're right. perceived, they're perceived as much more real. Right. Because, what- because that was the biggest complaint about Cena by the end of 2005 was that this guy can't, he's not really showing much more than the kick punch. Yeah, he's not very and, coordinated in the ring. He doesn't have a lot of polish. We were supposed to have moved past the era where, you know, that kind of big personality right. and those muscles were enough. Right. And kind of the gimmick moves were kind of also kind of, you know, they 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 were considered silly. You know, we're in the era of Kurt Angle and the yes. the wrestling machine and these guys who 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 are putting on these these exquisite um matches. And Cena was he was, and you know, at times still is, but uh, 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 very um, chunky. <laughs> well, clunky as well. Clunky, clunk, that is that what you meant? Okay. I, I wasn't gonna. I don't, he's pretty ripped. I don't know about chunky, but not physique. I meant his his style was just kind of chunky and clunky. Chunky and clunky. I like. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. But you know, and not not to mention, this is also a time that the WWE, you know through the closing scene of WrestleMania 20 and giving Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero their sort of watches, gold watches as championship belts, um, they were expressly redeeming those kinds of qualities in wrestlers, that kind sure. of working sure. ability, saying this this is worthy of recognition and worthy of spotlight. And, you know, and like worthy you said, a feud with Kane. Right, right. Only It only goes so far. But it's like they they did a bit oh, to... Well, the thing is, we get them... When, when we give a... Uh... A wrestler, you know, like a like a technical wrestler, a um, a, a, a run with the gold, mm. he's going to prove his worth against the big guys. So, no better than Kane. Who better than Kane? Who worse than Kane? I ask. With all due respect Kane to Glenn is, Jacobs, Kane is, 
Kane is the main. <laughs> we can call this Saturday night's Kane event. <laughs> well, that's right. That's a good idea. The next uh, the, the next match is the Kane event of the pay-per-view. Stick that up your ass and <laughs> eat it. So, you know, look, it's like if the fans <sighs> are whispering that John Cena can't really work a good, clean match... Yeah. And then Triple H goes out there, looks him in the face, and says, you can't work a good match. Because yeah. that, it doesn't matter if he taps you at WrestleMania. Right. See, right. I knew I could blame Triple H for the John Cena problem. I knew it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, he, he's, he is part of the problem, without a doubt. I mean, he is a good chunk of the problem, mm-hmm. at least for, for this. Cause, he's cause... chunky by this point. <laughs> he is fairly <laughs> described as chunky. <sighs> He's chunky and he, he looks like he time warped from, from uh, 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 like 18th century England with that fucking Harley race stash. <laughs> Jesus, what an ass. Is this an inscription in a Shakespeare or is this actually in a Triple ass, that's his name. Triple, Triple ass. ass. <laughs> you know this. Yeah, it's good. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a messy time. And I remember it feeling like a real emergency that John Cena was – the guy they were behind, they had all their ducks behind him, and yeah. the fans were booing him in all the major arenas. And oh, I remember yeah. WrestleMania 22 as being a huge flashpoint in that problem. Like, oh my God, sure, Cena didn't catch on in 2005 and Moss like you want your top babyface to. It didn't sound, listening to the crowd, like this was working, but they had so much invested in the guy and had decided so sternly that he had all the material they wanted right. to go with that they were going right. to do it anyway. So what are they going to do? And they were obsessed with trying different things to kind of trick and manipulate the crowd into cheering for him. They finally just said, you know what, we'll do this dynamic where John Cena doesn't care if you cheer or boo him. He really doesn't. And they've kind of been lulled into that sense ever since, I think. Ever since, their pole position on John Cena has been, if the fans boo him, we want the fans to cheer him. We'll do everything we can come up with every week on Raw to get the fans to cheer him. But if they don't, he'll just fall back to the guy who doesn't care if you I cheer mean, or boo him. The thing is, you know you know what Triple H did to Cena? Yeah. He Kevin Nashed him. Mm. He Kevin Nashed him. He, he, he vanilla midgeted him. Mm. That's what he did with this whole bit. He made him seem... Uh, a peg below, even right. though even though he put him over. Yeah, you're right, and it's just like when Kevin Nash, sure, Rey Mysterio pinned Kevin Nash on Nitro in 1999. Do you think it meant a shit of difference? Nope. Of course it didn't, because before and after, all he did was make a bunch of points that most of the right. fans were like, yeah, you're probably right, about why Mysterio didn't belong in there with him. And just because you get a finish over him doesn't negate all that. People don't believe in the match results that much anymore. That, yeah. that you know, people yeah. know that, you know, you were booked to win the finish that, that, you know, when you win, the fans don't just process it as this wrestler is better than this wrestler. No, they process it as the company has decided on this guy over that guy. Do I feel the same way? Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny. We got, um, I don't know if you noticed, I'm going to bring it up now, but I don't know if you noticed, we got a little, uh, we got a little flack Mm -hmm. on the Twitter about, about, um, about our, our kind of, I don't recall it, but our, 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 Liking of Cena, we like Cena. I mm-hmm. guess we could say that. We can we can come out and say that. I mean, I I I, I he's not my favorite. Um, not until will, next week. He's my favorite next week. I was gonna say. So I'll tell you story. this by way of preview. What I like about Cena is defending Cena. Yeah, it's one of the more fun things to do in wrestling. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I do like doing that. Um, but the thing is, 
again, I, I, I appreciate, I do think he's very vanilla in that right now as he's a, he's, he's very blah, mm-hmm. but I think the guy, and I was going to ask you, this is my question. I was going to ask you, when do you think yeah. Cena really came into his own as a worker? Cause he wasn't there yet. He certainly made him drastic improvements, um, by, by WrestleMania 22. Yep. Uh, but when do you think he really came into his own as a worker? Hmm. I would say the edge series, uh, the TLC match with edge. Stands okay. out to me. It stands out to me as one of the times where I was like, you know what? When it comes down to it, John Cena knows how to have a four-star pay-per-view main event match. He's not always going to have that level of match. He's not wired to do it every single time he steps into the ring. Most of his matches are going to feel the same. Um, most of his matches are going to kind of have a, a cap on their sort of physical intensity. The depth of emotion you can get out of his matches is going to be pretty limited, but when push comes to shove, he knows how to play enough tricks that he can make a match feel special yeah. if, the, if the time is right. And I remember and, the Edge series feeling like that the most, where it was like, wow, Cena, you know, Edge was the workhorse in the match, but Cena was an equal yeah. dance partner. He wasn't just being carried like a broomstick. To me, it came a year from this show, WrestleMania 23. Yeah. When he wrestled Michaels. Interesting. I thought, I, 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 I thought that, uh, I didn't think it then, actually. I remember that, that, that match being... Uh, kind of blah when we saw it live in mm-hmm. Detroit. God, I can't wait to tell these fucking stories about Detroit. Um, but um, I, I when I, I you know I, I'm I watched it again and obviously in pre- preparation for uh, for next week, and I was like, yeah, he's gotten into a groove. It's a it, he he kind of figured some stuff out. I yeah. think by this point, mm-hmm. and in a way, in a way, it's it, I I wonder I wonder if this maybe and and. Tell me what you think. Maybe they pulled the trigger on him a little too early. Maybe um, if they'd let him be, I mean, maybe if they'd let him kind of grow a little bit as, as a character, because considering that by, you know, that, that the, 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 the hip hop gimmick and the, the freestyle gimmick was so hot. And if they'd maybe kind of gradually, like even slower, just not forced. Cause I, I feel like a lot of fans think that he was forced down their throats. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, that's the biggest thing. People think that he was, people feel fans, laps fans, especially feel that he was forced down their throats. And, um, and he was, uh, uh, and he was, he certainly was that if maybe they just let him play out a little bit more, mm-hmm. give him a little more time. Maybe they said, you know, we need you to improve your work rate within a year and we'll give you the belt. I don't know if they actually would say something like that, but you know, just for an example, that maybe by WrestleMania 22 or 23, they give him the belt instead. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. he wouldn't be in this kind of funk that he's in now where people hate him. Well, what happened was it became, and you're probably right, if they give him a little bit more time to come along as a worker, the problem with him though- Because I mean, he was still green as fuck. I mean, think about it. The guy, the guy is winning a, a, a world title three years after becoming, after joining the big time and not really, you know, having stellar matches. Right. And that's, 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 that's a key to it. You know, you got to have something there, mm-hmm. you know, unless you, you know, it's not, again, it's not the, it's not the Hogan kick punch. It's not the attitude brawl right. in the uh, brawl through your entire match. There's a, there's a different standard. level standard. Right. Th- thank you. No, absolutely. There is a different standard, but I think what, 
what John Cena's rise proves to us is that while while there was a different standard for 90% of the guys working in the business as the in-ring style quickened during the Monday Night Wars and the influence of Lucha Libre and everything came in, um, and guys like Benoit Guerrero just kind of broadened the horizons of a, what an American pro wrestling match looked like, Jericho as well, I think of in that in that vein. Um, what, what, what Cena's rise shows us, and I think Roman Reigns shows us, and, and the mm-hmm. push they try to give to a bunch of other big guys in between, that, that those rules don't really apply if they've got a guy who physically they think sizes up like the Adonis they really want to push in their heart of hearts, the guy that they're really waiting for. And then these other guys can, you know, work in circles to entertain people to burn time in between. But all they're doing is biding time until a guy comes along and look, if he can work, it's great. But I don't think John Cena, unless, you know, he was just horrible. I think John, I don't think John Cena could have ever, you know, sort of put forward a bad enough effort in the ring after they decided he was the guy that they would have changed their plans. You know, I, yeah. I, he, he was a guy who it, it wasn't about that and expressly so. And I think he sort of overachieved because he would have gotten the same level of push had he not improved over those years as he got. So it's almost to his credit that he improved because he didn't have to. Yeah. He started yeah. adding moves. He started, you know, trying different approaches um, to match finishes and, and conclusions. But yeah. it's... And so maybe it would have made a difference in the minds of the fans and the, and the voices of the fans. But the, the the craziest thing about Cena, and look, he's the face of a declining era in some ways. But it's not a steep decline. If you chart it out on a, on a map, there's ups, there's downs, there's peaks and sure. valleys. It's not just one big precipitous drop sure. in interest. Yeah. You know, and one could argue that if somebody else was on top all the years he's been on top, I mean, you think about the options that they had over the years and how limited they were and how slim the pickings really were for another money draw in his years. It very well could have been a more steady yeah. 1993, 4, 5-esque drop. And yeah. it wasn't. So you can look at it that way, I think, honestly. As Cena kept the boats afloat as opposed to caused them to sink well, an inch into the water. Because he appeal he appeals to the younger audience. He appeals to the kids, and and and, right. and the and, and the money is there. The money's being made. It's just the live crowd has evolved to the point where they think it's about right. them. Right. And so, right. I mean, they're they're still kind of in this uh, in the attitude era mentality. Right. Would you say that? Well, you know, I don't think so, because I think no? the attitude era mentality was much more Pavlovian. It was much more give, take, give, take. We're here to play That's along true. with the show. That's true. It wasn't, you know, when you got it. But I think the real turning point, we're talking WrestleMania 20, you sold out at Brock and Goldberg. That's yeah. when it's like. Okay, this is a crowd that when it comes to the big shows, the pay-per-views that the hardcore yeah. fans all travel to and you get kind of a. Yeah. You know, a concentrated collection of fans who are much more hardcore and dialed into the business and not just casual ticket buyers for the house shows. You're going to get a crowd that's going to decide on their own whim what the story of the night is going to be in the crowd. Yeah. And it's kind of going to yeah. be – it's going to kind of be – That's true. Yeah. That, 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 that's, I, I see what – I should say I suppose that's true. My point my, – my, what I meant to say was I, I see what your point was. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You know, and I think – I agree. It's it's kind of a it's an unfortunate set of circumstances for John Cena because just as the crowd realized that they could kind of hijack a show and just decide yeah. this is not what we wanted to happen so everything sucks yeah. you wouldn't really you would get the heat you know you would get um, in in Hogan's era um, you wouldn't get the crowd booing the idea of Hogan in the ring you know you wouldn't get you wouldn't get the idea. Of the crowd is booing because the WWF's giving us Hulk Hogan. They may right. boo Hulk Hogan. They'd blame him, but they wouldn't boo 
the the, mm. the booking of him. Mm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. They're not attack. They're not booing the the creative or the creative yeah. he represents, and that's yeah. that's kind of a kind of a problem with the evolution and the maturation of the fan base in terms of their their real insight into how it all works is that they become much more um, amused with themselves and pleased with themselves for mocking the WWE brain trust and decision makers just yeah. as much as the act responding to the creative you know it's like watching a movie and sh- and you know shit talking the director the whole time instead of the characters mm-hmm. and the actors mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and uh, I think seen as a victim of that now other guys you could put in that position and the fans wouldn't be thinking in those terms at all I think that was part of the thing about Daniel Bryan but you know the undertow of even Daniel Bryan is we, lo- we want to send a message to the WWE that this is the kind of guy we want featured. It's about right. sending the message. It's not about Daniel Bryan. Right. Right. He, he just happened to be kind of the guy, right guy at right time. Yeah. He, ha- he happened yeah. to be the guy who had he had amazing in-ring ability, which they want to see out of a guy. And he, he just had the combination of factors that was clearly so against the grain of what they were being told to want that he was just the perfect kind of patron saint for that cause. Well, and that's part of the problem is that no one wants to be told what to want, unless you're, of course, you're a fan of our show. Well, that's right. And we don't tell you what you want. We don't only tell you what you want. We tell you what you need. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you're going to get it, and you're going to get it hard. We learned from the best, didn't we? Because Vince mm-hmm. used to be able true. Used to be able to <clears throat> give you what he wanted, and you didn't realize that it's not what you want. You know, he, he was able to, yeah. to code it, like, you know, and to hear him tell it, he's just listening to the fans. He's he's just giving them what they want, and then he. Well, I've got a very good sense of the pulse of the fans. Apparently, the people. Mm-hmm. I feel the pulse of the people. I'm I'm, I'm the original Ahmed Johnson. I'm the people's champion. <laughs> what a terrible, of all the well, analogies. He was the, he was the original people's champion. I'm the original guy. Yeah. Okay. I'm the original guy you hadn't heard of until I'm, 1996. I'm the original Dustoy. Yeah, that's doy indeed. That's how they say it in in what? Thailand? Um, from the original Dustoy. Uh, all this is to say, you know, this is the era where these kind of considerations are suddenly something we have to worry about as wrestling fans. Sure. You know? We're not sure. thinking about these things when we're watching WrestleMania seven or WrestleMania thirteen even. No. Or WrestleMania two. And now it's all about the freaking crowd and their and their freaking Facebooks. You know, and, and like, it's and the, their you know movements. That's the thing about it. We were, were, that's a good, that's actually a very good point I hadn't really taken in consideration yet. But by two, 2006, we are on the, really the, um, we're breaking ground mm-hmm. with social media. Absolutely. You know, Facebook was, and, and MySpace was like the thing. Mm-hmm. Facebook was, was, was still you know, not where it would become, but it was still slowly brewing. You know, we're, we're at the cusp of that. And you know what? It's a very good point you're making because, because social media did something that I, that I despise. Mm. It gave everybody a voice. Right. And most people don't deserve voices. Most people do not deserve voices at all. You need to earn your voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't just and be so, on an even plane with everybody just because right. you decide to be. Right. You know, it, 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 it's 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 you know that that kind of freedom to to comment and voice your opinion is is a, a is a freedom people 
shouldn't have <laughs> because they don't keep it to themselves they form little movements that appear right. that appear to be it's like before you used to be able to tell crowds going in this direction this is what's right now you can't right. tell because one crowd goes in one direction and the next week it's a different sound and the next week right. it's a different sound because right. they're all just you know spending time instead of paying attention at work or school you know coming up with different ways to get things to trend all the time or try or or coming up with different right. ways to get their friends to like something they're writing or get attention for something they're posting and when you do that you're becoming the star and this is the era of the crowd becoming the star Yes. This final yes. third of our leg, in yes. conjunction with the rise of social media, is the era of the crowd becoming the star, and it is and a it's, problem. You know what? It's funny because this actually, this show is falls uh, uh, is a victim of that. That's right. This show is a, is really the first victim. And so is John Cena uh, in this decade. Indeed, indeed. But Rey Mysterio. Yeah. You know, Rey Mysterio gets the title because the fans said, uh-uh, this is what I want. Yep. Don't give me that other stuff. Give me what I want. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what happens. They give it to them so because there seems to be this groundswell of interest in it, but they don't really want to do it. And guess what? When they don't really want to do it, they don't follow up. It's dead in weeks. Right. They'll do it. They'll give it to you they so you don't get all mad. They Mysterio so fast and so hard. Oh, goodness. After well, this show. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into detail as to why, uh, as we welcome, as we have for all 21 weeks of our journey, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer to talk about WrestleMania 22 here in just a moment. And he gets into the Rey Mysterio factor, because obviously that's a huge talking point in this show. He becomes absolutely world heavyweight champion at his unlikely size, right, in terms of the large, hey, long history. Hey, let's put it this way. There ain't nothing heavyweight about him. That's right. He is not a heavyweight. He's the, uh, in my mind, in my eyes. He's the world midget champion. That's as far as I'm concerned. He's the and, world midget bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Vince in a, a surreptitiously recorded uh, meeting there, I believe. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm sure he did. So, you know, th this is also becoming that thing. And this is a this is a, a WrestleMania evolution, boss. Yeah. We're getting to the WrestleMania the, the moment. WrestleMania evolution? The WrestleMania evolution is taking place, and now we're entering the age, in the next several, you know, the next uh, what nine shows, where they start to do things just for the sake of the moment. Mm -hmm. They don't do things mm -hmm. because that's where the company's going. Right. They don't do things because now is the beginning of a new day. WrestleMania 21 last week felt that way, but that's the last one that felt that way. Yeah. I think every WrestleMania from here on out, and I'm sure through number 31 here in 2015, yeah. you're going to be getting these things that appear to be changings of the guard, that appear to be a shift in direction, appear to be a shift in conscience about who they push and why they push them and what types of action they... But, but the thing is, it's like, you know, what's the main thing? What's the, what's the most important thing about pro professional wrestling? What's the point? To make money. Mm -hmm. And... If one guy is making more money than the other, they're your guy. It's true, you know? but we also know something. We also yeah. know that it's not that hard to manipulate your way into making sure that the guy you want makes money and the guy you don't want doesn't make money. True, true. It just takes a little bit of a true, a little bit of a sleight of hand in the booking. But, but I mean, yes and no. I mean, if you never give a guy a chance, a real chance to show sure. if he can draw, you can't say he can't draw. And right. they do that all the time. That's true. It's a good point. It's a good point. 
You know, you got to go whole hog. You got to, and now you, you, due to what you've done to the fan base and their psyche, you have such a high mountain to climb before you really can convince the fans that no, look, we mean it with this guy. Tell us whether he's going to work here or not. Yeah. The fans are so much more jaded about that now because every time they try to get latch on to somebody, they realize it's going to just come back to the same four or five guys mm-hmm. that they really think are stars in their heart of hearts anyway. Yeah. And um, and that's the story. And uh, let those rich talking points flow like a mighty mm-hmm. river in the last third of this uh, 30-week mm-hmm. WrestleMania journey. Big so time. It's, <laughs> it's Cena and the game. It's 2006 as we chronicled last week in october 05 the wwe jumps back from spike tv to usa network for monday night that's raw right. that's right so that's kind of a reconfiguration uh, of the business there their television is beginning to sort of um, consolidate i think it's i mean i don't know if you have a if you have a a moment for this or not that you had planned but no, i also think you know we talk about you're talking about monday night raw going back you know they have their homecoming yep. back to usa yep but there's also the return of something else. The return of Saturday night's main event. That's right. That's right. In 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 accordance with that's a great point, boss. Mm-hmm. Because of course USA Network is a subdivision of NBC Universal. Indeed it is. Um, and by coming back to the NBC family as part of the t- as part of the package, they uh, they ink, I believe, four Saturday night main event specials a year in prime time on Saturday night on NBC. Yep. And um, they they do these things. I think it was was it that many? I thought it might have been two. Maybe just two, and maybe the other two are taped specials, which is yeah, what we're left with to the nowadays. Yeah, we're left with the uh, like the um, WrestleMania recap and tribute to the troops. Right, right. Which I think, yeah. But there were two sort of live or live to tape specials too. Yeah, that were much I mean, more. They were done. Main... They, they were done like the old Saturday Night's main event where they taped them like a day or two before. Exactly. And then, um, yeah. Which we started yeah. talking about way back at, you know, WrestleMania 2 when Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol start yeah. to have a meeting of the minds after Hogan and Mr. T go on Saturday Night Live as hosts to build WrestleMania 1 and, and catch Ebersol's eye. He likes the Tuesday Night Titans idea. He likes the, um, you know, the sort of uh, the camp of pro wrestling. He thinks it's just swell and uh, yeah. funny and tongue in cheek. idea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there were only two. There were only two Saturday Night's main events per... Well, there were two in 2006, two in 2007, and only one in 2008. Yeah, it didn't last long. The ratings did not hold up for primetime network pro wrestling in this era, in these 2000s. It's just not It's not going to be um, – pro wrestling wasn't as rare on primetime television uh, now then as it was in the 80s. I mean it was just um, – you just couldn't match how much more special it felt to have, uh, you know, four or five big matches on NBC at 1130 uh, back then as you would now. Now it would just be a struggle to make you realize that it, it should count even more than Raw. I mean, they tried. They yeah, shot right. some big angles in the very beginning. But that, that concept is over. Network pro wrestling, done. Yep. Yeah, totally. And I'm glad totally. you pointed that out because that's not a small evolution in the history of the WWE. No. It's not a small lesson learned in terms of, uh, you know, trying to go back to what used to work and, and proof that that isn't always uh, the solution. In fact, it very rarely is. So Saturday Night's main event comes back with the... Uh, first time in 14 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, these guys just... And for the, first time, for the first time on NBC in 15 years. And also happening in the business is TNA. I mean, they sort of, they got started in 2002, but around this time is when they become actually um, competitive because after 
um, the WWE leaves Spike TV to go back to USA, in short order, um, Spike signs up TNA and pumps money into the organization. And suddenly, uh, in 2006, overcomes Kurt Angle and overcomes uh, Booker T and Christian and a lot of other sort of WWE flotsam and jetsam as they uh, cut guys in the years to come. TNA gobbles them all up enthusiastically, puts the belt on them, and then watches as they lose motivation and then go back. With the exception of Kurt Angle, of course. But uh, that's a real factor and a real thing happening. People think that by being on Spike, as Raw was all those years, doing very, very respectable numbers with Spike's money behind them and the ego of having been left high and dry by WWE and wanting to to, uh, poke at them as a result, that TNA is actually going to grow into a significant force that kind of takes shape in late 05 and 06 as well. I know. I remember thinking that I thought for sure that that Kurt Angle going over was going to be was going to be the jolt that they needed. Yep. I thought for sure having Kurt Angle there was going to give them uh, uh, a shit ton yep. of notoriety and what they needed. Boy. Yeah. Well, and to that end, this is Kurt Angle's nope. final WrestleMania. It is indeed. It Isn't is that amazing? Mm-hmm. As we've been talking about how yeah. electrifying a performer he's been on these yes. shows. Yes. And, and it's, a, it's a kind of a shame he goes out in the match that he did. But we'll talk about that. Uh, for Angle, it was um, it was it was a range of different things. Uh, basically, a breakdown in Vince McMahon's office, a nervous breakdown, to just a plea to to do something for um, basically the the grind of the road and his neck injury and his painkiller problem. And you could tell his body was deteriorating, his arms shrinking, his his body sort of you know contorting and morphing. And they put the ECW Championship on him for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah wasn't like he, it was all uh, onward and upward in terms of career trajectory. And then he had a, a rather infamous meltdown in, uh, in, in meeting with WWE Brass about his, just his personal health and, and how he's going on a spiral. And look, Kurt Angle is not going to stop grinding. He, he'll, he'll, he'll just keep doing the schedule under great pain until he dies. And, <laughs> and the WWE was as far away as you could possibly be from being interested in having another one of those cases on their watch after what happened to Eddie Guerrero. Well, Kurt, um, you, you got some issues. You know, you got some, you got some problems. We got you, you know, you, you, you're addicted to painkillers and, um, you're addicted to the pain. You're addicted, you're addicted to the pain. And, um, I'm going to say this. I mean, you know, if you're working any other job, we'd say, take some time off, go take care of this. But we don't do that. You're either going to work the same ass schedule, and you're going to work harder. Vince, I really or... just need a weekend. I yeah, really, need a week... I really yeah, just need no, a weekend, Vince. No, no, Olympic no. gold medalist, Kurt. What I... you need is what you need is a work end. That's what you need. <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm sorry, Vince. A work end. It's real. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're damn right. It's real. It's true too. What I'm saying this is that you are going to have a weekend where you work. You're going to work matches. You're going to work harder than you do at WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> That's <You're> gonna... <laughs> Shut up. You're going to go Broadway each time, three times in one day for a full weekend. And that'll get that shit out of your system. Yeah, I love that. Sweat it out of your body. Right. It'll land on your head at least five times per match. So book oh, you it. don't like that? You don't. Oh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, you don't like that? Then why don't you do me a favor? Your other option is, well, no, we're not going to send you in any rehab. Not wasting time with that shit. Eddie Guerrero died after going to rehab that I paid for out of my pocket. 
No, you didn't pay for so it. Shut up. I pay for it all. No one knows that. I gave the money. <laughs> My and secret I, now. And I quote, I paid for it all. No one knows that. Huh? Just like, just like <laughs> he buys the WrestleMania broadcast. <laughs> I was listening to our WrestleMania 19 show. Yes. And I was thinking about it. You asked the question, well, how come this show didn't do well? And he said, because I, I didn't buy enough of the show. He buys them himself. He buys- He's got the, the 700,000 screen setup in his backyard, right? Of all these monitors, he just has to keep clicking order. He's got like on he's got like he's got like like shelves upon shelves of 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 cable boxes. He's got these oompa loompas pressing purchase. <laughs> it's, it's Stephanie and, and and Shane. Yeah, yeah. There goes the money. <laughs> In one pocket, out the other, right back to in demand. Whatever it takes <laughs> to prop I, those metrics. Yeah, I remember. Um, by the way, too. Uh, I didn't know that either. I'm trying to remember when this was. Now, when did when did Angle leave? What when, when did Angle go? Uh, 2006. He was in. Yeah, I know. Fantasy. I know that. I know that. But what 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 time of the year? June. Was it that early? If memory serves. I'm trying to remember. Up. All I remember is this. I didn't know he was going, mm-hmm. but you and I were together, mm-hmm. and we went to a a place to have breakfast. Mm-hmm. And we sat down there, brought out your observer, and you read to me every single detail that Dave wrote down about the departure of Kurt Angle. Uh-huh. And I remember just being flabbergasted at at the information that 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 was there. In terms of the the, the invisible struggle he was going mm-hmm. through, because mm-hmm. yeah, you couldn't tell on TV. No, not one bit. You know, you really, with bit. the exception of his deteriorating arms due to the uh, the the neck issues little, and the little arms, he's got little the Benoit little arm syndrome. The th- there's thinning, thinning pencil to no, pencil size. Like, they shrink in length. His just, hands are coming out his armpits. But just you know, you get those pinched nerves. You can't keep the weightlifting regimen mm-hmm. up. It just hurts too much. So you just nope. you can't keep the musculature up even Have if to. you want to. You and, have to. And um, I yeah, understand hit. you got a pinched nerve, but you got to fucking be big. Yep. Kurt, you got to. If you're not going to go work out, get like a fucking man. Smack him in the face. Come on. Then you got a fucking juice. <laughs> I'll get I'll, I'll I'll get you to one of my fucking my, the guy that, you know, you know, I had fucking trouble with back in 94. You, you live in Pittsburgh, you right? Fucking, you live in Pittsburgh. You fucking juice. You fucking get those steroids. You take those fucking needles and you inject yourselves with those goddamn needles. <laughs> You understand me? That is an indictable. Little... That is an indictable bit of dialogue if I've ever heard one. You know, you talk Here, about a prosecutor's what? dream. I'll tell you right now. Kurt. He said the whole thing. <laughs> That's like basically looking at a prostitute and saying, "I Kurt, want to pay you money give you, to fuck." I'm going to give you your three eyes right now. All right? Illegal steroids. Illegal steroids. Illegal steroids. <laughs> <laughs> And you fucking inject. All right. Illegal injection. And were you inject? You inject yourself with a lethal dose of steroids, you son of a bitch. Oh, my God. And that was... Otherwise, I've wasted the last seven years on your ass. Wow. So so there you go. The departure of Kurt Angle. 
he was drafted All to ECW verbatim. in May All verbatim. of 06, and by yeah. um, August 25th, 06, he was granted an early release from his WWE contract, uh, according to his Wikipedia here, because of health reasons. <laughs> Angle stated in the Kurt Angle Champion documentary DVD, I believe that came out under TNA, uh, that he asked for his release from WWE because he couldn't take time off and was working hurt severely on some occasions. He also states that when he quit, WWE lost their very top talent as he was at the very top of the payroll. Um, and I remember that he kind of went on a he kind of went on a tour of media interviews uh, in between time, really ripping the WWE. Uh, I think probably saying yeah. some things he went on to regret in terms of you know really putting them on blast for uh, really not living up to their public posture of taking wellness more seriously than ever. Yeah, right. And they don't like right. that. So uh, a distance and uh, that has yet to really be bridged was created between the two. There's been you know a sense that the two are going to get back together at any point in time. But um, there's always been something said about Kurt. And I don't know if maybe Vince or someone high up in the company uttered it once and it just got out. And that's why it's constantly repeated. But this general idea that Vince does not want a gold medalist dying on his watch. And Mm. Kurt Angle was in bad enough shape that he had all the symptoms and all the kind of indicators that it was going to keep happening. He, He was going to keep, you know, engaging in self-destructive behavior, um, you know, so to hear Kurt tell it, it's because he had to, to keep up with the road schedule, to hear them tell it, it's because he had an obsessive personality and they couldn't, you know, trust him to take care of himself, even if they wanted to, um, that, uh, you know, eventually he died and it would just be like this horrible, horrible thing that sure. they, they took an Olympic gold medalist who won the medal for this country. He got into their system, into their world. And in a decade, he's dead. Let me put it this way. I would rather not have, I'd rather have, I would rather have to deal with a guy who murders himself and his family than deal with a dead Olympic medalist on my watch. Hey, I'm not sure if something, you know, I'm not going to touch that, but I'll just say (laughs) it's probably not as far from the the Mm -hmm. case as we would all like. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a dark time. It is. It's a very dark time. Mm -hmm. There. It's a bit, it's the big time. But it's a dark time. Yeah. You know, a lot of shit is hitting the fan in terms yeah. of the this dark underbelly of the business, just the, yeah. you know, the, the the health consequences of what come along with what had become of the business and the style and the demands and everything. It's mm-hmm. just, I remember every, every month, every mm-hmm. two weeks at this point in time, it felt like somebody else was well going through some kind of incredibly trying circumstance. This was the era too. I think between like 2005 to 2007 is where you and I would be making a lot of phone calls to each other yeah. with uh, with a lot of names. A lot of names. <clears throat> just dropping those names and um and 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 people just kicking it left and right. Yeah, prior editions of the Lapsed Fan, we've chronicled how around this time JP and I start calling each other whenever a wrestler of note drops dead and uh, just leaving the name of the wrestler on each other's voicemails. Yep. And yeah, I remember. In a, very, in a very, very slow fashion. Usually, usually it goes, <laughs> usually it goes beep. There's, there's like a moment of sensational sherry. Click. Yes, precisely. And I think the reason it became such a thing, boss, is we had so many names one after the yes, other. Yes. You know, it's like it's probably just something that we just did once and then uh, we realized we could do it again and again and again <laughs> around this point in time. So true. For our, own, for our own dark amusement. Well, let's uh, 
help set the table for this show in terms of wrestling history and context with Dave Meltzer now, um, who's been uh, great enough to join us for our first 21 weeks and will be with us all the way through week 30 here on that lapsed fan wrestling journey of 30 weeks of WrestleMania. Uh, So here, looking at WrestleMania 22 in Chicago, 2006, is Dave Meltzer. Enjoy. Dave, I remember this match, the main event, John Cena versus Triple H for the WWE Championship, feeling like the first real wholesale rejection of John Cena. Like, you get to WrestleMania, and there had been whispers, some crowds did not like the presentation, but I remember this night in Chicago being like, oh my god, they have what seemed at the time to be a real problem on their hands. We weren't used to processing a babyface this way, and you know, we know, as we talked about last week at WrestleMania 21, that the WWE's business wasn't necessarily worse off as far as John Cena's ability to move numbers because these crowds were booing him. But in 2006, and as the crowd just completely craps on the idea of him going over Triple H in this main event, it felt like a real issue for them. Yeah, yeah, because you never had that in the other. The other one was nobody knew how to how to read that. And it was just starting to happen. I think it's, I think the first I really noticed it, I mean, I, there was always something, but when he feuded with Chris Jericho, who was actually a heel, you know, it was one, but I, I, you know, it became one of those things where, where when Cena would wrestle like Shawn Michaels and Triple H, I think because the older fans who had considered those two guys cooler, um, it, it was, it was tough. Um, as I recall this match, I think that the match itself was very good, Yeah. but, but yeah, you had that, uh, you had that reaction. And I think a lot of people also went in there expecting that Triple H would win. And then when he didn't, it, it surprised them because, Triple H was still more an established star and John, it still was not really the John Cena era, even though people in hindsight will go, Oh, well, the John Cena era started in, you know, whatever, Oh, four, Oh five. It, it really, it still was the triple H era in a lot of people's minds. It didn't really this. And then in, 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 in a lot of ways, actually his win in this match was the, the real passing of the torch in, 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 yep. you know, in the big picture, because it really was triple H was around, but he really wasn't the big star after this match. And John Cena really was. Absolutely. And he tapped clean in the middle. He tapped clean to him. Yeah. It was kind of a stunning finish. And you saying that does bring back that general feeling that this actually would be Triple H getting the belt back and the WWE pivoting off what was turning into a kind of gnarly situation with John Cena with the belt. But then they double down and uh, and we go from there. Um, why why do you think that, you know, they took such a hard line back then on a guy that, quote unquote, the crowd was rejecting? I think today, if someone did to John Cena, uh, to to another guy they tried to push, they'd give up on him in a week. Absolutely, I think because he moved he moved merchandise, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what it was. Is, is, and they saw that, and perhaps it could be as simple as it's Vince McMahon's company, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Vince just saw, hey, this guy's a great babyface, because based on that narrow parameter of. He's good looking. He's got a great body. He works very hard. He can talk and he kids like him. That baby face, that, you know, Hulk Hogan model, John does fit into that category. And it could just be that, you know, there's so many decisions they make for cosmetic reasons. And, and the cosmetic, you know, the cosmetic has always been important in wrestling. And perhaps in the eighties, it was just incredibly important. But when we get to 2005, 2006, 2007, and, and even more today, I don't think the cosmetic has ever been as important because, um, and I, I, I 
it's it's and it's still important, but I don't think it's it's as important as it was in the past because I think that the fan base really um, more and more it's not who the people think is a tough guy. I mean, when I was a kid, just as an example, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and I would say absolutely through the eighties, uh, maybe into the nineties a little bit, but certainly through the eighties, you know, I would do a, like Colin shows and everybody, you'd always ask if it was real, if it was real, oh, yeah. who, who would win a fight between Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair? And it's a preposterous question, but to the average person, that was still important. Who would win between Bruno San Martino and Dory Funk Jr.? You never or, hear or, that anymore. No, by, by, by this era, you don't hear that anymore. And you also, the other thing you didn't hear is, is in the Hulk, in the Hulk Hogan era or the Bruno San Martino era or the, you know, the Sting and Lex Luger era, it's like, well, look what he looks like. Of course he'd beat the other guy up if it was real. So the body was a big advantage. I think that again, when we're talking 2005, 2006, 2007, I think this is also the rise of MMA. Oh yeah. And I think that People, once they saw MMA and they saw when it comes to a fight, you can't judge a book by the cover and you start to look at guys not based on their physiques, but based on their skill. Then all of a sudden with pro wrestling, number one, there was no, well, if it was real, who's the toughest? Because you had MMA. MMA was about who was the toughest. So pro wrestling becomes about who entertains me more. And you start figuring out who entertains you more. And then the body is really you know, it's still, like I said, it's not completely insignificant, but it's less significant. And that, that said, John Cena was still a big draw, but I think that that may be Vince being, you know, judging by, you know, if you look at like Vince's handpicked guy, okay, as opposed to the guys who got it, when you look through history at Vince's handpicked guy, everyone, you, you start from Hulk Hogan in 1984 on, Ultimate Warrior, Kevin Nash, uh, to a degree, Sean, you know, but but all of the the handpicked guys, the successes and the failures, Triple H, they all had good physiques. They were big guys, with the exception of Sean, and or very good looking. And what Sean had was very good looking and a lot of charisma and and uh, incredible incredible worker. Um, but but if you look through the, the whole thing, the general rule is is good looking guys with good bodies, and you know. John it's the only thing that explains that. the Luger push. But, well, the Luger, the Luger push is like, you know, he was the closest thing to Hulk Hogan they had. Absolutely. Unfortunately, at that point in time after um, Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior, they it, probably the worst thing they could do is try to find another guy to fit in that mold because that mold has, had run its course. Well, apropos to this discussion about size, meaning less and less and less, we arrive here in 2006 and the conditions are such that the WWE decides to put the World Heavyweight Championship on Rey Mysterio, a wrestler the proportions of whom you know they would never even consider, even five years prior to this. Um, a year prior. A year prior. We'll talk about, for people who may not be familiar, but the basic story and outline behind how Rey Mysterio ended up getting the title on this show. I mean, the, the, this is a funny one because Rey Mysterio was pushed – Rey Mysterio was a guy, he was really popular. What, what happened with Rey Mysterio, you know, th- when, when, when WCW folded, there was a lot of negativity in the, co- in the company as far as Rey Mysterio. You know, um, Rey Mysterio, you know, if you remember when WCW folded, they picked up a bunch of contracts. And Rey Mysterio was not one of them. Took him a year to, to bring him in. Yeah, and, and it wasn't like they were... You know, like they had conversations with him. It wasn't like it was yes or no. 
every the vibe I got from people there was more negative than positive towards Ray. But the wrestlers, you know, and I when I talk about like the Hardys, some of the guys from that era, to them, like Ray Mysterio was kind of like an idol to them when they were kids. You know, from they would see him and, 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 you know, he's smaller than they are. But, you know, all of these guys that came along in the next era, so to speak, five years later, were were guys who had watched WCW and watched Rey Mysterio and, and just think, man, look, you know, he, he could do things that nobody could do. And so he was really over with the guys. Plus, you know, he was known as an excellent worker and all that. So when he was free and well and, and all that, I think that there was just kind of a push. Hey, let's get Rey Mysterio in here. It would be wonderful to work with Rey Mysterio. So they brought Rey Mysterio in to be a cruiserweight. Remember they had that cruiserweight championship mm-hmm. and, and they didn't really, you know, they would beat him all the time and he was there, but it was not, no great plans, but he was such a good worker and he did kind of get over to the fans. So he was not buried, but he was never really pushed past a certain level. Then the feud with Eddie Guerrero came mm-hmm. and that feud, um, you know, I mean, and I, I, I you know, I, I take credit or because and it's, it's it's and it's not my thing. But what I did notice and I was writing about this, that in certain markets, Houston, Los Angeles, um, Dallas, Texas, San Francisco, whenever Rey Mysterio or Eddie Guerrero were against each other or not against each other on SmackDown, because remember, these were both SmackDown guys, the quarter hour number jumped always and sometimes to an incredible degree i mean ridiculous degree mm. and you know all of a sudden it kind of was smackdown became the number one show in hispanic households english language show i mean there were shows on univision that beat it but as far as like on you know i mean it it beat you know everything sometimes football games maybe would beat it an nfl game but that's about it i mean it beat everything on cbs you know you get the show on what was it? Was it UPN, CW? I don't even remember. What it would have been, uh, yeah, by 06, it would have been CW. Okay, so you get the show on CW, and among Hispanic households, it's beating everything on the big networks. And so, and and then when, when Ray would get hurt, that wouldn't be the case. It would drop out of the top 10. And then Ray comes back, and it's back to number one and number two. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, it's kind of like one of those things where there's too much evidence, and we can't deny it. So he's a star. So he became a star. Then Eddie Guerrero passes away, and Eddie and Eddie's numbers were as good as Ray's, if, and actually better. I mean, the the I, I I remember making a statement to somebody in the company, and I said like, you guys don't know this, but Eddie Guerrero is the Hispanic, or the Mexican. I think I use the word Mexican. Eddie Guerrero is the Mexican Steve Austin, you know, because he's just moving these numbers among Mexicans, but you don't notice it, but he is. Hmm. So Eddie was the guy. Well, then Eddie passes away, and the natural. You know, even though even though, you know, Eddie, Eddie's natural best friend, whatever in the in the company, you know, it was like you, you, you the, the, the sympathy guy to push. I mean, they probably would at first thought maybe Chavo since it's his nephew and it's his family. But the reality is, I don't think they had any faith in Chavo. And, and I'm not saying that they're wrong either. And they went with Ray and they did the whole thing with Ray and Randy Orton and just all the stuff exploiting Eddie's death. But. Ray was the point guy, and I think that they just figured that. Um, so 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 they go into the rumble, okay, and the idea is that Ray wins the rumble, right. okay. Now Vince's idea, and I don't know how many people know this, but this was going to be the year that the winner of the rumble was not going to main event WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a storyline where where Ray would be taken out of it because he did not believe 
what was it, Anglin Orton, right? Mm-hmm. Anglin Orton was going to be the match. And he just, and, and, and Ray was going to be whatever, I don't remember exactly remember how it was, how the storyline was going to go, but the, the storyline was is that Ray was not even going to be in the match. Vince did not trust him to be that high at WrestleMania because of the size. So it happens. The, the, the Rumble, you know, obviously the, in the Rumble, he puts on that great performance. It was 62 minutes, yep. 60 minutes, whatever. Time. Yeah, yeah. The start to the finish. Um, longest uh, ever thing. He gets a lot of momentum. The whole writing team at this point is the whole writing team, Pat Patterson, are all Vince. We got to put the title on. Mm-hmm. And Vince is like, no, 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 no one's going to buy it. He's too small, blah, blah, blah. We got to do it. It's over and over, and it's like everyone except for Vince wants to put the title on this guy. So finally, Vince goes, okay, I'm going to do it. So he does. Um, then the flip side of that is, is as soon as he gets the title, Vince, all Vince does is beat him and make the championship a joke. Yeah. And uh, so Vince won at the end. Countdown to proved, self-fulfilling prophecy. He, he In the end, Vince proved that they were all wrong because Ray he gave Ray the championship and Ray didn't get that over his champion. And to this to this point, because Triple H has said this and Vince has said this, it's like whenever there's this example, and they I think they may have used it with other people later, is that like, yeah, Ray was over until we made him world champion. You just you've got to know when you stop, mm-hmm. you know, wh- wh- how far you can go. And it's like you don't know because you didn't get you know when you made him champion and you had him squashed by Kali and Mark Henry on television, it's like he wasn't champion. And so yeah, of course it didn't work. Yeah. I mean, if you gave it a fair shot, who who knows? Who knows? Maybe. I mean, maybe I, the next question is part I, of that psychology, Dave. But this match is only given nine minutes, and for a well, it, well, 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 that was that. Okay, so now, now that was um, it, because of the way the show went. I think something went really, really long. They were supposed to have, I believe, it was nineteen oh, minutes, I see. and I mean, and, and and they were cut at the last minute, and they had a phenomenal nine minutes mm-hmm. um, because I remember they were Kurt. It was it was Kurt Ray and Randy Orton, and they were heartbroken because. I think that, you know, you know, Kurt's mentality yeah. and, and Ray, you know, it's like, look, Ray's in the main event or a main event at WrestleMania and Randy Orton is got a lot of pride and they were out there with the idea that we're going to have such an incredible match. And then, you know, right before they go out there, you go from 19 to nine and they still had a great match, but you know, they were, I know they were all really disappointed, but it, yeah, that's, that's what happened there. And uh, also in this show, WrestleMania 22. Edge works Mick Foley. It concludes with the memorable scene of Edge spearing Foley through the apron to the floor through a flaming table. And uh, that's pretty much Foley's last stand and last sort of star-making performance, and he he did it for Edge in some ways. He, he at least boosted Edge, who was there in a lot of ways. Orton, even Triple H, uh, Foley was a guy, uh, The Rock. Uh, he was such a star-maker throughout so many key points for the WWE. How do you remember feeling, though, as he crashed through that fiery table? Did, did it feel like uh, like the one, one too many kind of dangerous bumps at his age, his, his tenure. Um, how do you remember feeling about this match? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I like McFoley personally, so I never liked when he would do things like that, but, um, I know it was a very well received match and it was, um, I, I believe for him, I believe it was actually his WrestleMania highlight because, you know, his other WrestleMania main event was that match where he, he was, you know, he wasn't in shape. He had mixed feelings. He didn't have a great performance. It was kind of a crummy main event. Um, this one was for what it was supposed to be. It was, it was a great match. Yeah. And, and it absolutely, like you said, it helped edge. It, it got edge over as a tough guy and beating Mick Foley and Mick Foley style match. I don't think it was as strong as the Randy Orton one. 
I think the Randy Orton one, honestly, was of, of what Mick Foley ever tried to accomplish. Um, I mean, I, you know, the Triple H and Randy Orton would have been his, his crowning achievements, I think. Because Triple H, you know, he, he uh, you know, and, and, you know, that whole series took Triple H from a guy who I thought was a little overpushed to a guy who was really uh, the heel, who was really the top heel and, and a very viable world champion. And with Randy Orton, I just thought that was just the whole program from start to finish. Um, you know, it took, it, you know, Randy Orton was a superstar at the end of that program. And, 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 uh, that last match just solidified him, um, you know, as someone who, yeah, he could, you know, just have, you know, have, have, have one of the great matches, you know, just be, uh, in, in a different style than you expect Randy Orton to have. And there he is, Dave Meltzer talking about big time WrestleMania 22 in yeah. Chicago, John Cena, uh, standing and prove showing and proving standing tall over triple H after winning the championship at 21. And, uh, you know, just telling the fan base boss that I'm going to be the guy, you know, and it's, I can, and I can wrestle. Yeah. Well, I can make, I'm a submission specialist. That perhaps is one thing he didn't tell people that night. I know, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. They talk about the venue. Uh, this would be the last WrestleMania at just sort of a conventionally sized venue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're talking here, the Allstate arena, Rosemont, uh, suburban yeah. Chicago, Illinois, and, uh, 17,000 in attendance, nothing to write home about. The buy rate for the show wasn't anywhere why, near top why 10. The, uh, why, the, why the small arena? Well, uh, they had decided um, that they were going to do the big major markets. Um, they did New York. They said we'll do L.A., and then we'll do Chicago as well. It was just the thought for 2021 20, and 22 that we'll just do the big media markets because they had – that was their habit at that point in time, with the exception of, uh, of course, you know, coming up with Astrodome and then Skydome and doing those large Safeco as well. Uh, I think Safeco spooked them a little bit. Now that I'm thinking out loud, because that show was hardly a blowaway success, mm. you know, in terms of live mm. attendance, in terms of pay-per-view. The stadium thing didn't add that much, and there's so many more costs when you run a show of that size. Sure. And if you if it's not going to translate into more pay-per-view buys, it's hard to justify that cost. And so that may have spooked them into going smaller for 2021-22. But the point is they had decided before 22 that they decided 22 was going to be in Chicago and it was going to be in the size building. But at some point, according to the um, History of WrestleMania documentary that they just put out on DVD a few years ago with a real, mm-hmm. the true story of WrestleMania, yeah. um, they pretty much say that Vince had made the call uh, before this show that this was going to be the last WrestleMania not in a stadium-sized venue. Wow. And it, indeed it was. From here on out, we'd be doing football stadiums, 60 you know, 60, 70, 80,000 seat venues always for WrestleMania. They but I just, wonder why, I wonder why they didn't do it at a big stadium in Chicago. Why not just do it? Because I think when they were booking arenas for this WrestleMania, they weren't in that state of mind. I see. I that, see. That's, I what, see what you're that's what WrestleMania has to be. And, uh, and so it would begin the next year uh, in Orlando, actually Detroit, yes. then Orlando. So uh, Cena talks about preferring the, uh, in that documentary, the smaller atmosphere for the shows because of how the crowd noise travels. And sure. talked about how, uh, you know, it felt 10 times louder in Chicago than in Detroit and Ford Field the next year, even though arguably his match with uh, Shawn Michaels was much hotter. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it's, it's the sound just, you can't, it doesn't drench you on the, when you feel like you're standing on the 50 yard line of a football game, triple H had the same reaction. He said, you know, it's almost a delay by the time the sound hits you in the ring in a large, large cavernous stadium. And yeah. so you get a reaction off a secondary echo and it's, you know, 
just as you execute the move or what you think is a high spot, you, your immediate reaction is no one reacted to that. Like no one cared about right. that. And then right. it, you know, then it hits you almost sure. like an echo. So it really, sure. the performers say it really throws them off, which I think is uh, pretty interesting. Um, but Jericho in that documentary also makes the point, and I think uh, it's it's obviously the psych- psychology that won out that you know WrestleMania should be in a stadium, and if the reactions are affected, so be it. You know that's just uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, you know, I, I think it adds because it it, it 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 that's what helps add that aura of something special. You know, the the set is is off the charts. The um, you know, you get you get this huge epic. I mean, I, I think I think honestly, my favorite. For for the feeling of epic, I think my favorite one has was twenty nine. Yeah, when we were at MetLife uh, uh, Stadium mm. for twenty nine, and I think honestly, sitting as far back as we did, seeing the 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 just the the grandeur of the of the mm-hmm. of the space, the people, the mob of 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 wrestling fans, the how far away we were, just the epic size of it all. I think. There's no, and the fact that everybody in that arena, and I think in any, it's just like glued to these fucking little stick figures. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I think WrestleMania needs that. Absolutely. It needs, it needs that higher scale. Yeah. You know, the set needs to feel bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it needs to feel bigger than a conventional pay-per-view set. You need to look at a WrestleMania broadcast years later, the tape of it, and know it's WrestleMania just by right. the right. look just, of how far away the, the crowd field. is from yep. the ring. Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. Uh, this would be the final WrestleMania sort of in a conventional uh, arena where it would be harder to tell. And, um, man, for all Cena was saying about the benefits of the crowd reaction, maybe it wasn't ideal for him on this night because it just – compounded the idea that the the whole crowd was rejecting John Cena whole cloth yeah, seriously without a second's hesitation so it's time to uh look at that but before we do mm-hmm. as we always do here in our 30 week WrestleMania journey here on that lapsed fan wrestling podcast it's time to dispense with some rather grim business and we talked about it already it's a, we did it's it, you know it can be a grim time let's take a look at that WrestleMania 22 death toll indeed so we have um we have 5 we have five members of five inductees yeah, into sure. the WrestleMania 22 death toll. Of course, I mentioned her before, the sensational Sherry, who was inducted into the Hall of Fame the the night before uh, WrestleMania 22. Uh, Viscera, who uh, appears in uh, I believe it's a it's a pre-show battle royal. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's a dark match battle royal. So does Lance Cade. Of course, we uh, have Chris Benoit, who. Uh, wrestles tonight against uh, Jibble and The Undertaker. And then in our WrestleMania Swan Song, very interesting that there's only one man of note, I should say. I need to make that clear. I'm sure there are other men who who, who, who this was a WrestleMania Swan Song, but only one man of note. Um, and I'll get, and that's Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was the, uh, was the one guy out of the whole, out of the whole list of people, who is a man who uh, uh, um, this was his WrestleMania swan song. The other three were Trish Stratus, uh, Lita, even though uh, she wasn't in ring, this was her last appearance, and uh, Tori Wilson uh, was was her last in ring performance. She was a, I believe she's a lumberjill next uh, next year at WrestleMania 23. And then, like I said, uh, Kurt Angle, the wrestling machine, his final WrestleMania. 
might punch myself for forgetting something obvious, but what about yeah. Mick? Huh? What about Mick Foley? No, because remember I told you this. The, what, what? He came back for a special appearance. Okay. His that... WrestleMania swan song was 2000. This was a guest appearance. Like the same <laughs> thing. Why right. the, the Rocks was <laughs> the Rocks WrestleMania swan song is WrestleMania 20. That is his 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 line. Like he he went from WrestleMania 13 to WrestleMania 20 every year. He was at WrestleMania. Then he stopped. He left. Decided to go make his movies, and he come back for guest appearances. But there, that is not his WrestleMania swan song, okay. in my opinion. Right, so a swan, a swan song has to be connected to that that sort of continuous run. Right, mm-hmm. it's your it's your run. It's the end of your run. Right, and that's why that's why I got some I got a little bit of flack for not including Hogan in nineteen, uh, in that. But that's not his run. His run, in, even in our opinion, it ended a year earlier than it actually did. Right, you know, we 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 here at the Laps fan, we said this is that WrestleMania eight was the end of the Hulkamania era, yeah. and um, that truly. That was his swan song in my mind. I still remember feeling the sadness when we did the WrestleMania 8 edition of the yeah. show. Yeah. I remember feeling, oh, well, that's it. That yeah. There goes the part I feel mushiest about. There goes WrestleMania. In this WrestleMania Over now. journey. So here we are at 22, and uh, we've dispensed with the formalities, uh, mm-hmm. Dave Meltzer, our death toll, our swan song rundown, and it's time for that trademark deep dive into your WWE Network archive. into places that you feel are uncomfortable. On the other side of this break, get uncomfortable with us here on The Lapsed Fan and take in the big time. WrestleMania 22, 2006. The deep dive is on the other side. Feel it where it hurts. Break. Stay close. Countermove.com, the fantasy authority in combat sports. You've got to check them out at countermove.com. Whether you're a mixed martial arts fan or you're into professional wrestling, Countermove makes combat sports more interesting. Win bragging rights and money at countermove.com. That's Countermove with a K. Look at any upcoming card, build a team, and watch them bring you home the gold. Whether it be bragging rights amongst your friends and co workers or cold hard cash. Countermove.com, the authority. In fantasy combat sports. Check them out at countermove.com. That's countermove with the K.com or on Twitter at countermove. And we're back. Lapsed fan wrestling podcast. Mm-hmm. 30 weeks, 30 WrestleManias, 22 weeks deep. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's WrestleMania 22. The date, April 2nd, 2006. The venue, Allstate Arena, Rosemont, Illinois. 17,159 in attendance. It's presented by Raw. And SmackDown, <laughs> as well as Snickers. <laughs> the Snickers Cruncher, just Snickers. Just Snickers. Just, you don't think I would have said Cruncher if it was Snickers Cruncher? <laughs> you think I just left that out like it's not a big deal? Um, so I want to talk a, a, a bit about the theme for this show. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite Peter Gabriel pop songs, mm-hmm. uh, big time. Um, so what I find to be peculiar about this i don't know if you got any information about it but it's curious to me that they would use a song that's so old it is very curious you know because uh 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 it's it's an 80s pop song and there's nothing chicago about it or no anything. no it's like where um, did the idea come from of all the songs in the catalog like, that you could pick from this yeah it's so bizarre this is the kind of song that that Tim Sheridan would use right. if he were in charge of production. Right, he would somebody who kind of a song. gets a kick out of like just playing an '80s song in the yeah. middle of the 2000s and bobbing his head kind of with a faux enthusiasm. Yeah. Right. I mean, I actually got a funny story actually in regards to that. In regards to Tim Sheridan, our buddy T Diddy, who you've heard here 
on the WrestleMania's four, five, and six uh, um, episodes uh, uh, with his WrestleMania recollections. But um, so you know, I I, I wasn't really that much into um, uh, '80s pop music until actually, believe it or not, I was in college. Mm. Until you know, we were until we were at the Co. And I remember actually when I first heard this song, and it was introduced to me by T Diddy, Tim Sheridan. Really. And the first thing that went through my mind was. I thought that the chorus of the song, big time, it kind of reminded me of the song from Spaceballs. You know, yeah, from Spaceballs. Sure, sure. Spaceballs. They're the Spaceballs. Yes. Watch out. And it's got the same, the big time and Spaceballs sound the same. And I remember thinking, oh, it sounds like Spaceballs. I don't know why. That, that was funny. See, the difference is this one is so much larger than life. That's right. That's you right. Know, don't watch out. This was so much larger than life. So they just decided this is going to be a big time event, and uh, we'll see. We'll render our big, judgment. Big big time event in a small time arena. Yeah, they couldn't call it big show because, of course, <laughs> that had been decided. But I could have. Paul White was in the beginning. So uh, we're going to go to the ring. Big show. As Howard Finkel introduces. So much larger than normal people. Chicago native. <laughs> Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child. She performs America the Beautiful at the top of the WrestleMania 22 broadcast. We've got banners on the rafters of all the guys on the card. Okay, so, but no, we have banners in the rafters of people who aren't on the card. As well. Hogan? Mm -hmm. What's that about? I feel like he may have been on the drawing board for this show to be up there like that. But why do you... I don't know. Why do you, um... Why do you put him up there if he, he didn't make an appearance... At all. Nope. I, every time I saw that banner, I was like, is Hogan on this show? I thought he yeah. was on 21. And and they showed Daddy Guerrero, and he ain't there. He's right. fucking dead. Well, I'll tell you why they showed that. Um, one, because of the he, Hall of Fame. Yeah. And two, because they- He's dead. Could, no, because they could take- Well, yeah. But they could take that shot when Mysterio wins the belt of the Guerrero oh, okay. banner looking over proud at- Did they do at, that? They, they do did. That? Yes, they did. Oh, they did? Yeah. yeah, well, I'll point it out when we get there. Um, um, I missed that. You know who I was kind of bummed who didn't make a uh, an appearance? Our good friend Chet Kopic. You miss him, huh? I would have liked to have seen an appearance by him. Jeez, why, why don't we just get uh, the Family Feud guy back while we're at it? <laughs> no, he's dead. Okay. <laughs> can't do that, I guess. Can't, can't bring back uh, 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 Ray, um, Ray Combs. Ray, Ray Combs. Combs, yeah. Kooky, kooky, let me hear Combs. <laughs> That's tremendous. Ray Combs. <laughs> oh, he was great, too. He was great. With I the nasty I, I, boys to come after him, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was so funny, WrestleMania 8. Um, so but, oh, he's dead. We get our view of those banners. They've got it, all the... Oh, uh, so, by the way, it's not the Michelle Williams from Dawson's Creek, by the way, just so you know. It's did I say that? I said Destiny's Child. No, no, no. You, no, you, no, you said Destiny's Child. I'm, for, I'm just <laughs> specifying for the uh, for the Labs fan and solar system. Right. That she, different Michelle Williams. Right. She's willing to wait for her life to be over. <laughs> That you didn't think or at least I the that life stuff. of, uh, or, or yeah, you know, I wasn't expecting that to come out. Or at least the life of Heath Ledger. What? Hmm? Yep. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. So dark. Um, so dark. What a show, Dawson's Creek. Yeah, right. So a clip... guilty, guilty. I won't lie. A little, little, little guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, nice. I did. Nice. Um, so we I was get a... so major. I kind of I identified with the fucking piece of shit Vanderbilt. <laughs> Identified with the piece of shit, the story of J.P. Sorrow's life. <laughs> so we get all kinds of clips. See, he should have been, he should have done the Van Terminator, James Van Terminator. <laughs> Van Der, 
Van, Van, Der- Van Derminator. Van De- no, Van Determinator. Van, Van Determined. Van Determined to win. <laughs> so they show a clip of Flair. Van, Van Determined to shoot. As they uh, play America the Beautiful, mm. they show clips from Tribute to the Troops. Yeah. Flair strutting with our men and women in uniform. Candace crowd surfing in the sand. An eagle. Yeah. Um, Cena hugs a troop. Look at all that shit. Lillian rejoices. You know it all. USA Chance. Michelle Williams does a fine job. Good yeah. to have her. She yeah. seems enthusiastic to be there. So, uh, um, yeah. The, um, yeah, she does. She does. There was a, so a funny little personal thing. My, 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 my daughter was playing nearby as I was watching uh, this show. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in, you know, a little toy thingy. And she was just staring at Michelle Williams as she sang. Just like. Right? stare like she stopped you know usually she'll be in this thing and she just jumps around and jumps around and jumps around but then michelle williams came on she's like stopped and stared wow hey the power of the voice there it is the power that's the power of music Mm -hmm. that's right music transcends your ability to even understand the the lyrics music music is the universal language boy i'm gonna get off that as fast as i can uh we come back to (laughs) video and images here on the broadcast to wrestlemania one andre slam stud they show bulbs and they show all the big names over the years triple h Shawn michaels winning at wrestlemania 12 the austin era has begun Mm -hmm. piper savage flair andre I don't know about you, but once again, I just like as I was watching that. I don't know if you feel this when when you watch, when you see these, but I, again, I think it, it it has to do with watching them back to back to back to back to back. But I'm amazed and so excited about like how far and how fast we've come. Yeah, you know, you know, in the, in our in our WrestleMania journey here. When in the we see thing. a package like this, and we're like, wow, that's yeah. all in the past. And we've witnessed it. And it's like, I mean, again, sometimes it feels so slow. Other times it's just like, Jesus, how the fuck? Yeah, like that's really. We get here. I thought like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I thought we just watched WrestleMania 6. That's really how it feels to watch 22 straight mm-hmm. WrestleManias. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even remember it. It's like, yeah. you know, it goes by that fast. It's so true. Um, and we get a nice uh, introduction here during this package to something else we get beat over the head with not just peter gabriel's big yes. time but this uh whatever the hell this song is i, I oh i know i oh. dare you to tell me to walk through fire <sighs> come on you know you I love dare, that song I, I dare you to tell me to fucking turn you <laughs> off and fucking you. press the power button I, yes i dare you to tell me to cancel the network subscription <laughs> And they and you know why they couldn't resist it was because they have an, a lyric in that song at the very beginning. Let me introduce you to the characters. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, <laughs> so they God can show sense. all their characters. They, yeah, you know, because we have characters. Well, in USA, characters are welcome. That's right. Yeah, characters are very much welcome. Characters. Um, that was welcome. one of. The, they're actually, they're actually te- technically four themes to. Um, to theme songs to WrestleMania, big time, of course. This one, I Dare You by Shine Down. Then we get Save Me Sorrow, please. Yeah. Please. By Bullets and Octane. Gotta love them. I'm sure they've won a ton of Grammys. Yep. Then Baby Hates Me <laughs> by Danko by Danko Jones. Danko Jones, huh? Oh God. What the fuck? I dare you to tell me to walk through fire. And they show the evolution of guys like Triple H, Undertaker, Angle, with hair, with yeah, no right. hair. Um, Vincent is Muscle's shirt. And, of course, Eddie hugging Chris. And that's sad. 
So uh, yep. we cut to the Chicago skyline, um, and uh, we get our package that actually hypes the matches instead of just the grandeur of WrestleMania. Shawn Michaels kisses Vince's ass. We're reminded that happened. <laughs> Uh, all the matches with their soundbite. Cena says, I made a living out of proving people wrong. I will take that hammer and stick it straight up your ass, he said to Triple H on Raw one week. And everyone's like, okay, Cena, stop trying to be intense. When I mean, try to be intense. he can be, but you got to be intense about the right things. Like, don't, yes. don't be intense. Don't, don't, don't threaten people with weapons up their, up their anuses. Exactly. Don't be fucking. A- you know, don't be heinous like a fat man's anus. <laughs> so we get big time. We get pyro. And uh, I've got to yeah. make it show. Yeah. Uh, Carlito <laughs> uh, takes a – it walks down to the ring to get us started in our opening tag team contest. And uh, by the way, there was the uh, aforementioned um, prelim match before the show, and it was Viscera eliminating Snitsky finally to win an 18-man interpromotional battle royal participants there. Simon Dean, Rob Conway, Funaki, the late Lance Cade, Stephen Richards, Matt Stryker, Super Crazy, Goldust, William Regal, Eugene, Trevor Murdoch, Psychosis, Joey Mercury, Johnny Nitro, or Johnny Morrison, Tyson Tomko, the Road Warrior, as they get to calling him, Snitsky and Viscera. So there you go. You know, I, I love these, like, you know, well, we got nothing to do with you, so we're going to. Throw you all in there. We're gonna throw you all in there in a battle royal. So we're gonna have uh, how many guys we got left that haven't that don't have a match? Oh, we got eighteen. All right, let's have an eighteen man battle royal. Mm-hmm. Wait, we got we got well, we got twenty two people. Well, all right, let's have a twenty two man battle royal. You know, it's like they, they just like squeeze these like guys in. It's hilarious to me. No word as of press time whether or not Snitsky being eliminated finally in that match was indeed his fault. And uh, we open up with you know big... what was his fault though? What's that? Sucking. <laughs> that was completely. Yeah, can't his blame fault. anybody else on that one, Gene. Gene. Eugene Snitsky. Yeah. Snitsky. Eugene. Yeah, you go ahead, Gene Snitsky. Fucking buffoon. I Gene over here. You know, I dream of Eugene getting <laughs> yeah, the fuck off my TV. God, what an ass. So he's uh he's gone. <laughs> So we're opening up at the big show in Kane versus Carlito and Chris Masters. And as Carlito makes his way to the ring, he takes this hilarious dive down the ramp for some reason, like a kid rolling down a hill somewhere. <laughs> Just It's such a childlike moment from Carlito. <laughs> it's cool. Oh, Carlito. <laughs> to say the least, asshole. Oh, and uh, we get JR and King at ringside. Oh, Caribbean music. Good Lord. Uh, they um, talk about putting the... The band back together, JR and the King do. It's like the Blues Brothers in Chicago. And yes, uh, this is a point of great uh, tumult in the WWE announce booth, boss, if you recall. Right. This was the, um, was this the uh, the Joey Styles this was era? The, yeah, this was sort of the, um, the WrestleMania that if, you know, the current trajectory had been continued, that Joey Styles, being the lead voice of Raw after they got rid of Jim Ross for the umpteenth time, would have done. But instead, he's sort of relegated to the uh, the ECW announced team. And then come this show, he's the ECW hardcore commentator. Uh, the ECW yeah. announced team would come later. But um, I like Joey Styles on Raw. No, Joey Styles is a very talented announcer. He He really, though, thrived and stood out outside of this sort of Vince McMahon barking promotional spots in your ear roll that Monday Night Raw really is. It's channeling Vince's direction is what's so key about and what's so challenging about that job. But I even liked him then. I mean, I liked him in the, in the the raw position. I was like, okay, you know what? Mm -hmm. If you're going to give me, if you have to give me someone other than JR, I'm okay with Joey Styles. 
And I really enjoyed him. I really liked him. They went through so many different iterations trying to figure out what they were going to do. Remember, they had Coachman as a heel, as the lead Ugh. Raw guy for a couple of weeks there. Ugh, what a disaster that was. They were trying Coachman. They were trying uh, Cole. They were trying anything besides JR. And uh, by the time WrestleMania itself rolls around in 06, JR is back. What do you know? Mm-hmm. There we go. And um, and so they make reference to that. As a matter of fact, one of the lesser known things is as we're talking about this, and Dave Meltzer touched on it a little bit in terms of the UFC's rise and how much familiar and more comfortable America was getting with the idea of what a real fight looked like and the effect that had on wrestling and how much harder that made it for guys like John Cena to have their matches come off as looking like authentic fights. And um, so as that's happening, as the UFC's taking off on cable television in 2005 and 2006 on Spike, which the WWE had left, um, the uh, there starts to be a little competitive friction there. I mentioned how Spike was, yeah. you know, by getting in bed with TNA, was kind of trying to stick it to the WWE. Well, they also, by having UFC on their network now, um, were trying to stick it to them that way as well. And in October of 2005, they actually put a live UFC fight night head-to-head with uh, that big homecoming Monday Night Raw. So Spike was playing games there. And one of the moves the WWE tried to make to punch back, to harm Spike and to harm the UFC, was to hire away UFC lead play-by-play man Mike Mm. Goldberg. Oh. And Goldberg has been the lead uh, announced voice of the UFC since sure. 1997. And uh, sure. they tried to hire him away. He almost took the job. They threw a tremendous amount of money at him. I, I don't remember actually hearing the figure, but I remember it being a lot because Goldberg knew or felt as a sports broadcaster who had done many sports besides the UFC that if he took the WWE job, it probably would spell the end of many announcing opportunities in the other sports just because of the the, the change in perception around your name if you do pro wrestling. And sure. uh, ultimately, he got cold feet for that reason, but they put enough money in front of him to have him consider actually boss double-crossing the UFC and no-showing and not telling them their show that night, so they'd have to panic and scramble for an announcer. Wow. How Vince is that? I love it. Come love on it. over. Come on over. But um, only under these terms. But no, 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 Bill. Bill Goldberg. Now, what I want you to do. <laughs> what? No, yeah, th- this Who are you? is Mike. Who? Mike Goldberg. Oh, oh, sorry. I got you mixed up with, with a worker. So, why don't you do this? All right, no, no, no. I think this is this is good. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna give you this shit ton of money. Sounds great. Straight up, yeah. So why don't you come on over? But I got a little bit of fine print in the um in the contract. If you'll bear with me. Sounds fine, Vince. Tell me what you have in mind. <laughs> you gotta. No show, a UFC show. Completely what? just just bail on them. Just in words that I would use, fuck them over. Well. And shut up. Shut the fuck up. You got to do that. And then you got to denounce them. And you got to burn a UFC poster on live TV <laughs> and say... That the WWE is real sports, and they plan the finishes in UFC. <laughs> That's a pretty big ask. I don't no, think it's... I can do it. Well, you know what? I don't think you're a fucking person. <laughs> <laughs> Get 
Get the fuck out of my office, you piece of shit. I don't believe for a second, come to think of it, that you're really a person. How about that? <laughs> well, I wasn't ready. I don't know what to say to that. I was not prepared to respond. <laughs> someone questioning my very personhood here at Titan Towers. Your, your, your humanship? Your, your real, your, your living, breathing humanity? Yeah. Your living, breathing humanity, yes. So uh, there you go. Oh, boy, that's, that's how it fell apart between Vince and Mike Goldberg. Verbatim. Got the, got the transcripts. So uh, the sensational Michael Cole and the terrific Taz, oh, JR says, and pitching it Ugh. to our SmackDown announced team, who, of course, is positioned ringside at Allstate to call the SmackDown matches. Uh, Cole says it's great to have you back at WrestleMania, JR. I'm sure mm. he feels that way. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure he really felt that way. Um, Chris Masters. You know what? Chris Masters had a great entrance. I was going to say that. I dug his entrance. I loved his music. It goes from that epic, classical-sounding piece to this kind of slow, driving beat. It was cool. I liked it. The that timed okay. pyro with the flexing. He needed a better finish. Mm-hmm. That fucking master lock sucked shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the thing about Chris Masters was he actually found his groove as a worker, and he actually was improving in the ring by leaps yeah. and bounds at a certain point toward the end of his WWE run, and then they cut him. Then they cut him. Well, we didn't want you to get over for being good. We wanted to get you over for being fucking big. For having thinning so, hair and, and man, yeah. man boobs. That's what we were looking you, for. You know, like I know we can't say this out in public, you know, for fucking legal purposes, quote unquote, and fucking, you know, perception and brand perception. I want guys to fucking inject their arms with steroids. <laughs> Here we go again. It's ne- it's never too far from that, is it? I don't want people who, who can <laughs> wrestle. I want people who fucking are gassed. <laughs> the size of fucking clouds. The same fucking ripples. I don't want I... you to improve. I want you to get bigger and bigger. Till if I fucking poked you with a needle, you'd pop and <laughs> all over my goddamn office. So fuck you, masters. You're fired. <laughs> Get out. That's the message. You take that back to the locker room. You tell every one of them son of a bitches that I you mean tell business. all those sons of bitches in the back that if they don't fucking juice, they can get the fuck out of my company. <laughs> That is so the grounds for indictment. It's like you just have all you need right there. <laughs> and then we get. Speaking of, I just want to say. I just want to say. First of all, we get um, uh, uh, Carlito and and Chris Masters both making their in ring debuts at the mains. Just there it is. Mention. Yep, worth noting. Um, and now we get another instance, boss, of lyrics that I don't want to know, yet the WWE <laughs> finds a way to force me to memorize without even knowing it, without even being complicit in the assignment. The Kane song. <laughs> when all <laughs> around the <laughs> world <laughs> <and> <laughs> I... <laughs> you know, if, there's, if there's one jackass that doesn't need lyrics to his music, it's Kane. I know. It's true. <sighs> So, by the way, show Kane. By the way, is what I call this tag team. The Big Show and Kane. Show Kane. 
the reigning uh, right. World Tag Team Champions at this point in time, making their way to the ring to defend against Carlito and Chris Masters to get WrestleMania 22 underway. And uh, we've so- mused a lot, boss, about um, you know the fake lyrics I come up with uh, for wrestling yes. songs. Canes. Yes. When, yes. When all around the world is God. <laughs> Oh my God! Then of course every intuition fails. <laughs> I think that's what they actually say. To yeah. find its way. Oh man, it's the worst. So the flame returns. What were you gonna say? Um, I was gonna say it's not only does the flame return, but so does the Big Show's hair. Yeah. He was bald last week. Now he's got hair back. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. I don't. I don't remember him going from bald to having hair again. I always remember when he went bald, he went bald. And that it's was true it. too. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember the buzz that Big Show was bald down in OVW but when yeah. they sent him down there to lose weight and get into shape and stuff, and it was like... So it, he said, well, I don't know. The only weight I can lose is shaving my head. Okay. Losing that hair. That's the only weight that I can lose. So he's back. All right, well, I can lose 10 pounds with that. Go ahead. I don't fucking care. You try giving blood yet, Paul? That might work. No, why, don't you, why, don't you, why don't you just not eat? <laughs> Oh, man. Vince has a way to bring everything to an awkward silence, doesn't he? Well, Vince, i got to eat. Oh. So, uh, I don't think you should. He goes. What does he say? Come on. Yes. Huh? What does he say? Why it's so funny to me. Well, I don't think you should. <laughs> i got to eat, Vince. Well, I don't, think, I don't think you should. I don't see the big deal in eating. It's like, I don't see the big deal in sneezing. I should be able to control it. I mean, Big Show, if the reason that you're fat is because you eat too much, why don't you just stop it? Why don't you become the little show? (laughs) Yeah. Too small, problem. Too big, problem. Starting to get the feeling these poor guys can't win. I mean, (laughs) it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. You know? There's no, there's no, no winning here. So uh, it's the first time, as the announcers yeah. point out, since WrestleMania 15 that the tag titles have been straight defended at WrestleMania, as Kane and the sh- Big Show defending against Cody and Chris Masters. Yeah, yeah, first time. In a, in a straight tag match? Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. I see Not a multiple-person sure. match. A multiple sure. uh, team match. So uh, we get underway, and uh, Kane's going to show some agility here in Chicago with a leapfrog and a dropkick, my God. Uh, Kane's still kind of fleet of foot. He's not quite yeah. the lumbering guy we know today, the kind of broken down 40-something lumbering Kane. He, he's still going to move around the ring. Yeah, he, he had some He had some momentum. I just say, uh, it looks like Masters was wearing velvet trunks. Ooh, interesting. They had a like texture gold, to them. Gold velvet trunks. They didn't seem... Like the usual spandex or 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 pleather or whatever the fuck they they, they dress in, right? But because they seemed loose and baggy and weird. Chris Mordetsky putting the seamstress to work. I guess so. With a piece I of a couch. Wear, I want to wear velvet. Oh, go to TNA and date her. Okay, Chris. <laughs> so uh, Jr. says, uh, "Show of course has skillet-sized hands." It's always skillets with this guy. It's always skillets. <laughs> Big Show hits a body slam, and Jr. calls it a slam from the biggest athlete in the entire world. <laughs> More like the fattest athlete in the entire world. Well, what's the difference? I didn't know. I guess that's true. Carlito uh, gets the tag, 
And uh, there's Carlito Chance. He tries mm-hmm. to ring the arm of the big show, but it's like totally ineffective. It's like that small big guy comedy. Um, so show just picks him up and dumps him crotch first on the ropes and rings him out. Um, show says show uses the gorilla press on Chris Masters. Carlito hits the floor onto Masters. Yeah. Uh, Kane then comes yeah. off the top to the floor so, on both of them. Yeah, Kane apparently asked Vince if he could join the cruiserweight division. Yes, and takes flight. It's right. And JR suggests that somebody better notify O'Hare Airport. Oh, God. Notify O'Hare. Check out. flying up the top. Thanks. Thanks, JR. Um, backstabber on Kane. JR calls it, what an innovative move there. <laughs> Got a little my bit of catching up finisher. to do. My, my favorite finisher. The what, what an innovative move maneuver. Why is it your favorite finisher? <sighs> huh? Why is it your favorite? No, no, no. no. No, no, not not that, not the, not the backstabber, but but the innovative move. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Like I the see. name, not 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 the backstabber. I Jesus thought you had a little Christ. thing to tell me about the backstabber. No, what a that I never stupid knew. move! I always hated that. Move. <laughs> two knees and to the back. Act, two knees to the back. I'm like, how does that? How does that finish anything? Yep. Well, it drives pain up the spine. Jesus. Yeah. Great. I'll still kick out of it. Kane I'll be like the, Scott Hall. Yeah. Can't wait to kick out of it. Kane with a choke slam on Carlito. For the one, two, three. In six minutes, 42 seconds, the Big Show and Kane successfully defend the World Tag Team titles against Carlito and Chris Masters to kick off WrestleMania 22. There was um, there was uh, two couple of things about this match that I just want to say. First of all, when, when, when Big Show, I wrote down that Big Show tags in the big red bitch yes. who cleans house on the heels. And I said, nothing like putting over the new young talent. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> he like destroys these two guys who are obviously, you know, Guys, they should be pushing, and guys who probably should have won the belts here. Yeah. Um. And also, I noticed too, there was no control of this match by the ref. Hmm. Are you talking a straight tag match? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Mm. I think it maybe was booked to be a straight tag match, but uh, you know, or, or like penciled in as a straight tag match. But they didn't want us to be straight about this at all. There were like two guys in the ring the entire fucking time. It was, I mean, like everyone was battling and battling and battling nonstop. Interesting. Post-match, Carlito and Chris Masters sort of quarrel to tease a breakup. Doesn't happen, but uh, on the show at least. Uh, we then cut to the back. Jonathan Coachman is with Shawn Michaels. And yes. Coach tells Shawn, you know, Shawn, you told Vince to grow up and move on. Do you regret that? Um, Shawn says, I told the truth. I never regret telling the truth. Uh, this year I would not expect your classic five-star wrestling match out of HBK, yes. he tells the crowd. I do love when uh, when the wrestlers warn us that these ma- that their match is going to suck. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know if that's the same curse as saying it's going to be the show stealer of the night. So maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, but no, no. But 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 we had this before. I don't remember what match exactly, but there was uh, there was uh, someone said, don't expect this out of a match. And it's like I think Jr. said it during a during a, a women's match, something like that. Don't expect, you know, da da da. And it's like, OK, you're telling me this match is going to be awful. Pretty much. That's what you're telling me. Don't expect anything good in this match. Well, uh, Sean going up against Vince McMahon, and he just knew that this at this point he'd set sort of a standard of athleticism in his Absolutely matches. He had. he had to just totally go in a different direction to work around Vince McMahon's physical limitations that it just wouldn't be possible. So yeah. uh, he's already feeling bad about it, apparently, <laughs> such that they had to point out a promo. Um, he said, tonight's going to get violent, ugly, and he says, you're not going to get the HBK of 1995 or 2006. Tonight I'm going somewhere I've never been before. You better... Uh, mm. Be ready to get on your knees, put your hands together, and pray to God above. Tonight you are going to endure, Vince McMahon, your own personal hell. There we go. Money in the bank number two. 
There we go. Money, yeah, that's right. Money in the Bank number two. Concept debuted to great success the year before. Edge winning the first Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 21, cashing in, becoming champ, and going on to stardom. Uh, this year, the participants in the Money in the Bank ladder match, Rob Van Dam, Shelton Benjamin, Ric Flair, Finley, Matt Hardy, and Bobby Lashley. That's right. Uh, JR takes the time to note that um, RVD is undefeated at the Mames. He's 2-0 and at this time. There you go. Always worth pointing out streaks yeah. as they occur. Absolutely. I'm always interested in seeing who actually comes out of WrestleMania undefeated. And uh, they brought it back a second year, boss. Were you excited? Do you remember being, you know, jazzed up enough by the first MITB that it was worth a second? Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I liked the idea that it became this year a WrestleMania staple, you know, and it was for like the next couple of years. Sure before it was. became its own pay-per-view. And I always liked that. I, I thought that was a neat, it's one of those things I always like having something, something that I know is going to be at WrestleMania. And the but. debut at WrestleMania of one Bobby Lashley, who Indeed. as we'll see in uh, in a bit to come here at the WrestleMania journey, they had pretty big plans for. Um, I know. And it didn't sort of happen. One no. of many guys that they try to get behind here in uh, the mid to late 2000s that then just leave the company. Uh, I remember um, Lashley made his debut kind of unannounced at the Rumble in 2006. Mm-hmm. And I was stoked. I was like, great. This is fantastic. Like, I, I thought he was impressive. I thought, I was like, who is this fucking guy? Well, I mean, just the, the physique alone is like, true. unlike anything you'd seen in wrestling, uh, at least in, in, in WWE. And uh, Lashley, we'll talk about him in greater detail because next week, because WrestleMania 23 is really his WrestleMania moment, his WrestleMania yeah. spotlight. And, uh, which you'll, I, I'll note, I do believe at one point is taken away from him. Uh, what do you mean? His spotlight, his WrestleMania moment. Oh, yeah. Is stolen from him. Oh, 100%. Uh, right. As far year. as how it plays out. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Certainly. There's, there, there's a moment that it actually happens, and I'll get in detail next week. So uh, that'll be a, of a, what, what could have been sort of cautionary yeah. tale, maybe. Um, not you know, cautionary tale. It's not like he's in horrible shape or anything now. Um, it's just not the way you saw it working out when you realized uh, the way they were lining the cards up behind Bobby Lashley. So uh, that next week, the announcers from both booths are talking at the, at each other at the same time during this match, because you know, it's both brands. That's right. Well, we've got two brands of entertainment. So they got to, well, they got to both be on that. They got to both comment on it. Cause it's two brands of the, in the match. They both have to entertain. They got to entertain me. JR says Finley is tougher than a $2 steak. I know. Taz asks, how much is $2 steak anyway? I'm impressed by Finley. He's tougher than a $2 steak. How much much is a $2 steak anyway? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that one. Not for nothing. (laughs) Not for nothing. uh, I hate Taz. Sign, can we all get Flair an escalator? (laughs) For the ladder. (laughs) It's pretty good. That's funny. I, um, I love that. Like if like it was a Money in the Bank match and only Flair had an escalator and everybody else had to climb the ladder. <laughs> Suddenly he brought – I mean how the hell do you put that in the damn arena? It's like you how do you get out of the ring? But he does. Like, I'd love to see that. Like suddenly out of nowhere he's able to whip out a, an escalator. He just like clicks it on. But here's the thing. He's not allowed to step ahead. <laughs> right. He has to just stand okay. there and just wait. Couldn't that be the most amazing visual uh, ever? I'm like, thinking of it. Totally. I'm laughing my ass so off funny. thinking it's about it. So funny. He'd just be like coasting by. It's like Mike Myers and Austin Powers, you know, doing yeah, it behind right. the Yeah, right, right. Um, so there you go. Bell sounds I, run away, RVD chance. Speaking of which, I remember thinking to myself, what the hell 
is Flair doing in this match? Oh, seriously. They had such a weird thing with him. I mean, he did the TLC match with Edge, and that was incredibly successful. Um, It was really the match that I think in a lot of ways put Edge over the top. And when they realized that Flair could do a TLC match and pull it off, and it would be such a freaking spectacle to see a guy of his age and his legend taking bumps off the ladder or even the threatening to fall off the ladder and the drama that created, I think they tried to recapture that for WrestleMania here. That's my memory, at least. I don't know. It just was, it felt weird. It felt so weird at the time. Of course. And, um, I mean, this match was supposed to be where you plugged, as Dave Meltzer talked about in the design of Money in the Bank last week, this is supposed to be where you plugged your great mid-card workers that you had nothing to do with, uh, they didn't quite have a plan for, but you knew that they could perform amazing feats and had a chance to shine. By year two, they're plugging these guys in who, you know. Well, you actually made a good point because... At this point in the game, Flair was a mid-card guy, yeah. and they had no idea what to do with him. Yeah, they just pretty much fits that bill. He was supposed to be up-and-comers, though. Guys looking hungry, not up-and-comers, but guys hungry to make yeah. a statement. Not guys without a direction or, well, not guys who should have had a direction, you see. Uh, and Flair should have had a no storyline. I mean, it, think about it. A year from now, Flair isn't even on the show, on the main show. That's He's why in a was, fucking dark match. It was that befuddling period of the Ric Flair WWE relationship where they weren't letting him talk, or they they weren't um, they just they refused to to feature him. It, it was the weirdest thing. I, I don't know really what was behind it, but they refused to really uh, give him like a storyline. They just put yeah. him on TV all the time. It's like you're going to use him or not. But they just have we know. asked Meltzer about this. We should well, ask. We should have asked Meltzer about this. Yeah, it's like I mean, he, the, the, they basically didn't want him out shining everybody. That's what they didn't want. They didn't want him uh, to get get his hands on the microphone and knock it out of the park and make everybody else seem lame by comparison. But they also wanted the 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 stability in terms of ratings and name recognition that he could bring to a RAW and a broadcast. So they kept him on television. But they just never really wanted to give him focused programs or mic time. Because he would detract from the guys they really wanted to feature as the top dogs. That's it's ridiculous. That's what it is. It's so ridiculous. So uh, Lashley gets his power spots off early, so we get a little glimpse of what his offense is going to be looking like. Uh, Rob Van Dam hits a Pescado dive onto Hardy, who's holding a ladder out on the floor. He doesn't care. Throws himself with the ladder anyway. Mm-hmm. Shelton. That was pretty uh, crazy. That was a pretty crazy move. It was. Uh, Shelton bridges the ladder on the ropes. Finley is underneath selling while uh, he's being held. Shelton uh, runs up and flips, flip dives, runs yeah. up the ladder like it's a flight of steps. Risking suicide. Absolutely. And uh, flip dives onto Hardy, RVD, and Bobby Lashley on the floor. So Shelton Benjamin doing his part for the second WrestleMania in a row. Um, Hardy, Matt Hardy hits a superplex on Flair off the ladder. Jesus. But actually, we, we, you know, we um before that though we get the we get in the ring we get Flair and Finley going yes, at it. Yes, yes, that's a Man, matchup. Do we ever get that on pay per view? I don't remember. No, never God got that on pay per view. Why didn't we get that on pay per view? These are two just grizzled vets who lay into each other. Can you imagine what a what a what a stiff, hard match that would be? Seriously, uh, that would have been one of those legendary like uh, yeah Saturday night uh, WWE Saturday night matches in like '94 that everybody right. Had. Talks about some strange occurrence where those two end up in the ring. I mean, maybe they did work once or twice in WCW just for TV taping, but they never had a yeah. pay-per-view featured match. Yeah. Um, I don't think they even worked together on Nitro once. So again, um, Hardy yeah, but... takes the 57-year-old Ric Flair and freaking superplexes him off the ladder. 
And uh, this is a huge spot in the match. Uh, JR's having a conniption about how Flair is yeah. 57. The pack, the kidneys, Flair may be broken. He may have exploded on the inside. Flair's screaming. JR's talking about how he but, broke his back in 75 in the plane crash. I know. They're really selling it hard. Uh, they, they, um, they make it. What's funny is that Flair gets suplexed and then suddenly, like maybe about 30 seconds later, is in dire pain from yeah. screaming. He has that same delayed reaction you get if you get hit in the balls. Like, yeah, right. It's right. not immediate. Oh, You're like, oh, gee. Oh, oh, and then it hits you. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. Oh, oh, my. Ah, 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 I love ah, the flare. Ah. Oh, God. Oh, God. Grabbing the rope. Oh, God. It was awesome to be, you're trash. Yeah. You're trash. <laughs> you're trash. <laughs> And of course, uh, to add some extra phoniness, they have the refs do the big yes, X the sign. X, the X signal. Which it's a shoot. It's a shoot. It's, it's a, a universal real signal for uh, get me a real it's doctor the, out here. This guy's really hurt. It's, it's the universal signal for shoot. <laughs> yeah, don't do that in the middle of a, you know, of, of a tense situation. People might get the wrong idea and start firing. <laughs> start pulling out guns. You got it. So uh, everybody comes Riddling out. People with bullets. The crew comes out to help Flair, and they add that little element to make you think that he really is hurt after yeah. that massive ride. So that's the spot to kind of get Flair out of the match and still have him make a big contribution to it. RVD yeah. is uh, back in play. He tries the rolling thunder on Shelton Benjamin on the ladder. Shelton moves, yeah. and RVD crashes. JR uh, uh, says Ace Hardware. <laughs> well, so uh, then um, a little while later, Lashley starts climbing the ladder, and uh, but he gets he seems to like get up there a little too fast. Oh yeah. So he suddenly slows down, and King and Taz start speculating about his fear of heights. <laughs> and then Jr. clarifies clarifies that Lashley wasn't in the Air Force; he was in the Army, and not the Army Airborne. Oh. Looks a little tentative here. He's afraid of heights. I think he might be. He wasn't in the Air Force; he was in the Army. I don't <laughs> think Army Airborne. So there you go. Right that before kind of, you. Uh, before you try to come back with that as proof that yeah. that's not true. There, so so there you go. I guess so. Uh, so thanks for proving that one. That's settled. Good God, Tyson. But, okay, and also then Jr. calls this a bar room brawl environment. Now I don't know about you, but I haven't frequented too many bar room brawls. But I would assume they don't involve multiple ladders, a briefcase, and six half-naked guys wearing trunks. <laughs> Forget even that. They don't involve suplexes off ladders yeah. or guys running up ladders and doing flip dives. Yeah, right. That looks more like opening the bar room door and seeing a circus going on. <laughs> a three-ring circus like, with trapeze like, artists. It's like going into a dive bar and seeing Cirque du Soleil. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. And uh, Bobby and Shelton are up on both sides of a one ladder. Shelton uh, jumps over the ladder onto a attempted sunset flip powerbomb on Lashley, but he's just too big to peel off the ladder. So <laughs> Finley and Matt Hardy both help help out, and they pull Bobby down violently with a powerbomb, mm-hmm. three-man powerbomb. Uh, Flair limps back out for the big spot. So um, he's recovered. He pushed himself off the gurney uh, in, in our imaginations, and uh, he's coming right. back out here. Flair, uh, he comes so close to the briefcase. Yes. But uh, good old Finlay, he waffles him with that shillelagh. <laughs> Down goes the nature boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he gets the God. chops. He climbs, <laughs> gets his hands on it, shillelagh. Uh, Flair takes that sort of long, slow, nesty plunge bump off the ladder all the way to the mat. Interesting, Lashley uh, lifts Shelton up for a dominator. Yeah. The ladder is next to him, and Jimmy Corderas moves it just out of the way. <laughs> 
so that when Shelton comes down, he doesn't land on the ladder inadvertently. Uh, so a little help there from the refs. The, I noticed that a lot in these matches with weapons is that the refs, I noticed it on the WrestleMania journey here for the lapsed fan. They, they yeah. do a lot of little subtle movements to make sure the guys don't get more hurt than they expect to. <laughs> more, more hurt than they need to. Move around plunder and such. No. So uh, side effect off the ladder by Matt Hardy on Finley. So Finley takes his big bump. Rob it's, Van Dam uh, climbs yeah. up in the corner and comes sailing down off the tip top of the ladder with a splash. So crazy. So crazy. EC dub chants certainly break out in Chicago. Um, I mean, that was just amazing. That was absolutely amazing. Um, so also earlier, uh, Hardy, Matt Hardy climbs uh, to the middle rung to drop a leg. Middle rung, like literally middle rung on the ladder. Yeah. To drop a leg on Lashley. And I don't understand why he didn't just go to the turnbuckle. It's the same height. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fucking idiot. Well, you know, we all got to do um, things off the ladder. And then, okay, so then we got one of the, my one of my absolute favorite spots. Um, RVD is climbing the ladder, and Shelton Benjamin oh. literally flies in from out of nowhere like Spider Man, totally out of the frame of the yeah. of the camera shot. I mean, it's one of those it's one of those WrestleMania where they you know you, you, they don't do this as much uh, on the regular TV shows and the regular the 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 secondary pay per views, but at WrestleMania they do these kind of they actually seem to plan out yep. some pretty crazy shots. camera shots to create this idea that he's literally coming out of nowhere. I mean, obviously, if you were live in the audience, you would have seen him climbing that rope, climbing up the the. You knew he would have done something. You didn't know what, but you knew he was going to do something. So it, it, it is pretty cool from a um from a uh, from the TV perspective. Absolutely, yeah. You'd you'd see him in the arena climbing on the apron. As the viewer, you don't see anything. You just see the ladder and Matt Hardy, and yeah. then suddenly, on yeah, the left right. side of your right side of your screen, Van Dam, Van Dam, Van Dam. Thank you. And out of the right side of your screen, bam, uh, Shelton is stuck yeah. to the ladder like a spider. So, so they fight there. Yep. And Matt Hardy sets up a second ladder, and Jr. calls it multiple mayhem. Oh, twin ladders! Oh, the backhand, multiple mayhem. <laughs> That's just what came to mind. So, yeah, fine. But you know what? Like, I'm like thinking to myself, there's a gimmick match if I've ever heard one. It's, if we're going to, I'm going to, I challenge you, Ruck, I challenge you to a multiple mayhem match. <laughs> Several stages of hell. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> multiple layers of mayhem. It's like a, it's like a mayhem lasagna. <laughs> The mayhem meat lasagna match. <laughs> Sounds delicious. If nothing else, it's, it's the most it's... delicious match in entertainment. <laughs> it's steaming. You can't write it in. <laughs> so much more delicious than life. So, oh, uh, God. <laughs> Arvidi shoves Hardy, Shelton over so the ropes. So much more delicious than life. Arvidi and Hardy uh, get shoved. Shelton gets yep. shoved off over the ropes to the floor off the ladder. Um, and uh, after doing he's like that, kicks the other ladder over. It's kind of funny. Right. Yeah. The guy kicks it. Arvidi's on one ladder. Hardy Shelton on the other, on the other ladder. Hardy yep. and Shelton get kicked off to the floor and Arvidi's left alone, reaches up, snatches that briefcase and falls from the ceiling with it, boss. I think it's safe to say that Mr. Monday night becomes Mr. Money in the bank. In 12 minutes, 14 seconds, Rob Van Dam defeats Shelton Benjamin, Ric Flair, Finley, Matt Hardy, and Bobby Lashley to win the 2006 Money in the Bank ladder match and secure a shot at the WWE Championship. And JR calls the match a human demolition derby. And what I love about the finish is that Van Dam falls down with the briefcase just like in No Mercy. Yes! Yes! Whenever you win a ladder match in the game, 
inevitably, no matter who it is, even if it's, yeah. you know, Andre the Giant, yeah. if he gets the briefcase, he's not just going to walk down with the with the briefcase in his hand. No. He's going to go no. flying off the ladder. Like they, they trip, like they lose their balance after right. grabbing, the, uh, grabbing whatever you're grabbing. Got to take that one last spectacular bump. Van Damme does it. And, of course, Van Damme, uh, it's an interesting story, would go on to cash that in at the yeah. 2006 ECW One Night Stand pay-per-view. And also, he's the only person who I believe actually cashed it in and announced ahead of time. Yes. Time and you place. Uh, absolutely. And um, and by doing that, it was the resurrection of something they did in 05 as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about this. Actually, as far as the most length, interestingly, we'll talk about it most at WrestleMania 23 because there's actually an ECW dedicated match on that show. So it prompted well, the discussion with Dave Meltzer. Well, it's, it's, the, um, it's the first time next year Next week on the Laps Fan, WrestleMania is brought to you by Raw, SmackDown, and ECW. That's exactly right. So the WWE had designs on bringing back ECW um, as kind of like a separate touring company, really. Another brand extension. Just what we're missing, right? Well, they did um, They did a Rise and Fall DVD in 05 that did incredibly well, yeah. that told the story of ECW, and there was much more interest in the DVD than they thought. So they... Th- and the merchandise, the old merchandise, bringing back ECW t-shirts. Yep. So they started uh, marketing it, and they decided, all right, we'll green light. Well, they also did the, in 2005, didn't they do the one night only, or yep. one night stand? Yep, that's what I was going to get to right there. Yeah. Is oh, okay. They also greenlit Rob Van Dam's idea of just doing one night a show back at the um, at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City, yeah. uh, in all the old ECW feel and look and bring back all the guys who are still around who are uh, big characters in ECW and just produce a WWE pay-per-view from that arena, but it's an ECW show. Put Paul Heyman in charge of booking it, and it was a wonderful show. And it was part of what got Joey Styles his uh, real job with the WWE announcing was because he did such an amazing job as basically a one-man announce team for that 2005 One Night Stand pay-per-view show. So they uh, come back to the well in 2006 and try to recapture that and get that magic going again. Uh, Vince buys the idea of ECW as its own kind of entity. And when they bring 2006 One Night Stand back, the idea for the conclusion is uh, RVD cashing in this here Money in the Bank. And he beats John Cena in a pretty good match. And um, for a little while is ECW and WWE champion. Yeah. And uh, so that's what... This sets this actually this win in some ways just like it did for Edge sets in in line sets in motion the the signature run of Rob Van Dam's career I would argue. I know. And too bad I remember I remember it just died so fast because he had uh, didn't he he failed the wellness test. He was not well. Uh, he was not well. I think he there was, was actually Ill. an arrest uh, like a an arrest for possession as opposed to oh, just okay. it, it being in his system. And then he lost the title like maybe like a month or so mm-hmm. into his run totally. Because they were going to give him a, a, a run with it, right? Yes. Yes. It was It was all aborted because of that uh, publicity, yes. Awful. Awful. Um, so there it is. Um, our demolition derby, Rob Van Dam emerges with the briefcase. And now we go in the back for the main's debut of Josh Matthews. Welcome, Josh. Fucking shoot me now. So, is that <laughs> a, not a it's fan? Like, it's like Todd Petting Zoo 2.0. Josh Matthews was actually um, in the very first Tough Enough as a, con- a contestant, um, an undersized contestant. and a, I can see why he failed. Yes, well, a hopeful oh. pro wrestler, uh, but of course didn't make the cut as 
uh, the guy coming off the reality show to get a wrestling contract, but they did keep him around for years longer than whoever won that season, I bet, um, as an announcing talent, and just recently actually got rid of him, and he's in TNA now. So uh, there it is. Says uh, says interestingly, absolutely a five-star Money in the Bank ladder match, Josh says, which is kind of an odd debut WrestleMania remark. Yes, shut up, Matthew. Right. You suck. He's with Mean Gene Oakland, who, of course, was just inducted into the WWE yep. Hall of Fame. Uh, Gene says he had a bar tab last night that would just about knock you down. Orton interrupts with his RKO <coughs> shirt written in the NWO typeface. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. I like that shirt. Did you like that shirt? Yeah, I got a kick out of that shirt. I thought it was cool. RKO with the capitalized yeah. K, just like the capitalized yeah. W. Yeah. And says, you got inducted, Gene, for holding a mic for 35 years. So Gene leaves in a huff all insulted. I, you know, I thought, I, I didn't remember, I, I forgot basically how weak Orton was on the mic. Yeah, he's just, he's, he hadn't discovered the psycho part of his character yet. Right. Oh, yeah. Not, not for a couple of years. He's just smug and it's like. And like, you know, he's like basically like a high school quarterback jock. Right. You know, right. heel. And it's like there's limited depth to that. You can't really cut a good promo being that guy. You know, you can project qualities that make people want to see you get beat up in a match. But that character doesn't really have much to offer in the mic. And, right. Um, it would take a while. So um, he calls Kurt Angle a paper champion, does Orton, calls Rey Mysterio a charity case. And, of course, he is the legend killer. And there's Batista. And then, and then the Baptist interrupts his interview. Look at this. Batista yep. is there in a suit as he discovers his sartorial yeah. splendor here in 2006, which would be a, right. an ongoing wrestling meme. The, I, um, he, reminds, uh, he, he, he reminds everyone that he'll be back and that the animal will be world champion by WrestleMania 23. Mm-hmm. Now, that was a good prediction. Whoever wins. Certainly came true. Yes. He says, whoever wins tonight is hold, just holding the title that I come back. Yes. Um, and he also says, I'm feeling pretty old and I'll be back pretty soon. And by WrestleMania 23, I'll be champion again. Pretty bold or old? Not sure if I have a typo there. Maybe he did admit to being old. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, it's funny. I forgot. You know, when I think about, oh, yeah, the WrestleMania that they gave Mysterio the belt and Angle was the guy, I forgot that it was a period in which Batista was hurt. Yeah, Batista got injured in like the what, like fall of two thousand five. Yep, late. Yeah, yeah. mid. Late, yeah, autumn oh five, and uh, he he would have been in this position. You know, it probably would have been a totally different SmackDown main event if yeah Batista had been healthy. Probably still would have been the champ. There probably would have been these thoughts of you know considering, pondering, playing around with the idea of Mysterio winning the Rumble and winning the belt and all that stuff. So here he is keeping his presence known. But uh, just one year after his coronation over Triple H at WrestleMania 21, uh, Batista's sitting out WrestleMania the very next yep. year, creating yeah. sort of a vacuum. Uh, so he, uh, we go to the ring. Uh, Howard Finkel, ladies and gentlemen, he informs us, Brett, Hitman Hart was uncomfortable participating <laughs> in this evening's event. Uncomfortable, Oh, my boss. God. Oh, my God. First of all, the, the way they, they, they tease the name, too, he say, he says, ladies and gentlemen, Brett Hitman Hart, as if he's going to announce that he's there. Oh, I know. I mean, it was such a WWE thing to do. You know? So the story <clears throat> is that they finally, at long obsession, coaxed Bret Hart into coming back to be inducted into the Hall of Fame the night before WrestleMania 22 in 2006, all along thinking that we'll get him to agree to do an angle at Mania as well. In fact, we'll, 
what I want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. Patterson, get in here. So I want to get bread. Okay. I want to get bread. Well, Vince, you always you always want to get bread. We're, we're always trying, Vince. I mean, it's. I know it goes without saying at this point, boss, that you want bread. But I want to screw him again. <laughs> right, I want him that's... in that ring. Shut up, Patterson. I want him in that ring. And I want to get Michaels in the ring with him. All right? What I'm going to do is I want to have Sean. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to convince Brett to, put Sean, to have Sean put him in the sharpshooter in the middle of my ring. And then I'm going to get down in Bret Hart's face and I'm going to say, screw you, Brett. Fuck you, Brett. And then we're going to drop... Owen Hart's dead bones. No, no, no. From the top. No, no, Vince. No, we're not. There's no way I can in good conscience now try to recruit him, knowing that that's the idea. But I already dug up Owen's bones. Okay. So let me me ask you this. What? What if we just agree to get him? We'll say, you know what, Brett? All we want to do, Hall of Fame, Brett. That's all we want to do. Hall of Fame. No. And then maybe we can can talk. Son of a bitch. For turning his back on me. Maybe it's... Maybe it's a way to talk him across the line, Vince. It's one way to get him in the door. And you, you know what, you know, Patterson, you want him in your back door. Get out of my office. <laughs> okay. So Pat gives in. But um, anyway, they've been obsessed, of course. Obsessed I, with getting Brett to come back because Vince, that's how he deals with yeah. people who don't like him or people it's, who turn on him. Is he eventually gets you back, puts you back under his thumb, and he feels like he won. Once you come but back I, to work for him. You know, I completely forgot that Brett was inducted yep. so much earlier than his WrestleMania return yep. in 2010. Right. The actual doing the match with Vince and yeah. participating in storyline and doing business, as they say in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I thought that it all coincided with the same thing, but it didn't. I was com- completely forgot about that. Like four-year difference. Uh, Brett drew a pretty bright line, you know, around, I'll do the Hall of Fame, but I'm not doing angles. And they scripted out and planned out Sean versus Vince with the idea that eventually, when push came to shove, they'd be able to convince Brett to be the special referee for the match. Mm. And that part of the story they could play up and why, you know, frankly, the Sean Vince storyline felt kind of forced and out of nowhere. Like, when did we ever get this idea that Sean and Vince had great heat? It just, there was something missing yep. from the, yeah. the sort of organic well, part of the storyline. It just seemed like at the time we were doing this, you know, somebody gets Vince at some point. Yeah. Everyone, every, every kind of main event guy is going to just face Vince. Austin faced him, Triple H faced him, Hogan faced him, Undertaker faced him. Now it's Shawn Michaels' turn. That's true. It did just feel like a chapter like, like a, in that story. It's like a rotary door. It's like a rotary door of of superstars mm-hmm. who um you know, who who just face Vince. The idea the idea at the time, the, the point is the idea at the time was stronger that you know Sh- uh, Brett would have a role and that it would yeah. be yeah. you know Montreal and uh, they'd play all that up and they were just convinced that even though Brett said he wouldn't do mania that they'd get him to do mania that they'd get him to appear oh, I'll and, get him to do it oh yeah I'll get him to do it and not only that but they'd get him to do a tag match the next month at backlash and uh, what ends I'll, up happening I'll, boss I'll threaten I'll threaten to kill his family I'll threaten to kill Stu and Helen Finn's parents Vince, huh. sometimes you just, Vince, that's just not, that's extortion. It's, it's illegal to, 
to threaten somebody with the death of their parents to get them to do something. That's just, How is it illegal? It's extortion. When it's, when it's what I want. Yeah, well. I want to get what I want. How is that illegal? That's actually a good point, Vince. You show me when Vince has ever gone to jail for getting what he wants. I mean, I've beaten the federal government. I avail, I, I avail myself. I, I acquit myself. <laughs> I acquit and I avail myself of opportunities. Yeah, so it didn't happen. Um, no one, nobody likes a quitter, but everyone loves an acquitter. Brett, agree- what? An acquitter. <laughs> An acquitter. I missed that. An acquitter. So Brett agrees to come back in conjunction with the release yep. of uh, a three-part best-of career DVD set that he'd sort of had, you know, editorial control over. He was able to yep. pick the matches for the DVD as part of the deal for coming back. That was something that was important to him. Um, to be able to control or have a role and a say in whatever yeah. DVD release they did on him, which was the first they'd done. Yeah. And, uh, so that was part of the deal. So he does the speech, you know, does a gracious Hall of Fame speech, does a nice appearance and everything, but does not participate in the angle. And the month after this at the Backlash show, they had was, Brett penciled was, in to do a tag match. And, wow. uh, when and they couldn't, it was, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Just go ahead. When they couldn't get Brett, um, Sean, well, they went to a bigger. They went. To, they they got somebody bigger than than Brett. Sean had to team with God. <laughs> that's right, God. That's a that's a draw. That's I'd a shoot. That match. That's a shoot. They just cut to the aisleway during the broadcast. They turn all the house lights down. They put this spotlight, this bright glowing spotlight, on the aisleway and pretended that God was oh. entering the ring. Oh my God! Indeed. And Vince, you know, played it up for comedy, and it was just ridiculous, and it was supposed to be this kind of lampoon on Shawn Michaels' newfound Christianity, but what it really was was all they were left to think to do after Bret Hart did not, was not, was not to be convinced, as they assumed he would be, to participate in, in an angle involving Shawn and Vince. So there you go. Uh, and that's what this is what comes of it is uh, Brett appearing at the Hall of Fame ceremony, but unlike everybody else, refusing to appear before the people at WrestleMania itself. Yep. And then, uh, but afterwards, after this, after that little lampoon of Brett, uh, uh, we get a um, uh, rundown of the rest of the class. We get Mean Gene Oakland, of course, as we mentioned before, Sensational Sherry. And uh, Michael Cole says that uh, Sherry was inducted into the Hall of Fame by the millionaire, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Millionaire. Saba Simba was inducted. Mm-hmm. Vern Gagne, Vern Gagne, rather, was inducted. William the Refrigerator Perry, I assume, was inducted into the uh, celebrity wing. Yep. Want to go to the uh, Hall of Fame with the wings, the different wings of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Fridge wants to go to the one with the wings, too. <laughs> Count him in. A little smoky. Uh, count him in on the right. smoky aki, please. <laughs> Those Buffalo Wild Wings. You got it. The black, the original blackjacks, not the new blackjacks, uh, uh, were inducted. Eddie Guerrero accepted by Vicky before she became before she generally managed the Smack Your TV brand. Didn't of entertainment. You, isn't that so weird? Poor yeah. Vicky's. Vicky's still a normal citizen. You know. I know. Looking at her on TV as just a normal person in this current pre, world. Pre, pre, excuse me. Yes, pre, uh, for our lapsed fans being, you know, co-opted into the world of wrestling, given a manager gig, given a uh, a gig as an authority figure running SmackDown and taking on just this grating, 
awful heel character oh my God. Uh, that just, you know, would earn... Uh, leave it up to the WWE to take the widow of Eddie Guerrero, like the most sympathetic person that has ever been on their television, and turn her into one of their and most hated characters. Right. Hated. I mean, you know, part of me always felt like, you know, yeah, sure, it was a it was a buffoony and, and, and awful character. But at the same time, I always felt like in the back of my mind, even though I know this is... I mean, I we know... We know it goes through Vince's mind. It's all about exploitation and uh, <laughs> sex. And, <laughs> but, 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 I. Part of me is thinking to myself, I love the. I, to me, it felt warm and fuzzy that they're taking care of Eddie's widow. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave her a job. She's on TV. Yeah. You know, but we Did all know you? that's not the case. But well, I mean, it's it's true for all intents and purposes. It's true. It's just that they. They humiliated her all the time. They made right. every single angle about how she's fat and a pig and how she's yeah. got to roll around in like mud and pudding and shit. And like she's annoying and she's insufferable and she's gross. It's like, you know, like it's one thing to give a, you know, a woman a job to, to keep her family yeah. supported. It's another to give a woman a job to keep her family yeah. supported and constantly have her be put in this like completely, you know, degrading light all the time. So, um, Vicky, come on in and sit down. So we understand, you know, obviously now that it, that your husband is dead, that, um, very you know, times are, times are tough. You know, obviously I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you never had a job. I'm sure you've never, no, you know, had, had any kind of, I've I, had jobs. I, 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 shh, shh, it's okay. It's okay. I understand. I understand. Eddie took care of everything. Because okay. he's that's the way it is. Okay. So so, and and now that you know that you know the little freebies we've been giving you, you know, to take care of you and all, that that's kind of expired. So what we're going to do is, is I, I think I'd offer you a job, an on-screen job, to help you take care of your family in a way that we can kind of console you and help maybe help you get over this time. So but, so will my character on TV. Be a, yeah. of a consoling nature, Vince. That sounds lovely. Well, we, no, no, no. What, what we decided to do is that we thought it was only fair to kind of fit you into our mm, carny nature that we promote here in the WWE. So, what we're going to make you instead of being the the uh, sympathetic widow, you're going to be a bitch. We're going to throw you around in mud. We're going to make fun of your weight. Um, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to basically make you one of the most annoying individuals that we've ever seen on television. Just because we want to go against type. That's what we do here. We, we create characters. Right. And so it's not really you. It's just a, a character of you. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, just like I play Mr. McMahon on TV, but... In reality, I'm a decent guy. I'm giving you a job. You don't deserve a job here, but I'm giving you one because I'm a nice guy. But you got to do it on my terms. And I won't rest until and, people wish you had died instead that's of me. Right. And <laughs> I mean, that's my idea is to kind of create the sympathy for your husband who's already dead, and 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 make people wish he was alive and that you were dead, and and we think that'll make money. And um, if you don't accept this offer. I will work my damnedest to make sure you never work anywhere ever again. <laughs> hell of an off, 
hell of a charity offer, Vince. Hell of a gregarious, what a generous offer. Like, I, I love how he waited till the end to mention that this is, by the way, the only job offer you will ever entertain. And I'll it kind of changes the whole message, doesn't it? I'll make it my dying passion <laughs> to make sure you never get your fat ass in a job <laughs> ever again. There we go. Yes. So, welcome uh, to the... To the welcome WWE to the family. Welcome to the fold. Vicky Guerrero. And uh, here at WrestleMania mm. 22, she stands out before the people as they announce her husband having been inducted. Uh, she's crying. Huge smile. Yeah. Um, yeah. A great sign in black and white they cut to with Eddie's sort of uh, you know silhouette. Uh, we miss you, Eddie. And uh, back... Come over and lift Who am I talking about? Oh, the Blackjacks come over and uh, yeah. lift uh, Eddie, uh, Vicky's yeah. arms in the air. And she gets a hug from Sherry, and it's a great moment for her and her she's family. Like she's probably thinking to herself, "Who the fuck are you guys? Yeah, these blackjacks, they, these carnies." Well, she probably knows. Um, she's saying, "Where's JBL and and uh, and Wyndham?" She knows Lanza because Lanza, of course, has worked oh. backstage at WWF forever. Oh, true. So she would know him. But um, yeah, it's it's a nice moment. They, you know, they were still putting a very tender touch on dealing Black, with Eddie Guerrero. But, but how come JBL didn't get inducted too and, 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 and Barry Wyndham? They, they were, were Blackjacks. They weren't Hall of Famers. They were Blackjacks? Oh, for God's sakes. Every, you know, Paul Roma didn't get inducted with the Horsemen. Come I, on. I, I think we were missing out. Okay, I see. So you take issue <laughs> with that as well. Well, that would have been about a 26-man induction then if it's every Horseman. I know, right? Uh, Luger, well, yeah. Luger, Sting. Oli. No, that actually wouldn't happen oh. no matter what. Uh, although he kind of sort of got the nod. But... Uh, I'm going to sit on my watching my TV. <laughs> Holy. Don't, um, you, don't you come over near me. I hate everybody. Man, I'm only... isolate. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I'm going to isolate? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. You know, Oli's from Minnesota. He doesn't actually have that accent, right? He, he does. He totally he's not does. not actually from he's, Georgia. He sits in Mississippi on his fucking, like his little hut on the on the river. <laughs> Down, eating straw and watching watching TV on that little transistor television he holds in his hand, right? You know, so I watch my wrestling. Sounds like you got Vince to describe only for you. <laughs> I hate everybody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to isolate. Let me see. I hate everybody. Let me see. I hate everybody. <laughs> what a guy. Let me see. I'm, Let I'm me. not just Oli Anderson. I'm Lonely Anderson. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Oh, uh, and before I give them too much credit for the yeah. soft touch on Eddie, yes. uh, let's not forget that they did have um, him. They did have Randy Orton get behind the wheel of the lowrider and back it up, yes. like a week after Eddie died, and back yeah. it up through the SmackDown set with Undertaker on the uh, back of it. They did do that, and he did bring it out expressly to evoke the memory of Eddie Guerrero, and then to be a to get basically what a dick heel heat. He, they he, were all doing. A lot of people were doing that tonight. JBL does it later in this next match. Mm-hmm. You know, they're Thumbs all down. taunting people with Eddie, m- memories of Eddie. Everyone's trying to get heat off it. It's kind of oh. weird. Uh, so uh, go back to ringside. Cole and Taz talk about how yeah. emotional last night was for Eddie and uh, who Benoit was. It wasn't one emotional guys. for Eddie at all. No, about Eddie and who Benoit was, uh, how he was one of the guys who inducted him. And no oh boy. <laughs> yep. Uh, final glowing thing to be said about Chris Benoit in a WrestleMania bo- uh, uh broadcast there's one more he's got a couple of nice things in the next one some very interesting things for sure but anyway we go to the ring the united states championship is on the line 
as uh, Chris Benoit defends against JBL with Julian cool. Hall in his corner. Michael Cole says this is going to be the most physical match of the evening. That's right. Right, because the latter match before was all light and fluffy. Right, yeah. Flurry gets no credit for the nest he plunger twain that he takes uh, off the top of the damn piece of Ace hardware. Um, interesting for JBL's entrance in the limo, the ramp actually yeah. lifts, lifts up off yeah. the ground. Yeah. Out from underneath it comes the limo. Very cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Uh, we get the two-step, yeah. that little yeah, dance JBL sprinkled in. Jibbling Bits does a little two-step on his way to the ring. For yeah. Cole Cole says that uh, JBL claims, now bear with me on this one, that since he beat the great technical wrestler Eddie Guerrero for the world, for the WWE title in 2004, and if he beats Benoit tonight, another great technical wrestler, then Jibble will be the greatest technical wrestler of all time. That's right. Okay. No, that's valid. If you beat technical, it's like, yeah, if you beat somebody, you gain their powers. Yeah. You're suddenly as good as they are. No, that's that's true. Right? Absolutely. I totally agree. Okay. That's uh, why s- when Hogan beat Andre, he became a giant. Benoit with the U.S. belt, man. And, ba- and he got bad knees. Benoit with the U.S. belt. Just, yeah. just not what I expected to see, boss, when we took in that WrestleMania 20 scene. I just... I know. He's back wearing the U.S. title. Like, yeah, shuffle, look at me. Not only, not only wearing the U.S. title, but shuffled down to the third match of the card. Lame. So uh, there's a I, mean, I guess I guess Money in the Bank was pretty was pretty early on the card, too. But at least that was like a marquee matchup. Right. Yeah, you know, this is, is awful. JBL and the fact is... that he goes, the fact that he jobs, too, makes me sick. He's just so, like, makes him such a bit player. You know, it's like, as great as he is, we've already kind of acknowledged it. He's great. Okay, let's get back to business. Chris Benoit isn't going to win matches. Forget it. And that's where we are. Um, sign of the crowd says JBL is god awful. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. Tries a sharpshooter early at his Benoit, but he's pushed off. Three German suplexes on JBL. Yeah. Climbs up to the top. It gets tripped um, and crotched on the top rope. JBL, as you mentioned earlier now, uh, mocks Eddie Guerrero's mannerisms. Yep. And then scores with a superplex on Benoit. Right. I wrote this. <laughs> the crippler rips into JBL's chest with a series of vicious reverse knife edge chops. <laughs> okay. It's very specific. I do love my, my, <laughs> right down my point. very like, you know, descriptive novel-esque surgical. writing sometimes. Right. Surgical proceedings happening in this ring. JBL. It's a clinic. It's a clinic after all. I don't know. Yeah, what before delivering the chop, Benoit could be heard saying scalpel. <laughs> JBL goes to the three amigos suplexes to further mock yep. Eddie Guerrero. That's right. Takes him so long to twist his big Texas hoss so body. He's so fat. He's so Texas. <laughs> this big Texas livestock that got dropped off at Allstate Arena. Cow. He's a cow. <laughs> He's unloaded this stock at Allstate Arena. And uh, John Bull Layfield. Yeah, John Bullshit Layfield. Surprised we never said that before. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Um, so anyway, Benoit breaks off the third of the three amigos, um, but eats a boot for a two. Uh, Benoit then hits his own three amigo suplexes. Crowd a little bit more forgiving of that. Yeah, except that Benoit looks like he's trying to kick out each time. You know, right. He doesn't, he doesn't do the rolling legs. Off but the even, hips. J- even JBL did the rolling legs. Right. But Benoit just like. <laughs> It's like it looks like a child who doesn't know what he's doing, and so he just lifts his leg and kicks out like flailing about, like it's a so turble trying to get turned over the right yeah, side. Yeah, right, right. Um, 
so uh, now now I love it. It's a sign of respect when Benoit does it. Yes. Um, Benoit, you know, kind of slaps his heart Eddie style as well after hitting the suplexes, climbs to the top rope and scores with the diving headbutt, but only gets two as JBL kicks out of the diving headbutt. JBL then tries his clothesline from hell. Benoit catches it, pulls him down into a cross face. That was J- cool. But JBL turns that into a roll-up. He grabs uh, the ropes while hooking one of Benoit's legs to counter the crossface and makes it a one, two, and three. Awful. Nine minutes, 48 seconds. JBL defeats Chris Benoit to become WWE United States champion at WrestleMania 22. That was ridiculous. So Thumbs stupid. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, JR it? says it's a week for Chris Benoit that did not pan out. Lawler says... Yeah. And the reason Mr. McMahon has you back here is so you can call the demise of Shawn Michaels here tonight, Jr. So shut up. Yeah. Um, we got a quick promo for the official theme song of WrestleMania, Big <laughs> Time by Peter Gabriel. Lawler says that the song is available right now. And I'm thinking to myself, no shit. The song's been available since 1986. Right. The song's been available right now since 1986. Yes. Exactly right. Uh, we get a package. Um to look at the Edge McFoley match and uh, how he gets his hands on Lita, how they're under the sheets with a live sex celebration angle that sort of uh, put Edge in the spotlight in a big Well, they also, well, also him cashing in money in the bank. Yep, that's right, of course, I mean, yep. That was, a, I mean, I think probably the best use of the briefcase that we've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, I mean, of course, the first time you use it, it's going to be the best one, mm-hmm. no question. Um, and he'd been carrying it for so long that you sort of forgot what it meant. Yep. You know, cause he'd been carrying it since a year at WrestleMania 21 mm-hmm. and at the Royal Rumble, uh, not the Royal Rumble, the, um, uh, New Year's revolution, New Year's revolution. Thank you. It was shocking because you kind of just, you're like, you know, you, you think of yourself when he first wins it, what is he going to do? How's he going to do it? When is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? But then it kind of is like, Oh, I bet they never do it. I bet they have no idea what they're doing with this. Right. I bet they forget. I bet they completely forget about the, the 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 briefcase and it's over. And then you even forget that. You're like, it's just you see Edge walking down with that briefcase every single time, and it's just who Edge is. Mm-hmm. And then he cashes it in. And all he does is nowhere. And it's massive. And it's huge. Not just like, you know, one week on Raw at the beginning of the hour, they remember to do it. They remember to do it at the conclusion of a pay-per-view after right. Cena's run the gauntlet in this elimination chamber right. match. And it's the biggest you know, talking point of the whole company when he cashes in. So right, huge and recapped here in the package as part of the setup for, uh, the, um, WrestleMania match with Mick Foley. Uh, they spin, they, they show how this, you know, the belt began spinning around this point in time. Uh, he says he's the most watched WWE champ of all time. Um, and they showed Mick Foley actually counting edge down against Cena and that set up the feud. Um, Edge tells Mick, you've never had the classic legend-making WrestleMania performance that you crave, Mick. Edge says Mick has gone from being a hardcore legend to a cuddly teddy bear. You awoke something inside of me. Foley says that was sleeping for far too long. You have created a monster. You brought back to life the hardcore legend. Mm -hmm. So there's your setup for the uh, hardcore match between Edge and Mick Foley. Uh, For the call, Jim Ross welcomes Joey Styles to the booth because, of course, as JR says, he knows a lot about hardcore matches. Mm-hmm. Indeed, he does. And JR he knows even about extreme matches. And JR even says, "quote He deserves to be here." Oh, there you go. So a little, a little attaboy. So um, go to the ring. Uh, uh, yeah, we go to the ring, and you know what kind of bummed me out? Uh, uh, I think Mick should have entered to his Cactus Jack music. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think. <laughs> Mm, 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 
That's what he should have done. After hearing that rendition, I can't help but agree. I'm doubling down on my belief that that should have happened. You see someone wrote on Twitter that I should, um, <laughs> they want us to release a CD of WWE <laughs> theme songs with me singing them. <laughs> That's a great idea. Forcible Entry Volume 2. That's right. No, just call it Lapse Fan Rape. We can just call it Audio Entry. <laughs> Audible entry. Audible entry. That's better. Audible entry. That's a winner. Oh my god. Maybe, fan presents maybe audible do entry. That. Maybe make a CD of me singing the theme songs. <laughs> I can set up the Austin one with All right. You trash. Yeah. That'd be funny. That'd be really funny. <laughs> yes. If it goes Yeah, that's really funny. Great entrance for Edge here. Yeah. As he just breaks through the smoke in his street clothes with a bat in his hand, looking badass. Yeah. Of course, he's got to be dressed in his street clothes for this hardcore match. Lita, looking tremendous as yeah. a slut, you know. Yeah, she totally is. I mean, gone from being a uh, a lucha librette uh-huh. to to team extreme. I, and I use that term, that loaded s word, because it is an accurate description yes. of what they were trying to portray with the character in 2006. Slita. That's what she wanted. Slita. People to say. And call her. So, mm-hmm. uh, Joey Styles wonders if we can see the Foley tonight, who lost his ear all the way back in yes. Germany, pints of blood, yeah, years yeah. off his career, and the Hell in a Cell match in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Will we see that Mick Foley? Um, uh, Styles also comments that uh, Lita is as dangerous as she is desirable. He's as dangerous as she is desirable. Um, I like that. <laughs> Do you think that's laughable? <laughs> it is laughable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's good, but it's just, it's just... not. It's in pro wrestling, you can't get away with stuff like that. It's, I know, just, it's like we're, I don't gonna, know. we're going to mock it. I know. It's just especially on this show, we're going to mock everything, even if it's fantastic. Joey also notes that uh, Mick Foley's come into the ring not in his red and black flannel, but a darker color, showing he's mm. feeling darker tonight. <laughs> well, Lawler points out he tried to give his old clothes to the Red Cross, but they gave them back. So uh, Edge smacks Foley. See, yeah. I see, this, see, we still got some funny Lawler moments ahead of us. Oh, poor Jerry. That's great. God. No, just, poor this, us. Poor it us. It doesn't get any easier for him trying to deliver these lines as the years go, does it? And it, it doesn't get any better. It doesn't get any better for us. <clears throat> That's for sure. God. So uh, Edge smacks Foley with cookie sheet shots right out of the gate, and we're underway. Uh, he spears Mick Foley and sells his shoulder like crazy. Yeah. But the reason yeah. for that is evident quickly as Mick rises to his feet off the spear, takes off his flannel to reveal the classic red and black flannel with a Cactus Jack t-shirt underneath, and then we see, wrapped around his gut, is barbed wire. I don't know. That seems a little... like I mean, that seems like it would be more painful to Mick than it would be to Edge. Yeah, he like, speared I, the barbed wire to his, into his fleshy stomach. I was hoping to have like a, like a metal plate like Bret Hart used against Goldberg. Yeah, that was a good angle. You know? uh, and it's probably part of what they were going for. Yeah, it's just a way to a creative way to introduce the barbed wire. I, I think psychologically what you're saying is true, but it was a fun little spot. He pulls out wire cutters to get the barbed wire around him, so that yeah. was the story. We realize Edge speared the wire, and he had bladed his arm in the meantime, so he's bleeding you, from the arm. Can you imagine? It's one thing to blade your forehead, but can you imagine like going to your shoulder? Yeah. Ah, yeah, just yeah. Come on, mm. come on. Give me some color. Blade that shit. 
Foley starts uh, begin shit. Foley begins whipping Edge with the barbed yeah. wire, and it sticks in his arm, kind of nasty. Uh. Um, and uh, the announcers use the term slice skin, mutilate muscle, and tear tendons. That's what the barbed wire does. <laughs> That's what it does. Foley finds a barbed wire bat under the steps at ringside. Yeah. Well, he's got Edge tied up in the ropes. That's right. Good point. Don't forget that. Lita then jumps on Foley's back. Yeah. Foley runs with her on his back and clotheslines Edge, so all three of them spill all over the floor. three. And Lita gets the worst of it all. She, like, gets dumped. Yeah, she can't hold on to the ropes, mm. unlike the other two. Oh. So she goes free-falling over the ropes to the floor and takes a nasty fall. Uh, but it's a great idea for a spot. Uh, a cover on the floor gets two, so we're suddenly hit with the realization that this is false count anywhere, not just a hardcore match. Right. JR says that uh, there's only so much a body can take. And I remind Jerry that, no, not in fake sports. You can Your body can take a lot more. That's exactly right. It's... Double what you think you can take. That's right, because it's because it's not real. Foley like, runs for his knee into the steps. Edge uh, hip locks Foley though, and Foley goes yeah. flying leg first and knee first into the steps on the counter. Foley is uh, jerked down by his hair onto the steel ramp. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't go into the back at some point with this one. Yeah, especially with the false count anywhere gimmick. You know, right? Exactly. It's supposed to be a hardcore match. I'm surprised they didn't. You know, this would have been a great way to like do that. Let's go like into the bathroom and yeah. You know, fight there, stuff like that. But That whole series of options. Um, so it makes a big shotgun noise as Foley's head hits the ramp, Edge pulling him down. Uh, Lita hands Edge now lighter fluid, and Edge yes. starts to squirt it on Foley, and we're left to think, what the hell is Mick going to force himself to do to stand out in 2006? It's like his wife's in the audience, like, ah, oh, not again. Oh, my goodness. Stop putting yourself on fire. <laughs> yes, can I? I'm tired of it. Can I just at least rest knowing that never again will my husband be lit aflame for entertainment? I thought you retired in 2000. Nope. Now he's being doused in lighter fluid at Allstate mm-hmm. Arena. Uh, Foley makes a small comeback and hits his classic pile driver pulling on the pants. Don't you love that pile yes. driver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of scooping both hands under the stomach, he grabs two handfuls of the trunks and lifts up by the trunks and spikes and it's like a shortened pile driver yeah right it's a very much of a spike pile driver gets two um joey styles points out that technically according to the rules you could light someone on fire in this match edge uses a bat fully is busted um the barbar bat by the way barbar wrapped bat he begins raking the forehead and uh blood is pouring edge uh pushes over the stairs and finds thumbtacks he dumps them out <sighs> And it could be time for some. Make me nervous. It's time for some extreme acupuncture, boss, as Joey Styles says. Edge walks Foley over to the corner to dump him on the tax, but Foley suddenly counters with a big back suplex, and Edge (sighs) lands on the tax. I mean, he gets injected. His bare back is injected with dozens. And dozens of thumbtacks. Yes, the pain. Bareback. I mean, no I cannot t-shirt. imagine. I cannot imagine when you know that spot's coming. Yes. What goes through your mind? Yes. Nothing. You probably just can't afford to have anything go through your mind. You have to just do I it. I mean, that's so unnecessary to me. Uh, all those little cuts. Those little, little cuts. And they're in there. And imagine if, like, this one gets caught. It's just like... Pulls the wrong way. Yes. I can't. I can't. Well, Edge did, and he sells it great. <sighs> Just sits there frozen in shock and pain as all these little small cuts become evident in his back. 
Mick, in the meantime, puts on Socko and then wraps it in barbed wire and then puts oh, it in it's Edge's hardcore. mouth. <laughs> then puts the barbed wire wrapped Socko in Edge's mouth. Then Lita runs in and she gets that in her mouth. And, and it's, she she gets her lip cut open. She does, yeah. She actually gets some color on it. Oral surgery being performed uh, by the mad so. doctor Mick Foley, they say. Lita looks to be bleeding. Foley uh, grabs a bat, nails Edge in the stomach yep. with it, the back, oh. the head. Edge is busted open. He then hits an elbow drop with a ladder in, 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 in tow. Foley then grabs the lighter fluid and... Uh, douses a ringside table with it, um, a table that had been set up at ringside. Lita hits him in the groin with a barbed yep. wire bat, though, yep. as and he's she, setting up the barbecue. And she finishes up, you know, finishes doing doing his job by lighting it on fire. She grabs a whole lot more fluid <sighs> and then lights the damn thing. And um, while, while she's doing that, Foley is slowly climbing back up onto the ring apron to re-enter the fray. Yep. Edge spots his man. The table's right behind Foley, flaming. Edge gets mm-hmm. a running start. Yep, and he uh, he charges and spears Mick Foley through the ropes, and they both crash land onto the burning table. Mm. And it goes out pretty quickly, but there was no one there with fire extinguishers. What happened there? Do you have any idea? I don't. Special effect. I'm curious why. I'm curious why it 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 went out so fast. Well, I'm or sure how. they 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 pro- I think they had. A flame retardant on the table, uh, something that would um, basically not not allow the lighter fluid to seep too deep into the wood of the table, that the wood itself doesn't burn, just the film of fluid on the top of it. But then, how does all the? But still, wouldn't the fire be up? Be like, not not if, a, not if you disrupt it like that that quickly. It's kind of like the like okay. the flash paper they use. Um, okay. Whenever they do fireballs in pro wrestling, there's this certain kind of paper that just kind of – it can burn, but as soon as it catches a lot of oxygen and wind and movement, it just goes up, just goes away. Yeah. Like a a birthday candle. And um, And it's still pretty damn risky though and Foley – Yeah, sure. When you watch the replay, Foley wants to seek uh, retreat as soon as his back goes through the table, but he's got kind of like this V of a broken table on both sides of him, and he's kind of blocked in with the flames. He can't just roll to freedom. He's trapped a little bit, and you can see just a very, very momentary panic, I think, from Mick as he realizes that uh, it's just him in the fire for a split second there. I mean, imagine, too. I mean, I'm sure that second lasted about two minutes for him. Oh. You know, but imagine if you're like, if you're in, if you're stuck in that table and it doesn't, the fire doesn't go out. It's probably the most dangerous spot in WrestleMania history. Sure. I, I would agree. Yep. There were no, I, would agree. I can't think of any hell in the cell hijinks or anything. Yeah, no. The TLC ladder matches, certainly there were risk take, take, risks taken there, but uh, nothing that's this kind of just perilous, you know, as opposed and, to. And so, I mean, out of all of them, I would say this one, this stunt it leaves the door open to the most harm. Yes, that's right. You know, because all, all it had to happen was his clothes catch on fire and he's done. Right. I agree. You know, edges so, shivering on the ground. Yeah. Like he's oh, dying. Crazy, crazy. Uh, but I just want to say this too. So just quickly. Yeah. So the visual alone of edge and Foley going through the table is worth the price of admission alone. But we are very fortunate to get a cherry on top in the form of Joey Styles giving his trademark. Oh my God! Oh my God! What's gonna happen? Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Yes. 
mess on the broadcast. It makes its WrestleMania debut, the yeah. patented Oh My God. And uh, the crowd's chanting, holy shit, Oh My God won't oh, yeah. do for them in Chicago. And uh, oh, Edge, man. by the way, after Impact, kind of crawls over in the wreckage and it's, uh, drapes it's his arm on. fantastic visual, by the way. Like, just seeing Edge... He's quivering. He's a bloodied mass. Yes. And he just kind of crawls over. Yes. And just drapes his arm over Mick. For the one, two, three. Him. 14 minutes, 36 seconds. Edge defeats Mick Foley in the hardcore match that sort of was Mick Foley's last great give to a superstar on the rise. You know? Sure. Here's your match where from here on out, everybody's going to perceive you as a guy who is a true badass and can dig into deep, dark places, uh, and so is a threat in big matches yep. heretofore. And this is Foley's last match at the Mames. It is. After Not a swan song, but his last match. After a series of very unlikely and incredible contributions, yes. uh, considering you know his look, his whole demeanor, uh, certainly became a pivotal part of the Attitude Era and getting key guys over, and a, and a big part of WrestleMania over the years as well. So uh, thank you, Mick Foley. It's been and uh, yes. pleasure being acquainted thank with you, you during this 30-week journey. And uh, also just to mention that uh, Edge is now 4-0 and o at the Mames. Wow. Building a legacy of his own. Mm-hmm. So there he goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, really scary. You know, I talked about how you get that split second of where Foley's yeah. kind of sunk in, trying to roll over everywhere. He's up way too quick. Um and I think it's probably because he wants to get the hell out of the the dangerous smoldering wreckage. Um, but he's up really quick for a pop. They seem to rush the post match in this thing. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. Right. Like they're right. short on time. So Foley isn't really just laying around and making a very slow, dramatic climb up to his feet. After a couple of replays, he's back up on his feet um, to get a quick pop, and they don't really have time to even focus on it and sit with that moment. Uh, they cut backstage. Booker was with Charmel. Charmel's all nervous about the boogeyman. Okay, welcome to the WWE, the freaking boogeyman. No, no, seriously. Oh, my God. They're looking around paranoid. They see Paul Burchill, who was playing a pirate character, fencing on a crate. This is what it is, but but there's a a theme here that goes on. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Charmel is scared, and she says, but so she asks Booker, she wants to know why all the freaks are drawn to Booker T. And he insists that they're not drawn to him. So they just start walking through the back hall, and they run into Paul Burchill, um, Ted DiBiase screwing Eugene out of money. Yep. Uh, uh, DiBiase acting like a loon is, is actually pretty funny <laughs> in this. Snitsky licking Mae Young's feet. That's right. And finally, we get Gold Dust as Oprah Dust. As Oprah Dust, because we're in Chicago. Right. And Charmel's um, very good facial expressions this whole time. Very, very good. Yeah, she was actually pretty good in this role. Yeah. She and was. as Queen Charmel as well. Yes, right. That's pretty, pretty good. But my question for you is this. Why is DiBiase considered a freak? I know. I know. Why is what he does part of this, like, general carnival tapestry? Right. I mean, because essentially, I mean, that's Vince McMahon t- saying to the world that I'm a freak. Yeah. Because Ted DiBiase, the character the Million Dollar Man was based off of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well... I'm a freak. <laughs> yeah, not not the first adjective that comes to mind. Um, so, anyway, uh, let me see. What does Snitsky say wasn't his fault? Something Goldust does. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
It's awful. There's there's talking about, you know, you got to let your freak out, Booker, if you're going to wrestle the boogeyman. You can out-freak him. You can match freaks with him tonight in the ring. And uh, they talk about how, uh, you know, you should you should put worms in. And uh, tell me you didn't just say that. Snitsky says, that's not my fault, as he walks <laughs> to the ring. Um, so the boogeyman... Um, you should know. We'll do it. We'll do this quick thing here before we get there. Todd Grisham's yep. in the crowd with us. Cynthia Who? and Michelle. Toad, Toad Grisham. Toad Grisham is in the crowd with Cynthia and Michelle, the winners of our Snickers, Snickers WrestleMania sweepstakes. Snickers Crunchermains contest. It's, it's, <laughs> and uh, it's all you can eat. One has eaten five of them. Another one has eaten six. Fuck off. They both cop to have eaten five and six Snickers bars each. Who would miss that on live TV? (laughs) So stupid. Jesus Christ. And uh, Joe Theismann is in attendance, as they point out. Michelle Williams is sitting enthusiastically now at ringside, taking in the matches. Uh, She didn't look so enthusiastic when she was singing her song, but now she seems okay. Now she seems to be enjoying herself. So, the boogeyman, okay? We mentioned Tough Enough. Yes. Um, They did a season of Tough Enough where they did the tryouts on the beach. It was all pre-taped. They played it on SmackDown, I believe. And uh, a guy named Marty Wright, who's this big, muscled-up black guy uh, with a V on his head or a mohawk on his head. And um, just general, like, black paint, almost like a Lone Ranger-style black paint on his eyes. And he's screaming, and he's emoting, and he's acting all alpha male, and... Uh, they get him in the ring for his interview after looking very impressive and very yeah. much like a pro wrestler in the tryout stages. And um, they interview him and they ask him uh, how old he is. Thirty. How old are you? Thirty. Is that what it says on your license? And then he's like, thirty. <laughs> and eventually he says, I'm forty. <laughs> and then he turns to everybody else on the beach who's in competition and says, That's all you young bucks know. Blow it. He tries to turn it around. And they ultimately say to Mr. Marty Wright, no, you can't be in the WWE because we don't like liars. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. Marty, come on, sit down. So we're not going to give you the... Hmm? Vince, I, I, I just want to let you know, I tried out there. I mean, I, I may be 40, Vince, but you know, 40 ain't nothing but a number, Vince. Yeah, not in my business. I like young studs. That's right. But I think, you know, there's something we can do with you. You see, I like them. Um, you know, I, I look at you and I'm, I'm reminded of one of my one of my favorite characters that we created over my time here in the WWE, owning the WWE, the Papa Shango. Mm. I like the Papa Shango, that kind of, that voodoo master, you know, putting creating ooze coming down your face and making you puke. So what I want to do with you is I think we can, I think, Marty, that, that, that you and I can take it one step further. You are the boogeyman. Yes. You, you haunt people in their dreams. You, you haunt me in my life. Hmm. You scare me with your age. <laughs> but what but, but what should I be eating, Vince? What should I eat? Well, I'll tell you what. I've been thinking about this a long time. I think that you should be eating poisonous snakes. Hmm? How does that sound? Well, uh, won't I die? 
Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you probably would. So let me think of something else. Um, how about you, you, you walk to the ring and you open your mouth and, and, and poisonous scorpions just fall out. <laughs> Think? I think I, I think you missed the part that didn't work about the last suggestion. It wasn't snakes that was the problem. It was the poison, the poisonous part. You know, you know actually what I'm thinking is the problem. I'm thinking you're the problem. <laughs> okay, well, I'll do it then. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't take much. <laughs> so, if you don't know, the boogeyman would come to the ring uh, with a, a mouthful of live worms. From my God. Your little... Tackle store. There's actually a, sto- a, a sign in the crowd that reads, Got Worms? Oh, Jesus. Surprise, his finish wasn't the bait and tackle, <laughs> where he lures you in and then knocks you on the ground. It certainly wasn't the bait and switch. That's No, hardly. Um, um, so the Boogeyman makes his WrestleMania debut here in Chicago, the character they assigned to that uh, ne'er-do-well liar from Tough Enough, Marty uh, Wright. Um, and... Uh, um, What's funny is as uh, as as Booker and Charmel are coming down, his own pyro scares them. Yeah, it does. <laughs> that was really funny. That was yeah. really funny. The, the the Harlem Heat pyro just like explodes like a little bit late, later than it should. Right, and it just scares the crap out of them. And I got so kick out of that. They're so paranoid. Bumps in the night. That's right. Uh, so it's Booker uh, B- Booker T and Charmel versus Boogeyman. Um, Booker steps out, makes his wife start the match, which is funny. Oh. I really got a kick out of that. Like you, you deal with it. Like, it was so funny. I but was, he, like, he wasn't quite that bad a guy. He, no. he was just using that to distract Boogeyman because when he thinks he's going to get his hands on Charmel, that's when yeah. Booker attacks him. Right. Booker, Booker attacks the Booger Man from behind, and uh, the oh, tags sorry. in. That's somebody else. Yeah, not Boogermania. Now I think the the Boogeyman was one of the worst gimmicks, man. Yeah. Like when I think of the boogeyman, I like to think of 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 of, of Michael Myers from the Halloween movies. Sure. That's a boogeyman. Sure. Yeah, this, this was shit. just all this was was they they got a kick out of how weird this guy was, so they found a way to amuse themselves in the locker room by, you know, kind of putting this guy into the wrestling fraternity to see hey, what let's, happened. Let's see how long you can. Hey, 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 boys in the back. Let's see how long this guy can keep worms in his mouth. Say, huh? hi, to, <laughs> say hi to this guy. Say hi to this guy. Who's going to drive with him? Have fun. See if this guy ain't going to make you nervous in the ring. <laughs> exactly. And we'll all sit at Gorilla and laugh. And, you know, Vince will get a big laugh because everyone will be grossed out by him actually eating worms, which he actually would do on television every week. Vile. Which is right up Vince's alley in terms of gross out humor. That's his whole thing, if you don't know that, is gross out humor. So yeah. that's why this happened. Uh, anyway, um, Booker, uh, Taz says he thinks Booker, uh, Booker is a uh, thinking man's wrestler. I thought he was a whole pound of food man love wrestler. Anyway, uh, still so smoky in the building due to Boogeyman's entrance. Yes. All kinds of smoke and mirrors involved. Uh, everything's tinged red at Allstate Arena at this point in the show, like a volcano just erupted or something. Um, yes. Booker T uses a bookend to get to. Boogie is horrible. Uh, no coordination at all. I think the, the the boogeyman should have taunted Charmel by calling himself Boogie T. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'm surprised they never once did that. Pulls out a pocket full of worms. I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get ya. That's right. I'm Boogie T. <laughs> and, I'm coming, and I'm coming to get Charmel. 
Sounds about right. I can picture him saying it right now with his big bugged out eyes and everything. He pulls out uh-huh. a pocket full of worms and, as the announcers say, eats him a WrestleMania dinner. Good God. Charmel is uh, uh, in, in with them, turns around. She's freaked out. Boogeyman kisses her with the worms in her mouth. She freaks out at that and runs. And uh, she, Boogeyman then turns around and hits Booker T uh, with a falling choke slam as yes. finishing move with one, two, three. In three minutes, said- 54 seconds. That's right. The Boogeyman goes over Booker T and Charmel. I wrote that finally the boogeyman choke slams the Booker Man, and it's over. <laughs> That's exactly right. I respect you, Booker Man. Yeah. Now eat my worms. This sucked. I realize here it's even more gross. Um, is that Boogeyman didn't actually have the teeth to actually chew the worms? Yes. He just has to kind of press down on them with his right. gums. Right. Right. Oh God. Pretty sure uh, Joe Theismann and Michelle Williams just left. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm, sure, I'm sure half the crowd left. I'm sure there's only like five thousand people left. JR points out, I don't even think you can soak those damn worms in barbecue sauce and make them passable. Oh, so there's God. a package of, uh, now there's a package of uh, Mickey James and Trish Stratus, which is a beautifully built women's feud for this match. Uh, for this yeah, oh, yes. Uh, first of all, I wanted to, regarding the last match, I wanted to just say one last thing. I wanted to, uh, to quote um, one of our Twitter followers. <laughs> he wrote a funny thing. Uh, 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 and, uh, kind of paying homage to the to the Dudley Boys and get the tables. I'm gonna say, Jack, get the pretzels. Get the pretzels. That's right. Hashtag lapsed. That's right. Hit us up on Twitter at the lapsed fan. We always love hearing from. We do the solar system. So yeah, sometimes there, <laughs> the package of uh, Mickey and Trish shows Mickey James dressing up like Trish, obsessing with Trish, wants to be just like her. This was an amazing. Amazing feud and very well set up. Mickey James pulled it off beautifully. Yes. Acted totally like a yes. obsessive psycho girl fan, fangirl yes. would. And um, Absolutely. So at one point during this whole thing, Trish is kind of, you know, liking the the flattery of the imitation and sure. bringing along this, this super fan. Um, and at one point she just straight kisses Trish on Raw, which of course is hot. And when Lesbian. She, Action. And when she does that, uh, Trish freaks out and says, we, we need some time apart. And uh, that's not what Mickey James wanted to hear. Mickey James, I do not want time apart. That's t- I want time together, and I want it now. You spent a lot of time on that Mickey imitation, didn't you, boss? I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Mickey. Mickey. It's just slowed down. <laughs> James. <laughs> She gets in her head. She freaks out. Now do you love me? And beats the hell out of Trish. She gives the bulldog. She kidnaps. Do you love me? She kidnaps Ashley Massaro, Trish's quote unquote best friend on DV. DDTs her, kisses Trish while she's passed out with a bloody nose. How awesome. Yeah, it's great. So what? Mickey knocks it out of the park in her sort of debut feud here. Uh, I bur- will take you down. Bursting on the scene. Status, I will destroy you. And now on this show, she goes for Trish's WWE Divas Women's Championship. Right. And, First uh, time going for the title. Here we go. They, on the big time. Big time! JR says, um, uh, she might be a little old for you, King. She's 22. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I didn't hear that one. Mickey gets a little face pop. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, pretty she's... significant face pop at the at, for just coming out. I mean, she gets tremendous heat later on, but the the beginning she gets a little uh, 
little uh, big uh, face pop there. Pretty impressive. Yeah, the psycho girl thing is starting to yeah. work in wrestling. Yeah. Worked uh, with Victoria, too. That's right. It did. It did. Uh, JR makes a comment about Trish holding the women's title for over a year. That's a pretty big accomplishment for a time when when secondary titles were changing weekly. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty cool that they they gave her the title. I mean, not necessarily think they meant. I don't necessarily believe that that was a choice, but they probably were just like, we got nothing else. We're not going to give it to anybody else. No point. But she got to hold it for a year. That's pretty cool. This is Trish's, uh, you know, sort of signature time and in a campaign that really makes her arguably one of the top women they've ever had. You know, she really lived up to the occasion. She was just brought in as we charted back at WrestleMania 2000 as the valet of uh, Test and Albert, right? Just this this fitness model to stand there with a substantial bosom. And unlike most of the other models they try to train to be wrestlers, she totally took to it and uh, became a a damn good worker and capable of carrying the whole division and propping up opponents. And um, she was just an all-around great champion for them. Yeah, she was. Here's a great illustration of it. Uh, uh, JR makes an analogy about Mickey James making vindictive ex-wives seem like Oprah. She makes a vindictive ex-wife, I know something about that, <laughs> look like Oprah. Oh, yes. oh, I see what you mean. I see. That's how bad she is. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, Mickey James, yeah, makes a vindictive ex-wife look, look, like, like, a, Oprah. look like Oprah. He, he says, I talked to Trish. Uh, I was going to wear that outfit tonight, he says. I don't know why he said that. Uh, kind of a, revealing a little bit of... His gayness? His, pe- <laughs> his peccadillos. <laughs> cross-dressing uh, side. It's, it's I, don't know why he, I don't know why he would think we thought that was funny. Like I thought that was a strange line. He's so odd sometimes. Lou Thespress from Trish Stratus, which I like to or, call the Charlie Thespress. No, or... or, or, or um... JR suggests it should be called the Louise Thez Press in this circumstance. <laughs> That's right. Throw the Wheeze on there. The Louise Press. Or maybe the Louise Thez Press, as it were. <laughs> to the floor we go. Uh, Trish misses a chick kick and hits the post with her leg, so that opens up Mickey's chance to work on the leg. Let's go, Mickey Chance, as you said, boss, are already breaking yeah. out. Um, she really could work the gimmick well, and uh, she did great in this match. She also... She she starts to play with the crowd, mm. and she starts to really like. I mean, it was smart. I think it was very smart by Mickey James. But I think I think she really, you know, she realized that she was given a fastball by the crowd, and she took it. Mm-hmm. She swung at it right down the middle, and I think um, it was it was a really smart move. Uh, uh, for her because she starts playing to the crowd a lot. Yeah. You a think we lot. would have seen a different performance if they hadn't responded like that? Yes. Yes. Interesting. I Interesting. I think, I think she would have, because she started playing it like a heel. Like she started playing like, like, like later on, there's a moment, um, where, where like, uh, Mickey has her legs, um, uh, uh, what was it? Um, oh, 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 it's like her arms wrapped around Trish's head or something like that. Okay. And she starts playing to the crowd and they respond very enthusiastically. I see. I see. Very. Like she just starts, she, 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 she goes, she does, a, she Hogan's it. She Hogan's it. Like at WrestleMania 18. Now I understand. Yeah. Uh, very well put. Jack Doan admonishes Mickey. Um, 
Jerry says, nobody's home, Jack. You can, you can ring the bell, but nobody's going to answer. <laughs> JR's great at talking about people being crazy. Yeah. Uh, Lawler asks a question. JR says he's not a psychologist, and I think as opposed to these wrestlers. They certainly, at least we employ ring psychology. Well, maybe they don't know psychology. They just have psychology. They just... They just work psychology. Mickey takes a uh, second to gloat and preen and gets a great pop, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wrestling fans just love their psychos. I don't know what it is. Uh, JR says fans just like being defiant tonight as mm-hmm. they boo That's Trish. Right. And she makes love, I love when they make excuses for the crowd. Yeah, they're already setting it up. Just wait until later, JR. Uh-huh. You're going to have to use those excuses a lot more <sighs> for a certain WWE champion. But uh, Trish then tries the headstand out of the corner. Mickey grabs the leg, wrenches it on the ropes, and uh, stacks her up for two. Mickey goes for her hurricane run out of the corner, but a big powerbomb counter by Trish Stratus gets two. A big pop for the kick out. Trish tries uh, to matrix under the running kick um, of Mickey James and then go for Stratus faction. Mickey, though, grabs the inside of Trish's leg. Yes. And what happens here? Well, if you're watching your WrestleMania 22 on the WWE Network, you won't see it. (laughs) But if it prompts any curiosity, it's not many Google queries away. In in 2006, in the middle of the ring, Mickey James, to counter the running bulldog of Trish Stratus, grabs a handful of her crotch. And the handful of her crotch, obviously... Repels Trish, so she releases the bulldog, and then Mickey turns to the crowd, splits her four fingers out with a V, and licks the middle, the universal universal sign of cunnilingus. (laughs) Or pussy. And the crowd goes insane. Yes, they do. As you can imagine. We want Mickey to eat. Trish. Ah. (laughs) And it is so awesome to them that Mickey would go that far. Trish, I'm going to eat you out. That was the fan. Trish, do the right thing. Trish, do what we need. (laughs) So, (laughs) talk about romantic. You talk about putting the woman in the mood. If suddenly all the lights went down and like everyone had these like dark hoods and there was this weird lighting, all the (laughs) eyes wide shut. It's like eyes wide shut. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Trish, do what we know you want to do. Do. What we know you need to do. Oh, man. These fans have their way of just talking her across the finish line, don't they? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So that's the moment. And um, on the network version, they totally cut away. Absolutely. Essentially edited out so you have no idea. Well, what I, I want you guys to, um, you know, we're going to be family friendly. So you got to cut it out of the network version, but don't want you to. Give me that piece just for me. I want you to just keep it. My I'll private my keep, private collection. Keep it in my version. Yes. Yeah, no, I just want that clip. No, I don't the show sucks. I just want that clip. My perversion. Yes. 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 So uh, that's what happened. And uh, that's how she counters the uh, I don't the remember that at all. I don't remember that at all. I'm glad you Googled it. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, I had really? No clue. Yeah, no clue. It's a big moment in the uh the, the Mickey Trish uh storyline. And so Trish um 
knocks her down um, yep. like a, a repulsed, and uh, Mickey fires back with a chick kick, Trish's own finisher. Yeah. One, two, and the three. I believe, I believe it was called the Mick kick. Thank you. The Mick mm-hmm. kick lands in Chicago. And in eight minutes and 48 seconds, Mickey James defeats Trish Stratus to become the WWE Women's Champion to the conclusion of a hell of a career-launching angle for her. Mm-hmm. And also oh. a, a hell of a women's match. I'm sorry. This is probably one of the best. Yep. I don't think a crowd, I've ever seen a crowd this into a, a divas match. Mm-hmm. And I could use another maybe five minutes and we're talking four plus stars. I think. Easily. I, I think so. I'm telling you, man, I <laughs> fucking dug it. I love the match. I did too. Um, I won't go, I won't go there, but. Really? I'll tell, I'll so, tell you this. I thought it was like three and a half easy right now. Tell me this isn't the best women's match in WrestleMania history. Absolutely, it is. No it question. Is. No question. Not, not even a thought. Not even a thought. Wow. There it is. Fuck you, Wendy Richter. Get out so of my there fucking it is. TV. Best match between two ladies in WrestleMania history sees Mickey James Absolutely. take the championship off Trish Stratus. Thank because you. Because the, these are the two. These are two of the best women wrestlers that the WWE has ever seen. That's true. Uh huh. Yeah. Know? Bell to bell in the, the ring. Two of them are fantastic. Mickey James totally unrewarded for her abilities in the next years. Mm-hmm. I think this is her only match. At the mains. Wow. Huge. At least her only big time one-on-one match. Singles I think maybe match. she's got a, a tag match at some point, but I don't think really even that much. So there we go. Uh, Mickey and Trish. We now go to the back and Vince with the most horrifying tan you've ever seen. Oh my God. This was amazing. He's, he's, he's almost black. Yeah, he really he's is. so dark. You got, he's, you got a little too spray tan for the mains. Mm-hmm. Hogan was in his ear. Brother, brother, you know, you, you know, dude, if you want to be a main eventer at the WrestleMania at the mains, dude, you gotta be, you gotta be tan, you gotta be orange, brother, or or, oh. or brown, well, brown, or yeah, I gotta go dark, yeah, 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 I'm gonna go dark. Well, Jesus, brother, I, I didn't ask you to look like Carl Weathers, dude. <laughs> Vince is just literally that, dude. That. It ain't Rocky Three, brother. And then he gets like the bleached teeth. He looks. Ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculous. Um, his Funny muscle and detail. fitness coverage yes. has come out. Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That, that's that's just that's oh. part of why you know this oh, sure. this whole thing about Vince in 06. He was on the cover of Muscle and Fitness, something he's always wanted. So now he's got to be like propping up his physique even more than we're used to. So go ahead. There's a there's a funny other little detail in the background. I don't know if you saw this or not, but there is the framed picture on the wall. Of Shawn Michaels being forced to join the Kiss My Ass. <laughs> nice still frame. Really funny. Lips to cheek. Really funny. Yes. And uh, Vince goes, Can you believe that Shawn Michaels thinks that I'm going to be doing the praying? Can you believe? Because the whole family's there. The whole McMahon family's there. He's talking That's about right. Linda, Stephanie, Shane, they're all there. Can you believe that Shawn Michaels? Thinks that I'm going to pray. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to have the first ever McMahon family prayer. Everybody on your knees. Come on, get down on your knees. And this was hilarious. He turns to Stephanie and goes, I know you're pregnant. Get down. Come on. <laughs> she has to struggle. She doesn't care. Yeah, just a struggle. All right, now close your eyes and bow your heads. God, let's face it. I don't like you, and you don't like me. 
I've defied every law you've ever had, yet I've been tremendously successful. Yes. And I'm sure you never expected, God, a 60-year-old to have a Herculean physique as I do, and a giant genetic jackhammer, and gargantuan grapefruits. And God, you and I aren't close, but I know you and Shawn Michaels are very close. So tonight, God, I'd like to tell you what I'm going to do to your favorite wrestler. I'm going to send Shawn Michaels to the fiery depths of hell. Amen and hallelujah. And during this, uh, Shane and Stephanie have hilarious looks at each other like, what is this man talking about? So Vince does his performance. They're thinking thinking to themselves, can we kill dad now? Yeah, that's about enough of this guy being our dad. So uh, Vince setting the stage there, and the the God motif very much in effect here at WrestleMania 22. Yes, indeed. Time for a casket match for the first time at WrestleMania. Your True. Dru- druids are out with torches. They wheel the casket out. Um, in the package, they show how Mark Henry had spoiled the Undertaker's title bid by splashing him through the SmackDown yeah. announce table. And uh, his manager at the time, Mark Henry's manager, Davari, they mentioned, is Why? not... I don't know why he wasn't there. Must have been no, injured. Why was he managed by Davari? I think he was. He was just hanging around. He was available, and uh, they, you know, they sort of didn't. Great Kali come in already, or no? Because I think I remember him coming yeah, in. No, but Kali had a different. No, Kali's there, the other guy. I'm so sorry. That's 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 kind of embarrassing. Dave Kapoor is the Hindi the Hindi guy who speaks for Kali. No. Davari was the uh the stick man for Muhammad, Muhammad Hassan, Hassan who got cut. And we already saw him last year. Right. He, yeah, he, he got was cut, cut after last year. But they don't want to cut Davari too. And so he hung around, that's right. He hung around doing like kind of odd heel managing and when they wanted to give Mark Henry a big push in 06, they just gave him a mouthpiece cuz Mark Henry uh was not the promo he is today then, not even close. No. Needed a lot of help. But uh, anyway, Davari's out of the picture by WrestleMania. He doesn't even accompany Mark Henry to the ring on this show, but you see him in the, the pre-roll package and stuff. Um, they go to Saturday Night's main event. There's a tombstone on uh, Saturday Night's main event and a casket. Um, I think he tombstones Davari on the casket, and that's kind of writing Davari out of the picture. And uh, yeah. Mark Henry's out. Uh, Undertaker has his big entrance. Lightning strikes. The flames rise. Cole puts over the 13-0 WrestleMania winning streak is absolutely yes. amazing. Joe DiMaggio-esque, like his hitting streak. Um, the Celtic string of championships. That's how big this is. And uh, they list every guy the Undertaker has beat as he walks yes. to the ring here in Chicago. Uh, casket match. Henry strikes right away when Taker is putting his hat on out of the ring. Taker can uh, knock him off his feet, uh, but a barge from Mark Henry drops him. Uh, Henry does... Hat- Good. He does that uh, <clears throat> running sit while Undertaker's yeah. throat first on the ropes, through the ropes to the floor, landing on his feet, does the big 400 Taz calls us. Taz calls a simple right hand, a, a simple right punch, a great right hand. <laughs> it's a punch. <laughs> great right. Not for nothing. That's a great right hand. It goes, it goes the applause from ringside from the orange oh, guy. Taz. Wish he was dead. Cole says Mark Henry has a chip on his shoulder. And not for long, because he ate it. I made that last part up. <laughs> you, can, you, he's fat. you can clearly um, hear Taker at one point yell, tell him to open it, the gasket. He's telling Mark to tell the refs 
that they have to open the casket for the near fall tease. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Henry forgot that part of the match. It's hilarious. Um, I never understood why, by the way, they need referees positioned next to the casket to lift I know. it. Can't they just keep the lid open? Why can't they open it themselves? <laughs> can't open it themselves? Like, why do they need referees for this match at all? Right. Absolutely true. Um, Taker goes old school. Uh, Henry sucks chance breakout. <laughs> Thank God. This time he misses the uh, running sit on the ropes and uh, standing up, uh, Henry pulls <clears throat> in the Undertaker. Yeah, they're both in the casket. Oh, he lands in the casket. Thank you. But uh, unfortunately, we normally in um, in Undertaker casket matches, we get the obligatory closing of the casket with both guys inside, mm-hmm. where it's that awkward moment where you get both guys fall inside and they're kind of like beating on each other, and the referees just decide to close the casket. Right. I'm like, why would you even bother? Like, Nothing that's what the rules call for? Right. It's like, oh my God, it could be anybody who would have won this match. No, nobody could have won this match because they're both inside. That's right. Precisely, but yet. Um, there's a funny, funny moment. Uh, so Mark Henry hits the world's strongest slam and goes for the cover. And Cole screams, there are no pins. No pins Mr. Henry. There's no pins, though. That's no right. pins, Mr. Henry. What? He says that, he Mr. Said, Henry? He says, Mr. Henry. Hmm. Uh, Mark, Mark thought he said, oh, Henry. And he was looking for one of those. <laughs> looking for a candy bar. I'm looking for those all day. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Put this candy bar in my hall of pain. Oh, Henry. <laughs> oh, Henry. Oh, oh Hank. <laughs> he, calls, he calls him Hank when he really jones and... Um, so anyway, yeah, he misses that run and actually lands yeah. in the casket Stupid. and, um, what an idiot. And, uh, they fight in there. Taker pulls him in. They pummel each other. He yeah. goes to choke him and wring his neck. The camera just can't look into the casket though, as they both descend down. The, <sighs> the camera just stays static and for some reason can't quite tilt over the edge to see what's happening in there because nothing's <sighs> happening. Uh, Taker then, um, his hand raises and grabs the throat of Mark Henry Taker kind of is left there laying. Henry stands up like he's the last man standing. And then uh, Taker's arm comes up like he just pulled pulled it out of the grave like he always does. And so the camera wasn't moving to set up that shot. It this was a failure. match sucks. Yeah, everything's off. It's slower than a retard trying to write a book. Is that – that was supposed to be a moment, you think, to yourself <sighs> when, when the hand comes up? Taker fights Henry out of the casket. Henry catches Taker on a crossbody and delivers the world's strongest slam, goes for a cover. And that's yeah. – you can't go for a pin, Mr. Henry. <laughs> no um, pins, Mr. Henry. <laughs> Henry puts in – what is what is he, a referee in like 1928? <laughs> um, no, no pins, Mr. Henry. Henry. Back up, uh, break uh, it, no, too. No. Three, no pins, Mr. Henry. That's right. You gotta get up there. You, gotta, you can't do that. No pins, Mr. Henry. No, nope, sorry, <laughs> no pins. It's a casket match, sir. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put the guy in a casket. And you gotta close the cover. You cannot go for a pin, Mr. Henry. Henry, I like that southern twang there. That sounded like uh, Forrest Gump's doctor. Henry puts him in uh, the casket. Taker stands up. Uh, hot shots him on the, on the throat first, and the ropes gets out. Okay, goes, let, me, let me correct you. There is nothing hot about anything in this match. Cold shots him. Cold shots him. Henry goes up to the middle ropes uh, to do the corner mount punches, yeah. which is always a bad idea against Undertaker yeah. because that sets up the last ride. It happens every single year. Mm-hmm. Since he debuted the move, there is not a year that goes by, maybe Flair, maybe 18, 
But I'm telling you right now, he did it at 17. I'm pretty sure he did it at, at 19. He didn't do it at 20. But 21, 22, he does it next year as well. The fucking, it's like, it's such a, it, it maybe, maybe, I, I certainly don't remember it, like, you know, watching wrestling year to year and, and it being such a thing. But I, I know it's going to happen every single time now. Yep, you're right. Every year. The guys make mm-hmm. the same mistake, you know. I got Taker in the corner. This is the perfect time to stand on the middle rope and punch him in the head. You know, if you're trying to end the streak, why don't you just watch the tape? Because it it would spook watch them out. Some film. It would freak them out. They couldn't afford to do that. Yeah, whatever. So, whatever. Uh, anyway, Taker hits the the best oh, last ride he can manage with that kind of girth. It's a power bomb. It is. It's a normal ass power bomb because he can't lift that fat ass up. It's not the last ride. It's a ride. It's, it's the lapsed ride. The lapsed ride. And uh, Taker then um, throws Henry out onto the lid of the casket. Henry lands past the casket, and Taker just flies through the I air, see. clearing the casket with an amazing plancha just to try to make this a WrestleMania moment. I, I wrote that uh, when Undertaker tosses Henry onto the uh, the casket and to the floor, I said, fortunately, Mark Henry's back doesn't suffer the same fate as Shawn Michaels. No, it doesn't. He lives to survive. Um, like a 767 through the air, the announcer says. Yeah, oh, my God. Taker takes Huge. flight. and um, He brings that, that move once a year. Once back. a year, we get the plancha. Yeah, and uh, toward those final years, can't manage it even then, even once. I'd what? love to, to do it and then just fail. Just like falls, like stumbles over the top rope and falls and lands on his face. Well, that's that's the disaster he was playing with all those times. Now, now he gets him up and hits him with the tombstone. I wonder though, and I'm I will of course come to the moment. Fattest man. What was the last Undertaker WrestleMania plancha? You remember? Uh, Yes, I do. What would that be? Twenty-five. So against Michaels in uh, the first First time. First Michaels. He does not. That was one of my biggest beef beefs with the rematch Mm -hmm. is that he's too decrepit and uh uh you know broken down broken down and brittle that he cannot do the plancha (laughs) i look forward to getting there and imagine those bones just so dry (laughs) it's just like a snap they're cracking like he's been entombed for a hundred years somewhere (laughs) right just dusty when when they snap dust flies out not <laughs> not marrow but dust that's right so uh back in the ring gets him up the big man with the tombstone the lid is lifted he rolls in mark henry shuts the damn lid and in nine minutes and 28 seconds the undertaker defeats mark henry in the casket match at wrestlemania 22 to go 14 and oh we could have taken five minutes off this match and given it to fucking trish and mickey so they could have had a better match or how about ray awful. orton and kurt who got nah, nine minutes? They don't deserve it. Okay. Uh, they could have taken. They could have taken five minutes off off of HBK and Vince McMahon and given that to uh, to uh, Ray Angle and Orton. I heard that. Taz, uh, lightning strikes the casket afterwards yeah. for a little special effect. Taz said, uh, "Is this guy ever going to get beat at WrestleMania?" That is the question. Uh, um, don't worry. He will. Stands in the aisle, turns it's, around, yeah. lifts his fist, and Taker does it again on the grand stage. still a biker. He's still a biker, too. <laughs> yeah. Partial biker. Got to keep that uh, fist. There's a funny... He's got a fist something, all right? Fist Michelle McCool. Um, there's a funny sign of the Undertaker's eyes rolling into his head. Do you see that sign? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. You pull, you pull like, a, like a... I don't know, some kind of lever, like 
and it was a funny little sign. Clever. Little clever. animated sign, if you will. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, we get that yeah, big pop-up time. book sign. We now get that big, big time establishing shot of Shy Town outside big the Big time. And then I'm a package. On my way, I'm making it. To set up Shawn Michaels and Vince at the package. Um, talks about Vince being a sick, creative genius and one mm. handsome, virile son of a bitch. <laughs> There's only one man I know that walks like that, JR says. From now on, it's all yeah. about me. He fires Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, it shows. And it shows Vince saying that each and every one of you are fired. Remember when he fired everyone in the audience? He fired the audience. Yes. You know, too bad. uh, It's because this this match was being listed as no holds barred. Right. And I was saying to myself, man, it's too bad the stipulation wasn't wasn't that the loser of the match had to watch no holds barred on loop for like (laughs) three straight days. Yeah. That was the case. I'd rather have holds barred. That's right. I'd rather bar as bar, many holds as you want. Bar all the holds. Yeah. I can't believe no one ever opened up a no holds bar. I'm surprised Hogan doesn't own one. <laughs> or Zeus. Zeus should have done it. Zeus should have done it. In clear water. He's got nothing going on. Yeah. Tony, uh, Tony uh, Lister, right? Tiny Lister. Tiny. Tiny. Tony. My teeny fr- tiny. My friend Teeny, teeny tiny, tiny Tony Lister. <laughs> Not to be confused with Tic Tac Toe. <laughs> um, they show um, Regal uh, yeah. joining the Kiss My Ass Club and Marty Jannetty. Do you remember that? Yes. I forgot about that. Joined the Kiss My Ass Club as well. Talk about McManomania is running wild. They show all these clips over the years of Vince being, you know, just megalomaniacal. Oh, I can't say Mega, that word. Yeah. Megalomaniacal? A megalomaniac. So megalomaniac. Megalomaniacal. Megalomaniacal. Thank you. Uh, he hits Hulk. He's got his... Uh, they show Montreal. Um, yeah. They have Vince saying the means justify the ends. As long as I get what I want, that's the right thing to yeah. do. And then to counterbalance right. that, the package shows Shawn Michaels saying things like, I'm here to give you exactly what you want. Awesome. Highlights uh, are all here. Uh, they show you know him just performing for the crowd and just being all about the people, not taking from the people like Vince does. Um you, and he tells Vince, you're chairman of the multi-million dollar corporation. Maybe it's time you moved on. I screwed Bret Hart. Sean, don't make me screw you, he says. That's right. <laughs> don't make – I screwed Bret. Don't make me fuck you. That's right. Uh, <sighs> they have they have Shane put the sharpshooter on. Instead of being the heartbreak kid, you'll be the hard-fucked kid. Hard-fucked kid. Vince has Shane – after Sean gets beat up, put the sharpshooter on Sean. Sean yeah. puts it on. Shane puts it on. Sorry. And Vince calls for the bell. That's right. right. Um, McMahon. Um, uh, they, they talk about McMahon. Screw Brett 97. And now we've got to relive it over and over again. Uh, just um, for the record, he says, Sean Michaels screwed Sean Michaels. Oh, God. This is the thanks he gets from his boss. They're saying. and uh, This is the thanks he gets from his hoss. From his hoss. <laughs> Vince says, you're screwed way worse than Brett was ever screwed. Yes. So he makes him kiss his ass. The spirit squad attacks him. Spirit squad, boss. How about that? There we that? go. The spirit squad. Welcome to the 30-week journey, Kenny and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, little Nikki. Yeah, little Nikki. One of them was little here. Little Nikki. One of them was here to show the world. That's right. One of them decided to to become a show off. Dolph Ziggler, mm-hmm. uh, amongst the Spirit Squad stable of male cheerleaders that they introduced as foil to the reformed Shawn Michaels and Triple H Degeneration X in the uh, middle of 2006. That's when DX came back. This, of course, is earlier 06, and the Spirit Squad yep. brought in as kind of like a 
a strange male cheerleader hit squad for Vince McMahon. It was McMahon. a weird thing, a weird little gimmick. It was, yeah. They'd come out with their trampoline and bounce in the ring, and they had their headbands and their uh, athletic pants on and tennis shoes, and we'll talk about them. Um, and so they, that, that's kind of the contrast yeah, between Sean and Vince, and we go to the ring. It's time for HBK versus Vince. Jim Ross says this man has changed his life, made some very positive life decisions of HBK. <clears throat> And J.R. Yvonne Commentary, who does a magnificent job oh, in this match. He does a great thing. So as um, First of all, just want to note that Vin, the Vince McMahon strut yeah. is in rare form <laughs> yeah, this year. It is. Like, those arms are flying <laughs> high, brother. They are flying <laughs> high. You got that. Um, and uh, as Vince is strutting his way to the ring, J.R. provides a barrage of insight into the WWE chairman. He calls him genuinely evil. He says that Vince is straight, is headed straight to hell mm-hmm. and will probably take over. And he admits, he admits though, that he's more personally involved in this match than most. So that's good. He is genuinely evil. He is headed to hell. It's Mr. McMahon. And in my opinion, I don't think he can wait to get there so he can take over. Can you imagine his four meetings in hell? I've been in some, I can't. I'm sorry, folks, but I'm a little more personal about this mask than normal. I've joined this Kiss My Ass Club. I've been fired on numerous occasions. Yeah, he, he lays that right out on the table. Um, he knows why he was brought back here, so we could call Mr. McMahon bringing Shawn Michaels to hell and leaving him there. Yep. Vince looks completely ridiculous at age oh. 60. Um, JR says he is a sick, no. perverse son of a bitch. He is genuinely evil. He yes. is headed to hell as Vince McMahon, and I yep. don't think he can wait to get there so he can take over. That's Cannot right. imagine. Can you imagine his board meetings in hell? I've been in some. I can. So fucking funny. <laughs> so fucking funny. Um, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, he, <laughs> I think Vince McMahon, yeah, see, you know, I don't just... I don't just preach. I, I practice what I preach. That's right. I inject myself with steroids so I can be a, a fucking loon. A balloon. A big bloated balloon of muscle mass. Yes, and he is. Um, JR says in commentary, he joined the Kiss My Ass Club. He's been fired on numerous occasions. I'm just laughing my ass off yeah, I know, right? during this whole thing. Um, Vince Walking the ring, unveils his mu- muscle and fitness cover, which has been strategically set up in the aisleway and makes this silly pose and face next to it. Uh, and the match gets underway. Vince gets yes. thrown over the table and um, kicks JR in the face on the way over, which had to be a rib <laughs> on good old JR. Poor JR. I know. Uh, we want Brett Chance break I'm out. just trying to prove that he doesn't actually have Bell's palsy. I'm trying to see if I can get that fucking face to move. Right. It's kind of like throwing a, a kickball to someone who claims to have a broken arm, even though they don't. And they catch it, and you go, ah, gotcha, yeah. Ah, see, I knew your face could move, you fat fuck. <laughs> Sean does the mic to the head gimmick, but it wasn't turned on, so it didn't make that loud noise he was looking for. Uh, he then breaks the muscle and fitness cover over Vince's yes. head. Oh, my God. That's so ridiculous. There's, I, I got to give credit to Vince and his facial expressions here. Sure. Specifically when he's getting chopped by <laughs> uh, Michaels. Nah. He's like, ah, like he's so <laughs> stiff and he's like ready to ready to cry. It's like, oh, 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 oh. Poor Vince. Oh, man. 
JR um, screaming at, at Michaels, hit him over the head with it and shove it up his ass. <laughs> Spirit Squad hits the ring. Uh, we mentioned Dolph Ziggler's in there. His nickname yep. is his real name, Nikki. They all had those cutesy little names. Um, and another one was Kenny Doan. He was kind of the guy who was positioned as the star of the Spirit Squad. Worcester, Massachusetts native, I'll have you know. Oh, really? Yeah. I not know. And uh, would later be renamed Kenny Dystra in the WWE and get a run with oh, the Intercontinental yeah. Championship. Um, he hits the top rope uh, flying guillotine leg drop, which was kind of a showcase of his leaping ability and athleticism kind of move. So they hit the ring to even the odds, or even the odds, you know, to out, outnumber Shawn Michaels. Yes. Not evening anything. They talk about how Vince has always got his exit strategy in mind. Um, right. They do all these lifts um, with, uh, with each other. They talk about how these guys are like a what is a human uh, boil on the on the ass of life? Is that what he says? <laughs> they all lift Shawn Michaels like a parachute. Kenny Doan does the leg drop, but misses this time. Uh, no crowd reaction to the Spirit Squad's involvement at all. No, not it's, one bit. They're like, ugh. Yes. This is not ain't what they no, want to see. Ain't no spirit. And I'll tell you that right now. Sean eventually gets like one of their bullhorns, whatever the hell those things are, and starts hitting yeah. over the head with it one after the other, yeah. and no one cares. It's supposed Many, to be this moment. No one cares. Then, you know, the whole moment culminates in actually a pretty cool spot where yep. HBK tosses one of the spirit folk Kenny clear Del. over the top. Was it Kenny? Yep. And then uh, on to the other four guys. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, he sails over the top and takes out his brethren. So the, the Chicago crowd couldn't help but react to that. Yeah. And uh, lots of airtime there from uh, Worcester Zone. JR says Vince is not a refined catch-as-catch-can specialist, but he's been fighting all his life as a kid and as an adult. Oh, really? Tell me more. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, 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 so um, uh, JR lists the usual accomplishments of Vince McMahon uh, beating the federal government and apparently beating Time Warner the media, yep the media so, giant Time Warner well, and okay. Ted Turner uh, no I, I, I didn't realize he bought Time Warner I yeah. thought he just bought one of their companies he beat him he, he beat didn't him. beat Time Warner <laughs> He beat WCW. Hey, hint. He didn't really beat Ted Turner either. Yeah, no, he didn't. He beat he beat Eric Bischoff I'm and just... his little fledgling company. No, I know you. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. But I'm just like, I love, like, this. he didn't come close to beating Time Warner. Oh, my God. I know they're still so there. Just wait, like, <sighs> asking how they got beat. Um, I, at this point in the broadcast, I made a note of it. I'm laughing my ass off. I was crying with laughter at Jim Ross's call of this thing. Oh, yeah. There's just so much, like, JR's in rare form with all his, like, folksy ways of yes. saying, kick his ass, Sean. And, well, and he, he calls Vince Satan-like and morally corrupt. McMahon is Satan-like. There's no doubt in my mind. He is morally corrupt. <laughs> The man is Satan-like. There is no doubt in my mind. He is morally corrupt. Yeah, it's so damn funny. Vince is slapping Sean, smacking the hide. It's Vince he's talking about. This guy from Connecticut, you know, it's like smacking the hide. Like it's a Saturday at the rodeo. Hilarious. 
Got some old-fashioned Southern wrestling going on here. This is Rasslemania. R-A-S-S-L-E mania. J-R again. McMahon has broken every commandment known to the Lord. He's going to break Sean spiritually. He's going to break Sean's spirit squad. (laughs) Emotionally, physically. Vince starts uh, mocking Sexually. (laughs) Oh, yes, Yes. My God, he's going to break him sexually. Vince starts mocking Brett's hand. A little Clinton there. Vince Mm. starts mocking Brett's hand gestures uh, during the match. JR says Vince is working himself into a frenzy. (laughs) And Vince himself, yes. (coughs) Vince himself tunes up the band. Okay, see, I got to tell you, I always love um, how Vince's finisher du jour. Yeah. Always revolved around whomever he was feuding with. Right. <laughs> There's you know? the stunner. It was the stunner at first. It was the rock bottom. You know, it, it's who, it, whoever he's whoever he's feuding with, he always steals their finisher. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, it's just so funny. Now, HBK blocks the kick and just starts wailing on Vince. Those and punches. again. I wish I could. I wish you guys have to watch it out there in the solar system. You gotta watch the expressions on Vince McMahon's face. I mean, fuck, they are they cracked me up. They are so damn funny. That's awesome. It's so insane. And uh, he's he's doing all this, and Jr. screams, "McMahon stumbling like Otis Campbell on a Saturday night." <laughs> Otis Campbell is the town drunk. On the Andy Griffith show. Oh God, oh my Just for two thousand six fucking country bumpkin. <laughs> HBK a forearm hits his nip up, uh, gets his belt off and starts whipping him. JR goes nuts. Whip his ass! Lay it in him, Sean, hit him harder. One shot makes the crowd go, Oh, because he really lays into Vince with that leather. How, how much do you think JR really hates Vince McMahon? Uh, you know, I'm sure he came from a true place and getting some of that real bloodlust out. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I'm sure he resents Vince McMahon for the hassles he's put him through just for sure. shits and giggles over the years sure. and the emotional roller coaster he's taken him on. Sure. But I don't know if hate's the right word. He probably just, you know, resents him. He hates him. I want you to hate me, JR. It's not going to end until you hate me. I want me. you to hate me. I'm going to keep making fun of your fat, fucking ugly ass. Come on, you fucker. And your stupid face that can't move. <clears throat> You fucking I'm gonna take fucking it. do it until you fucking die. Roll over in your fucking double size grave. Cause you're so fucking fat and ugly on barbecue sauce. You <laughs> fucking fat Oklahoma pig. That's what he says. He wants him to be mad and hate him. Yeah. So uh, after all of that, um, uh, he JR, doesn't give a damn. During the whipping, by the way, JR says, count your stock dividends now. <laughs> Uh, Michaels goes up and scores with an elbow off the top rope to the heart. If he has a heart, I swear to God, it's black. Tunes up the band. Shane is in the ring um, and uh, hits him with a cane. Uh, he hits Shawn Michaels with a Singapore Kendo cane. Stick. Yeah, the kendo stick. Yeah. Um, Shane has handcuffs. Yeah. Um, and he's going to cuff Shawn in position. Vince takes his pants down, does the gyration. It's time for a little kissing of the ass. And right. uh, yeah. have, they decide to induct uh, him into the Kiss My Ass Club again. For a second time. Uh, JR screaming, you're a 60-year-old man showing your ass on worldwide TV. And I'm proud of it. And instead of Sean getting the ass, Shane gets the ass. Shane gets the ass. Sean turns the tables on Shane, shoves him into Vince's. Vince makes this huge smile and this tremendous like little dance oh, he does. And, 
He's so happy he has a face That's in his right. ass. <laughs> I love getting my fucking salad tossed. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. much the look on his face. Now, if you looked in the background, there's Jack Doan watching this. <laughs> and he's got the look of, why do I work here? I wish on I was all Doan. Like, I wish I could go to the Dunkin' Dones. <laughs> get a Doan nut. <laughs> That's what he's thinking, obviously. Look at his face. You can see all that etched on his face. Give me a donut. Um, JR, great call. Shane just got his face buried in his daddy's Dad's, crack. In his daddy's dirty butt crack. Oh, Jesus. And there's a crusty shit on his face. And there's a low blow. Shane yeah. uh, My... clothesline to the floor. <laughs> I said I wrote that. Michael's clothesline Shane over the top and Shane bumps to prove he can run the company. <laughs> That's what it was for. <laughs> I can do it, Dad. I can do it, I'm I glad swear. He, glad he finally proved himself. Watch me bump. JR calls Shane the demon seed. Uh, Shane cuffs Sh- Sean cuffs Shane to the middle rope. Yep. Michaels has the keys. Uh, and Shane had the keys on him, actually. He tries to <laughs> just unlock himself. Um Sean grabs him, dangles him, kisses them, and throws them into the crowd. Uh, he has the Singapore cane, mocks Shane's footwork a bit, and then hauls off on him with just a, a range of vicious uh, uh, stick shots. Um, HBK gets in the fucking ring with a steel chair, boss. And it is time for Vince McMahon to feel the pain. I wrote this. Sean waffles Vince in the head with a chair. And the Vin Man juices because the fans need it. <laughs> he hits him with that chair oh. so hard that it's criminal. I mean, it's especially, you know, yes. in light of what we know about concussions yes. and chair shots and the fact that they don't even allow guys to hit each other over the head with anything anymore because of concussion awareness. The fact that Shane, pardon me, that Sean hauls off on a 60-year-old man like this with a steel chair at WrestleMania is almost, it makes me feel dirty. I can do what I want because I'm the boss. Yeah, apparently so. You know what? You could hit me in the head as many times with the chair as you want, and I'll still never get concussed. And I'll still never get dead. And I'll still have the brain of a horny teenager. That's right. And Fuck. man, does he rock it off a shot. It sounds like an explosion. Yes. Uh, like a refinery explosion. And just Vince just collapses and the dent in the chair is sickening. It is, without a doubt, the hardest chair shot in WrestleMania history. Wow. There it is. It's, that's a statement. And uh, as uh, JR says, Harry Carey heard that one in heaven. He's busted. Uh, that's just too damn bad, JR says. Chin music uh, is set up now for Sean. But before he hits it, he stops. He pauses. The crowd goes silent. What is this? Yep. McMahon's on Queer Street. Not that there's anything wrong with that, JR says. <laughs> HBK has a thought. Chin music isn't enough. He goes out under the ring and gets a ladder. Brings it in the ring. Rams it into Vince's head. And the blood starts pouring out of him. Oh, my God. I know. Pouring. Like a, like a soup or like a like a like an oil. faucet. Yeah. Oil change. Um, nasty blood flow, puddle on the canvas, thick in Vince's hair. Uh, Sean tunes out the band again and stops short again without delivering the kick. He then goes out to the ring again, gets a gar- gets some garbage cans, a table, <sighs> hits Vince with a garbage can shot, lays Vince on a table, takes forever uh, to climb the ladder, but he does. Wiggles his finger, though, before he takes off the ladder and comes down. 
throws out the ladder. It's well, a huge but, but, ass. When, when he when he whack, when he get, I gotta make this give this note because when 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 HBK whacks him in the head with the trash can, uh-huh. the way Vince falls in this match, in that moment is almost heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> because he looks like an old man getting beaten by a punk kid. You know, it's so well put. Vince isn't like you're taking these like classic wrestling flat back bumps. Right. No, he's like collapsing and he's, in, in he's pain. collapsing like an old man would. Like it's like I'm, <laughs> I, I, I made a mistake. Stop beating me. You, exactly. you win, you win. And it's like no, I'm gonna keep beating you until I get my pinfall. And poor Vince is just out there, and his idea of like doing a WrestleMania match is just like putting his hands down his side and sticking his neck out and just closing his eyes and just waiting to get smashed in the face and the head again. Or, or, or I know, right? I mean, honest to God, I got to give McMahon credit for being a good sport oh, so... about this stuff because, you know, he certainly puts up with a lot of shit. Yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm just looking back at this stuff. I'm just shocked that Vince, uh, you know, emerged being able to walk around and stuff. Like, you know, oh. he, that he never suffered the kind of ill effects that, you know, would like hamper his mobility or require like, you know, reconstructive or replacement surgeries. Never tore his, qu- oh no, he did tear his quad. What he am I tore saying? tore his quads. Yeah. The muscles were a problem, but as far as the bones and the, even the, even the, uh, the, uh, the, the wherewithal, like for the CEO, like for the, the top guy in a public traded company to go, to take shots to the head like that. Like, how is that good for the, I mean, the business? I, I, I'll say this. I think the difference is this is that he didn't do it that much. Yeah. I mean, he's probably worked as many matches in his lifetime as less, he's probably worked less matches in his lifetime than most guys do in one week. I, I just think that that's true. But you know? the fact and that so, he takes and these kind of ridiculous punishments. You're right, John. you're right. But the thing is this, I mean, if we go back to like the, um, you know, like the, uh, the attitude era and guys, imagine there are guys taking head sh- chair shots like that every day of the week. Yep. You know, it's a big deal for us because we're watching it happen in succession here, but he hadn't had a match. And since, uh, at WrestleMania, he hadn't had a match at all. I don't think since 2003, he hadn't wrestled on TV. Had he? Um, no, not that I can recall. Right. I mean, match. So, I mean, that's the difference right there is that you got a guy whose body isn't beaten up because again, he's only worked a very small handful of matches. Well, I'm thinking less about his body and more about his brain taking that shot like that. Yeah. But again, I think the difference is I'll take a chair shot cause I haven't taken a chair shot in three years. Yeah. But that's not how it works. You know, your number is up. You know, when you take a shot that hard, it's like, Jesus. Not when you got my genetic jackhammer. Apparently No not. way. Um, I'll so, fuck my brain to enlarge it. So, yeah. So the emerging story of the, uh, of the Shawn Michaels ladder tease is he doesn't want to jump off that one. He goes and gets a jumbo massive. He gets the ladder. The ladder. The tallest one he can find. It looks very unstable. Um, he pulls Vince off the table, puts the trash can on his head, and then lays him back down on the table with a can on him. Sean then climbs up the massive ladder. The ref actually has to hold the ladder in place so Sean doesn't fall off. And yeah. um, JR's fucking ladder to the second rung. JR screaming, you've got to live with yourself. But Sean's up there, like you said, second rung, looks to the crowd, crotch chop, and yeah, then he does, sails. Yes, he does a series of crotch chops. 
so I have to admit, when it happened, I thought it was really, really cool because minus the DXTs in 2002, mm-hmm. this is the first time we've seen a sign of DX Shawn Michaels since 1998. That's so true. Yeah. Because, you he know, was, he wasn't really, a, you know, that whole crotch chop thing, it was kind of around when he was in DX, but, you know, that became the real calling card after he left. And, uh, mm, not really. They pointed to their crotch, hard. but it wasn't like uh, something on T-shirts. It wasn't the idea of the X. Oh, no. The pyro of the X, uh, as, you know, X-Pac pointed to his crotch. Right, 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 right. And all the other guys did it. Um, but now, this is my question. Mm. Did they know? Yes. That they the did. X was going to be reformed? They did. Yes. They knew at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That was the, that was part of the plan of Spirit Squad, actually, was to give him somebody to work with on the comeback. And it was a very successful pay-per-view. It was Vengeance that year. I remember it. It was... Um, one of the most bought pay-per-views of the year, including the big four for them. Wow. Um, everybody wanted to see DX back. It was a real hot program. So uh, Michaels jumps off the jumbo ladder with the elbow, comes sailing down onto the trash can through the table with Vince sandwiched in between. Huge bump. Crowd goes nuts. Michaels breaks out of the wreckage, dumps the ladder out of the ring, kicks at the medics who arrive to tend to Vince McMahon to keep them at bay. Uh, Sean, JR says, has reverted to a place he thought he'd never be. Crotch top. Uh, to Shane, a snot rocket to Shane. He then lifts Vince to his feet, and he says, I want you to watch this. I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat. <laughs> he nails him with the chin music. One, two, three. In 18 minutes and 22 brutal seconds, Shawn Michaels defeats Mr. McMahon in the no-holds-barred match at WrestleMania 22. This is a match that, you know, I, 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 I saw where you were coming from before. He should have pinned him after the elbow from the top of the ladder. Yeah, what's what's this about? I There's guess they no... thought it was a, a cinematic moment to have the dialogue there before the kick. I guess, but I think um, I think that it's like it was unnecessary. Oh, clearly it was unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, Shane, um, Gr says had to bear witness to his father's professional assassination. Vince gets rolled onto a stretcher. Um, I think Shawn Michaels uh, made a trip right through downtown hell. Jr. says. <laughs> Vince is being wheeled out on the gurney, and what does he do, boss? Flips HBK the bird. While strapped to the gurney, motionless funny. and defeated, he's just at the aisle way, and then Vince manages a little middle finger toward the ring at Sean. Sean celebrates with his, uh, in the ring, sees his wife whisper the Nitro Girl in the crowd, gives her a quick kiss, and uh, off he goes. So that is Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania 22 performance. Uh, Taz uh, tells JR he just made the call of the year. And uh, who did you like in that match, Jr.? A little bit of sarcasm there for the one-sidedness. And um, here we go. Package now for our triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship from SmackDown, which is Angle, Mysterio, and Orton going at it for the yeah. belt. When uh, uh, in the recap of the uh, of the feud, Teddy Long, you know, obviously adds Rey Mysterio to the title match after the fact, and there's. Commentary from Cole as he says that Ray has now a new lease on life. Mm-hmm. That's a little much. Yeah, thought his life was over. Yeah, right. Kind of a, especially considering the Eddie Guerrero, um, you know, stirring up those thoughts. That's not really appropriate. But yep. um, they show an angle dumping Henry uh, to win uh, in a battle royal on SmackDown kind of a mini Royal Rumble to crown a world heavyweight champ, which Angle won to get the belt. Uh, Ray dedicates everything to Eddie. Um, and uh, 
they talk about, they show how uh, Randy told, you know, because this is all class, told Ray on SmackDown that Eddie is down in hell, which is nice, oh, right? Jesus. Um, that's the thing about the Eddie death, man. They went so hard to get heel heat out of that thing, it was actually pathetic. So for all the brownie points you want to give them for treating that whole thing with class and in just as many ways, if you really well, think back on it. I don't give them, don't give them any brownie points for it. Not at all. Okay. Well, there you go. I don't give them brownie points at all for it. I thought it was disgusting then. I think it's disgusting now. I, I, I only liked their tribute the night after the night after he died or the raw after he died or whatever the hell it was. I meant that plus the induction but, plus Vicky and, you know, taking care of the family. Like it was complete exploitation. Wellness. For like, they're like, well, let's see what we can do with this. That's right. They, let's they, use, let's see if we can still, you know, fucker. Eddie Guerrero got out of his contract a little early, and yep. I said I'm going to pay him money yep. for him not working dates since mm-hmm. he's dead. Mm-hmm. So let's fucking exploit the shit out of him mm-hmm. and make it worth our while. So Teddy adds uh, Ray yeah. to the show, and uh, here it is. I dare yep. you to tell me to walk through fire. Um, and let's uh, ruin the Ray Mysterio entrance with a live performance by P.O.D., boss. Oh, God. Huh? Little Booyaka Booyaka? Is that 619? Not your, is that not your song? <sighs> no, I don't like Booyaka. Ray comes up and then walks to the back so he can... I like, I like... Who's that jumping out the sky? R-E-Y Mysterio. <laughs> Here we go. The original one. I love that one. So, um, he goes up, way up onto the WrestleMania set where P.O.D.'s performing, kind of on a perch, and uh, he acquires this large, almost like you'd see at a Caribbean parade, ceremonial peacock-like headdress. I said Ray's outfit apparently is a tribute to Chief J. Strongbow. <laughs> yeah, more than anything. He, uh, so he jams with P.O.D. a little bit, then makes his way to the ring with his headwear. Yeah. This is not the way, by the way, I wanted Angle to go out. I mentioned that before. I'll yep. mention it again. He deserved a better match. Mm-hmm. He also seemed like such an afterthought in this match. Yeah. The the match should have been Ray versus Angle. Yeah, I don't know why this a... couldn't have been one on one. Well, because because they I, I really don't think they knew what they were doing. Yeah, well that's clear. I think I think they were they were still hell bent on Orton getting the belt. I think it, you know this I would think... have been Orton Batista in the original iteration of plans. Right, and I think I think even coming out of No Way Out, it was going to be Orton Angle. Yep, because Orton beat. Mysterio for the title shot, mm-hmm. and I think that they were just like, oh, we're not doing, we're not going all the way with the Mysterio thing. That was never the plan. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, shit, we better make it the plan. So they added him last minute, but it was a waste, and it, it really hurt this match by having Orton, Orton in it. Angle comes to the ring for his final WrestleMania appearance with what looks to me like the shoot gold medal because it's got the uh, the green Atlanta 96 neckband to it. So uh, making a little special wares for his wow. approach at the mains. Uh, Michael Cole says that Kurt Angle is the best pure athlete in the history of sports entertainment. Kurt Angle is the best pure athlete in the history of sports entertainment. I have a, a little, uh, I have an issue with that. With? With that, with that statement. And being the greatest athlete? Being he, that he is the best pure athlete in the history of sports. Center. Yes, I do. Who would that because be? Because he's forgotten another pure athlete who was also ranked as best, and that was the one Billy Gunn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I have an issue with the two. JR, JR called him on numerous occasions the best pure athlete in the WWE. Yeah, but he didn't say in history. Cole's saying in history here. No. 
No, okay. the one they, they they needed to have that match that 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 epic battle between Kurt Angle and the one Billy Gunn. It's false. It's damn false. <laughs> Orton grabs a belt from Charles Robinson and hits Kurt before the bell rings with it. Uh, Ray springs off the middle rope. Randy nails him out of the sky with a drop kick. Cole, Cole says that Angle has held every title imaginable. Now I ask you. Has he ever held the J.P. Sorrow Intergalactic Championship <laughs> of the Universe? Well, he did say imaginable. He did, and he's never held that title. There's your so, imagination at work. Yeah. Angle Germans on Orton, um, then Ray jumps into a wheelbarrow position. Angle then, uh, that ends up with Ray in basically oh, a German my. suplex in Orton's yes. arms, okay? Yes. So Orton is positioned to German Ray. Angle. Sneaks up behind Orton. Germans yes. Orton, who Germans Mysterio. And Mysterio goes flying. Mysterio, like, oh my God. What a spot. It's, it, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, spot work. Great WrestleMania spot. Yes. Um, you know, so Orton. A forgotten t- one, too, unfortunately. I know. It blew me away watching it again. Um, Orton takes the traditional German suplex bump, but he tosses Mysterio in the process and he goes flying into the corner. It's so awesome. The action in this match is fierce. They pack it in. And it comes from all over the place. It's just nonstop action. Yeah, they pack it in. They only have nine minutes after all. And uh, they're kind, as Dave Meltzer talked about, their time was cut more and more. They, they were supposed to have more time to work here. Kurt lifts Ray into uh, an Orton Super Hurricane Rana, pulling, Rana uh, pulling Orton off the ropes with the Rana. Let's go Angle Chance breakout just because how yeah. awesome he He's looks in there. Kicking ass. Yep. Uh, very weird as Taz appears to uh, repeat a line on the audio track. It sounds like they dubbed over a piece of audio with him saying something twice, or maybe my my stream screwed up. I don't, I don't know. Well, that was weird. Uh, 619 by Mysterio is caught by Angle. Crowd explodes at that counter. And turn into the ankle lock. You know why? Why is that? Because Angle is the fucking best. That's right, because he, he counters is... your finisher with his ankle lock. That's right. He is the best. I wish he weren't a fucking lunatic, <laughs> because he is the fucking best. Maybe that's why he's the best, because he is a lunatic. Ever think of that? Lunatic, a lunatic fringe? <laughs> Not quite that lunatic. I mean, uh, like, seriously, like, that is one of the, I mean, <laughs> there is not a fucking wrestler. He's so good. Who can, like, who basically is, like, who can take any move you give him and turn it into the ankle lock. Oh, my God. He can do it. And he drops down with it. He drops down with it. <sighs> Ray's tapping, um, but Orton's distracting the referee on the apron. That was fucking, yeah. Always that something. So Always angles. something. Back to it. Orton breaks the hold up. Angle scores with the Germans on Orton and Ray. Uh, Ray turns inside out. Orton um, uh, turns Orton inside out. Angle hits an angle slam out of the ring on Ray. So Ray hits the floor. Uh, there's an angle. This match off. is way better than I remember, by the way. Yes, I agree. Way better than I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember f- feeling, you know, live, feeling like it stopped so short and anticlimactic yes. that I forgot that it was awesome up to that point in time, even though the come away feeling was different. I- I just like I, I felt like they never got into a groove, and I'm thinking to myself watching this. I know what I was missing. I know what I was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it was it was like I said, much better than I remember. Super fast paced, but they I, again. I wish they had five more minutes. Yep. Because there was no real heat segment on Ray. Mm-hmm. Like they never they 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 never made. Um. They never made it feel important that Ray win this match. Yeah. Because they were doing all this crazy stuff all the time and they just didn't have the time, you know, to, to, to give them or to, to, to uh, not to give them, 
they didn't have enough time in the match to do a near to, fall where it was like, oh my god, right. Ray almost won the belt. Right, exactly. Or to have that whole bit like you know, Ray's, you know, don't end the dream this way. Mm-hmm. Don't end the dream mm-hmm. this way. You know, mm-hmm. there was nothing like that to really. They'd have make... the hope spot. Right, exactly. Hope spot to make you start to point your mind in the direction of wait a right. minute. They actually might have Mysterio win this thing. No, instead he just won it at the first right. available opportunity. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Agreed. Um, so uh, angle slam on Ray out of the ring, ankle lock on Orton. Um, he drops down with it again. Orton's tapping. Ray's hugging the ref though to keep him from seeing it. Um, and uh, angle then goes back to it. Ray comes in with a springboard leg drop to break up the ankle lock and gets two. It's crazy. I forgot how the crowd, you know, because Angle got so hot early, they kind of didn't want Ray yeah. to win. Yeah, I know. You, they wanted they wanted Angle to retain. Mm-hmm. Taz says this crowd is kind of on the weird side. They can't help themselves because obviously they're not cooperating with the, the direction the match is headed in. Yeah. Um, Angle Slam is countered into an RKO. For Crazy. Two. Jesus. Angle runs up the ropes and tosses Orton off the top with that superplex. Ray then tries a 619 around the oh, post, but he slips. That would have been stupendous had he oh. connected. He wanted to wrap around the post with the 619, but he lost his grip and fell to the floor. Uh, the the, uh, the that, that move is actually in one of the SmackDown games. Around the post? Yeah. Nice. And I remember thinking, what the fuck? That's amazing. Yep. I don't remember him. I don't remember him try, attempting that in this match. But, man, if he had fucking connected with that, that would have been so cool. Add a half star, maybe? Absolutely. Maybe oh. even three stars. Oh, <laughs> um, seated senton on the follow-up by Mysterio into a bridge yeah. gets two. Orton's in uh, and hits a neckbreaker off the powerbomb position on Ray for two. Uh, angle slam on Orton, uh, waiting for the RKO, gets two. Uh, angle slams then countered with an arm drag. Drop kick on Orton, six, <laughs> one, I, nine. This is what I wrote. This is what I wrote. All right. This is what I wrote. Angle slam is attempted on Ray. But the Lucha Libre specialist turns it into an arm drag. <laughs> okay. That's one another way of calling it. Sure. That's the way it is. Along with that. West Coast Pop, which is that fantastic springboard uh, hurricane run in the middle of the ring from Mysterio. Into a pin. Uh, gets the one, the two, and the three on Orton mm-hmm. after hitting the 619. Angle just misses the breakup. Crowd explodes. In nine minutes and 19 seconds, Rey Mysterio, after winning... The 2006 Royal Rumble match going longer than anyone ever has yeah. in the bout. Uh, pins Randy Orton and also defeats Kurt Angle, the champ, to become world heavyweight champion. An improbable conclusion to this story at WrestleMania 22. Michael. I had a real appreciation for guys like Benoit and Rey Mysterio winning the world heavyweight title. Because to me, it represented them winning the WCW belt, mm-hmm. which they never really did. Right, which they were kind of... a. Uh, the f- in not in contention for, but that was the right. first. They broke out as stars when that was the top belt in the right. organization they were in. Right. And uh, and here, you know, they they play it up full bore. The decision made to, to sort of play off the emotional death of Eddie and have Ray as sort of a surrogate reclaiming the belt for him. Michael Cole go, goes into the screed about how at 15 years old Ray began wrestling at a small church in Mexico. One year later, his journey culminates. The late great Eddie is looking down, so proud come of his in, amigo. Come in, son. Come in. Come in to the church. That's right. I <laughs> would like. Come in. Come in. We will sit. We will pray. And I tell you right now, we're going to make you a wrestler. Mm, yes. We go downstairs, we have a wrestling match. Is that Nacho Libre? You and me, you and me, I, I am the pastor here. You and me, son, we have a wrestling match together down in the basement. Jesus. I teach you some of my special moves. No gracias. See? 
Sí. Sí, gracias. Es mal. Sí, gracias. If Mucho gracias. Cole screaming, if you dream hard enough, bust your ass night in and night out, dreams will indeed come true as Mysterio hugs the belt in tears. Awesome shot of Mysterio's cute little kids clapping, his son looking like Manny from Modern Family. <laughs> well played. Chavo and Vicky greet Ray in the aisle as he makes his way up with his new world heavyweight title, which is about as big as his upper torso. And um, they both point up to the sky in unison, a hug from Vicky. They all raise his hand. Ray drops to his knees, kisses the belt, and they do a dissolve effect into the Eddie Guerrero banner hanging from the rafters at all state. And uh, there it is, Ray Mysterio's crowning career achievement, I would argue. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, So they go and put the world heavyweight title on Ray Mysterio, the least likely move you would ever expect from a Vince McMahon auspice WWE, but uh, the circumstances and the stars aligned such on this night in Chicago in 2006 that it was the decision that was made. It was fleeting, though, boss, as we've touched on. Mysterio's reign would go absolutely nowhere. I know. So such a bummer because he, they started like, you know, this is the thing that I really hate about the WWE is that sometimes if when when they want something, they'll defy logic. That's right. They'll defy logic. But when they don't really want something, well, we, you know, I mean, he's, he, Ray, you, you keep facing these big guys. I mean, if you were in a real fight with a big guy, you, you wouldn't win. <laughs> right. All of a sudden that counts. You wouldn't win. So I can't, I mean, I can't insult the intelligence of my fans. Hey, but remember... The famous scene where Triple H tried to bury Kurt Angle on the way up like he did everybody else, said he was too small, and then Jerry Briscoe, who of course is a uh, amateur wrestling mark, recruits all these guys from the NCAA, Oklahoma State, etc., says, well, why, if you think he's too small, why don't, why don't you just try him for real? Of course. Uh, yeah, well, 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 but you're, you're too small. Yeah. And you just, I mean, this is a fact. It's not even an opinion. Small guys don't get over. That's right. So the bottom line is we're going to have to Even though he's totally over. Even though he's totally over. He's selling mad merchandise with the masks. He's doing great demo numbers with Hispanics on SmackDown. Look, you can show me all the numbers you want. Yeah. But I know what the fans want, and you're not over. So (laughs) we're going to have to have you lose every week and get pinned by bigger guys because it's all we got. You're the smallest guy in the roster. You know, unless... Unless we're going to have you start facing, you know, divas. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of an idea, actually. No, I mean, but let's be honest. I'm the only, only worker in the business who, you know, works with the divas. Yeah. So. In fact, I need you to, I need you to leave right now. I got <laughs> some little private diva business to take care of right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's McMahon, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> The mind of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So we cut to John Cena and Triple H deep in preparation for their WWE title match in the main event. And JR makes a weird claim that Cena has main evented two WrestleManias and won titles at both events. Why would he say that? And I don't know. I mean, while indeed Cena did win titles at both of his WrestleManias, he's undefeated at WrestleMania, but he only main evented one Mm -hmm. and he opened the other. That's right. I don't know what the claim. I don't know what he's talking about. He made a big slub, big flub there. The main event, um, uh, an opening match is definitively not the main event. It's, yes. it's about the most polar opposite you could get. Yes, and he also makes the ludicrous claim that Cena 
is from a working class family. Let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, John Cena is from a working class family. He's true to who he is and what he believes in. Cena is arguably the most controversial WWE champion ever. Yeah, I was laughing hearing that. Be- uh, like, I mean, unless he considers liking rap and hip hop in the midst of the uber white West Newbury work, you know, yeah. it maybe he considers that to be working class. Yeah. But uh, um, I gathered some st- 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 I gathered some statistics mm. from the town of West Newbury, Massachusetts. Mm. The median income for a household in the town, excuse me, was one hundred and twelve thousand eight hundred twenty eight. Yeah. That is not a working class town no, if not. that is the middle ground. That is where the dad in seventh heaven lives. Right. And yeah, right. And the median income for a family, was 128,000. Yep. Males had a median income of 100,670 versus 80,189 for females. The per cap I don't know, per capita income for the town was 35,323. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Here not we too go. high, but about 2. Point, yeah, about 2.8% of families and 3.8% of the population we're below the poverty line. There you go. That's your measurement. There ain't nothing working class about West Newbury, Massachusetts. And as he says, on the contrary, Triple H, who they're still insisting is from Greenwich, right. Connecticut, no, seriously, enjoyed Jesus a privileged Christ. upbringing with the best training facilities. Actually, ironically, I'm pretty sure that Triple H came from working class, living in Nashville, New Hampshire. Exactly. That's much closer. That's a, <laughs> at least that's a, like a city, you know. Um just trains hard, no doubt about it, JR says. But he gets massages and manicures and pedicures. Oh, Majority of fans in attendance oh, tonight, he says, are traditional wrestling fans that will support Triple H. So that's the storyline. The reason yeah, they're popping for Triple H is they support a traditional wrestler like he is. Um, Lawler says it doesn't matter who these fans cheer for. That's what's great. Okay. I agree. Um, it doesn't matter who these fans cheer for. They're gonna, they're gonna see. They're gonna, they're gonna get what I want. JR says it's new school versus old school, hip hop, if you will, versus tradition. Oh my God. Not quite. Such a stupid statement. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I want to know what does John Cena's father do? He is a. What was he? He was a, um, an assessor, a town assessor. He worked in the uh, assessor's office, which basically, you know, they coordinate like how much your house is assessed for and what you get taxed sure. on and everything. Sure. It's like a, he was the chief assessor for the town of. I don't not West Newberry, but a surrounding town, one of the M towns. So, so that's a good job. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a hundred grand. So there's nothing working class about it. Nope. He actually stopped doing that job because he started getting enough work uh, as an indie manager, as Johnny Fabulous. Um, he works a lot in the New England Independence, and of course, anytime John Cena comes to Boston, he's front row and usually gets booked in the storyline on the show. Yeah, right. Because he's a performer as well. So anyway. So just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, also, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that, you know, the majority of people don't know anything about West Newbury, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. but it's just like, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't bad. It just ain't. It ain't. It's just ain't. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so, uh, totally serious build up here for the main yes. event. And then it's playboy time. <laughs> I was going to say, after all the build for, for that we get, after all that build, we get the next match, which falls under, of course, playboy pillow fight rules. <laughs> uh, Candace Michelle. Here we go again. Yes. My favorite part oh, of wrestling, God, the Divas song Michelle. lyrics. I hate Candace Michelle so much. Let me show you what love is. 
Let me show you how to move your body. Oh, Too much God. love and never hurt nobody. No. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh my God. I hate like... the lyrics in the fucking diva songs. <sighs> it's like they make me like, what? This have to do with wrestling? Like, it's just like. Also, what does it have to do with your personality? <laughs> exactly. It's totally detached from the wrestler. It's just like about love. Like Tori Wilson's song, fucking I yes. need a place to call my own and a place to be alone. Like, who cares? Oh. That, is nothing to do. that is nothing to go, do with Go fucking call Ole Anderson then. Get out of my TV. <laughs> Get out of my TV. JR decides to go oh down this God, road for this, this match. This was so funny. Give it to me. The 1911 Gotch Hackenschmidt here did 87,000. Oh Tonight the gate's over 2 million. This will not resemble. Carl Gotch and Frank Hackenschmidt. Like, oh my god, that's a hilarious. I love that. I love that disclaimer. And he totally messes up and calls him Carl Gotch, which he's not. Oh, and god. Frank Hackenschmidt. Seeing I did my homework in 1911 at Comiskey Park here in Chicago, Frank Gotch defeated George Hackenschmidt. The gate was 87 grand, the largest live gate ever at the time. Tonight's gate is over two million dollars. And by the way, this next match will not resemble Gotch and Hackenschmidt. How in the world can you talk about Frank Gotch and Carl Hackenschmidt with Candace Michelle in the ring? I've said it before. Um, Idiot. Uh, JR said he took a look at Candace's Playboy this year, borrowed a friend's copy. <laughs> so it's the Playboy pillow fight. He's such a good old country boy. WrestleMania tradition continues of featuring uh, the Playboy cover girl in a WrestleMania match. This time it's against Tori Wilson. We've only got two more of those, right? I think we got yeah. Ashley and then Maria, and that's it. And then it would be not uh, PC anymore or within the WWE's corporate vision to well, do it's that. Not, kind of it's, not, it's not TV PG. Yeah, more it's than more PC. Like, yeah. It's it's more like TV Vince's office, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, that's. I'm gonna get my own little Playboy action sh- going on. They would shift <sighs> that function over to uh, Vince's suite. And the thing is, this is, you know, when divas come and audition for the WWE, they come into my office one at a time. They take off their clothes, I photograph them, and then I touch them, and they go. <laughs> That was good. I didn't know the twist there. That was good. <laughs> so it's uh, Tori versus Candice. Uh, uh, poor out. Tori. I'm like, this poor woman. I feel like she's got a little bit more of a clout than, I mean, she's not a great worker or anything, but I feel like she's got a little more clout and a little more class, and she's stuck with all this shit. <laughs> she doesn't. She doesn't have anything. You know? She doesn't. She's a slut. I, I mean, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. I like, think she is. She just. just this is this is her role, okay? Yeah, it's all she has to offer. I guess. Uh, with all due respect, bless her heart. Um, you know, it's funny. I got this like spell check on this thing. I type my notes in, and every yeah. time I write Trish, it says trash, <laughs> and every time I write Tori, it says torrid. You, you, you trash. Yeah, exactly. You trash. Tori's out with her small dog. There's a sign in the crowd that says, uh, "Tori, keep your dog. I want your cat." JR says this uh That's funny. this ought to be a Viagra and a pole match if you have from over here, being in Chicago, of course. There's a bed in the ring, Tori th- throws her on it, they tussle. She actually backdrops Kansas onto the yeah. bed and she like takes a bump like it hurts, which is I wrote, I wrote that the action is fierce and fluffy. <laughs> yeah, if nothing else. Turns the bed on her and jumps on her, does Tori. Uh, then put, shoves her then, then Tori like shoves her dog's ass in Candace's face. That's right. That's right. Because it's a spot. The puppy stink face. 
Um, they mentioned GoDaddy. It's uh, important to mention at this yeah. point in time, Candace was actually featured prominently in a lot of the GoDaddy ads, and like during the Super Bowl. Didn't and she stuff. get those first and then this Danica job? Had... Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was. I thought um, she was. I thought she was known from the GoDaddy commercials before she came. To I think WWE. you're right. I think you are right. And she did more after she came. Right, right. There were, there was oh, on both she sides. came. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She came hard. Mm-hmm. JR thinks that maybe Martha Stewart or some s- someone like Oprah or some other dominating female ought to be roughing this one. Uh, drops an elbow on the bed. <sighs> she gets out scissors. Pardon me. Uh, Tori gets out scissors and cuts off Candace's gown. JR says he thinks these girls will have a smoke when this thing's over. JR says he will, and he doesn't smoke. What, uh, what J- the fuck is... Okay, okay. Here, here's, here's an issue that I have here. So... Tori rips Candace's dress off, right? Yeah. She cuts Can- it off. Right. Either way, but she takes it off. It's, yeah. It comes off. And Candace tries to cover up. I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck is this about? Well, she's covering it up because too much love and never hurt nobody. Hold on. You just showed off your tits and pussy in Playboy. <laughs> and therefore, I promise you, there's not a man in the building who has not seen your naked body. So what are you covering up for? They've all seen you naked already. And you're she'll wearing get in brawn trouble. panties. She'll get in trouble. Oh, That's why. Yeah, uh, but she's covering up herself in brawn panties. During this whole thing, an issue of Playboy ends up in the ring, which yes. is hilarious. That's funny. Um, and uh, Tori suddenly rolls up Candace for the one, two, three, mercifully in three minutes, 54 seconds. Tori Wilson defeats Candace Michelle in the Playboy pillow fight at <sighs> WrestleMania 22. JR Was... says he's sweating Crisco and he needs a barbecue cocktail. Right. So is it, was this the culmination? I got nothing for that. Was this the culmination of the uh, Candace sleeping with Tori's father storyline? Uh, I think so, yes. Poor Al. Didn't... No, Don Marie slept with Al Wilson. Oh, Don Marie. It was Don Marie, yes. And, and then didn't had, he die? He died, and they did a funeral on TV, and they did a skit where they fight each other, Tori and Don, and they end up knocking over Al Wilson's oh. casket, and his body rolls around on the ground, and they fight on Al's dead body because that's comedy. Oh, my God. We're talking about that Vince gross-out humor? There you go. Yeah. The great if we fucking killed Al Wilson, and then we fucking pushed over his fucking casket. That's one of the few times they've expressly done death. You know, like, yeah. a character on TV dies. And like, they've only killed a few. That's what They have killed some. That's what we're asked to accept. Um, they've done, you know, people we've never seen before are dead, but character dead. That's one of the they, they, they killed that... Paul Bearer. Yeah, but it comes back. You came back after being put in cement? Yeah, that was at WrestleMania 20. No, 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 no. After O2. That. No, 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 no. You know, that happened in 02. No. No, 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 no. He was putting cement. He was putting cement in the, yeah, in the summer of 04. So 04. Yep, you're right. You're I think right. he died. But he does come back. I, he does? I remember, yes, because I remember remarking somewhere down the line how ludicrous it was that he forgave Undertaker for that in storyline without any acknowledgement. He just comes back. I want to know how he survived. I do, too. I want to know Undertaker survived being buried alive 10,000 times. Jesus. So it's time to go to a package press conference for the yes. Cena-Triple H match at the famous Chicago Theater. Triple H says it's going to be uh, the easiest match of my life. You will find out. But everyone finds out sooner or later. They all, boss, bow down to the king. A true champion is not defined. J- uh, uh, John Cena says by how much they're admired. The definitive underdog. I'm the definitive underdog going in. Um Makes the champion of... should never be the underdog. No. No, not at all. 
they show a skull graphic and a skeleton battling medieval tribes on my screen, and that is part of the super-produced entrance yes. for WrestleMania 22 of Triple H. It's time to go medieval, boss. And it's time for Triple H to get two songs. <laughs> okay. He's the only fucking person in the history of WrestleMania to get two entrance themes. <laughs> That's right. It's true. They start with the uh, bad guy. Behold the, the king. king. I'm going to kick your ass. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's punk. Behold the king. The king of kings. On your feet, darling. <laughs> I thought he said on your knees, punk. Oh, is that what he says? I don't know. <laughs> on your feet, darling. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's like a very gentle comment in the middle of all that. So, Say uh, punk. I thought something like said two syllables. Uh, you might be right. On your knees, darling. So he's on his throne, and he's got his damn furs oh. on, right? Like a conquering Viking and his sledgehammer. He, he, and his... He's dressed like Conan the fucking barbarian. With a bottle of Aquafina. And he, right. He looks like a complete fucking asshole. <laughs> so, then we get bowed down to the king, and then it's time to play the game. Bow down to them. Bow down to the king. Right before he gets out of the throne, they switch to time to play the game. So now he's making his way to the ring. And then the John Cena entrance. How do you feel about this? Hold hold on. First, I got to mention this, though. Yeah. That JR brings up the fact that he is on a, that Triple H is on a two-year WrestleMania losing streak. And that is one of the reasons why I thought for sure Triple H was going over. Yeah, that they bring that up. Yep. Um, also, too, the Triple H uh, is apparently one mains away from tying Bret Hart's record of 12 consecutive WrestleMania appearances. Hmm. But it was not to be. Sorry, game. You won't be at WrestleMania 23. That's right. Not at all in any capacity. You, got, you injured. I think you tore a quad again. I think so. And he was gone for a while. Amazing. So um, what do you think of the scene entrance here at 22? Well, okay. First of all. We, at the beginning of it, we get this video about the Great Depression. Right. And I'm like, oh. The old newsreel footage. Yeah, it's all this old newsreel footage. It's this, where the, uh, Chicago, 1923. Right. And, and then the video starts promoting gangsters like Al Capone, a mm-hmm. killer, a murderer, a criminal, mm-hmm. or, an organized criminal. And they promote gangsters and, like I said, organized crime during that period as heroes. Gangsters decided if no one would help them, they would scratch, claw. If you loved them or hated them, it didn't matter. They sacrificed everything. You needed and, just three things. What are those? Just hustle, loyalty, and, and respect. I'm like, okay, it doesn't fit this guy. Right. He's not an anti-hero. They're taking Chicago gangsterism and they're trying to I understand connect it but, to the modern gangsterism that John Cena was supposed to represent, but he but dropped he that. Repre- right. He doesn't represent that anymore. He hasn't represented that in, in a, over a year. That that hat has been turned the brim of that hat has been yes. turned frontwards. Yes. Okay. Now he looks like, you know, some guy at CrossFit, you know. He, right. He, now looks he looks like, like a some, fucking he looks like a personal trainer. He does, yes. That's what it is. Personal trainer John Cena. He looks like someone trying too hard in the wiffle ball game during the barbecue. Yeah, he looks like somebody's fucking dad who's coaching Little League. (laughs) All right? Yep. Wearing his fucking jean shorts and and his t-shirts. Hashtag cool dad. Hashtag sucks. So. Um, Hashtag dad sucks. Yeah, yeah, there you go, dad. Um, 
so, but what I did find to be interesting was that, so they start playing this stupid, I'm like, just thinking to myself, this is like, this is bad, um, award show goofiness. Well put. When they, when the, the old totally car comes this. down, yeah. you know, like I picture something like, like the year, like Goodfellas was nominated for best picture. They fucking did this or something like that. And, uh, what I did enjoy though. I, actually, I wrote down. I wrote down. Jesus, I feel like we're in a goofy Broadway show. Yeah. But what I do find interesting about this car coming down is that we get the WrestleMania debut. We're in Chicago, and we are indeed. And I figure there's no better place to debut. A Chicago-made punk. Mm-hmm. And indeed we do, as he gets a big close-up. Huge close-up. I mean, he is like, fucking hey, his face fills the frame. Yep. As one of the several pinstriped gangsters. He must have said, give me my check, and let's make this as fast as fucking possible. <laughs> yeah. He's out there holding a Tommy gun, making these like cinematic faces like he's looking yeah. around the corner for, for uh, people like, after him. Because I get a bitch... And my fucking apartment, yep. who I want to fuck as soon as possible. <laughs> CM Punk makes his on-screen WWE debut, sort of like that how is. Diamond Dallas Page makes his debut at WrestleMania Six, driving Honky Tonk absolutely convertible. And uh, he, you of know, course, was... it would take a take less time for him to make his wrestling debut at WrestleMania. Unfortunately, very much. So. Yeah, it'd be the next year. Um, he's very close to being signed. He may even have yes. been in OVW. At I this think point he was because because yep. he because um, he. Uh, he he was there at the end by the end of the year mm-hmm. was for sure by the summertime I think he was he was there. We would bring him in as part of that first ECW. wave of ECW guys to get yeah. the ECW show launched with its own set of characters. So, uh, but of course he was still around Chicago as a native and a proud Chicago. And as anybody knows anything about punk knows yeah. that at least. And um, <clears throat> so this is 2006. He makes his on-screen yep. debut, uh, rumbling out there. And yeah, and he was with them starting in September '05. Uh, OVW. Wow. Okay. Yep. There we go. Mm-hmm. And so if that wasn't enough of the goofiness. Cena comes up to the top, you know, the stage and Ugh. he's supposed to be dressed like a, dressed like a gangster, Ugh. but he doesn't look like he's dressed like a gangster. He looks like he's dressed like a flasher. <laughs> That's what he looks like. <laughs> Jesus. You I'm, won I'm the ex- prize for that one. I'm expecting him to fucking expose himself. Yeah. He comes out with like, a trench coat, but like sneakers on underneath it. Yeah. And shorts. Like, and I'm weird, sorry. That's a pervert. hat. I'm right. I'm thinking to myself, my God, I'm going to see John Cena's dick. <laughs> and he's and got I his like gun. That. And he's like trying then, to carry himself like somebody well, who like understands yeah. like old time gangsterism. I said he reveals a Thompson submachine gun underneath his pervert jacket because apparently he's going to shoot on triple h <laughs> he sure is and he gets and the then, lamest and then sound he, out of his gun and he fires the gun he fires a weapon in an enclosed space because it worked so well for china i mean that's really how stupid it comes off he it's like they set the pyro off of the gun exploding on the you know the roof where all the other pyros exploded throughout the night and this is why it's like he shoots it, it makes the noise, it's like so anticlimactic, and then he just puts the gun down and takes the coat yep. off and comes to the ring. Yep. 
It's awful. It's just not smooth. It's not clever. It's just it's, it's just like it's a, just awful. It was awful. It was embarrassing. Thumbs was embarrassing. down for the John Cena WrestleMania 22 entrance. So uh, um, <clears throat> he makes a walk to the ring with the belt on his waist. Lillian Garcia does our intros. After the music, she introduces him as the Doctor of Thugonomics. Yeah, she well, this was, this was funny, though. So she announces Triple H first yeah. as the Cerebral Assassin, the game, the 10-time world champion, Triple H. Cena only gets the Doctor of Thugonomics, <laughs> and he's the current WWE champion. Yeah, he's also the champ. Right, but it's like, Triple H, no, man. I got to go over. Mm-hmm. I am over. That's right. It's all right. It's all right. In the end, he's going to win anyway, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. Uh, your main I, event. I like this. Yep. For WrestleMania 22. Cena versus Triple H for the championship. JR says, if you're with him, you're with him. If you're not, you're not. As uh, Thanks. All right. It's clear Cena is not going to get the support of the Chicago Wins. Lawler says JR, to JR, you're about as street as George Bush when uh, – <laughs> JR tries to identify with Cena's hip hopness. Um, Lawler we, is assigned yeah. to be obsessed with the crowd during this match. Oh, great. Keeps talking about whether or not they like or hate John Cena. They're into this match. They're into WrestleMania. It's like, just uh, shut up, Jerry. Shut, leave me alone, Jerry. Just do me a favor. Go fucking under your underage teen. Right. Let me enjoy that part of the match. Let, you know, it's like st- instead of like jumping on it to try to recontextualize it as a positive for the entertainment yep. experience of the show, just let it happen. You know, yep. it's like instead of like jumping on it, be like, see, see, that's good, though. That's good. Before you think that's bad, that's good. It's like, what good does it do to, to come awesome. at me like that? Anyway, that's we how they a, dealt with it. in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. We get a match sequence to start because Triple H has been all about chain wrestling throughout his entire career. Clearly. Yeah. That's never what he's been always about done. Brawling. Yeah. No, no. Certainly never been about brawling or power wrestling. He's always been a chain wrestling expert. <laughs> that's right. So now, uh, I, I got to ask you this. Was this like an obvious and quote unquote safe main event? What do you mean? Or was this like, were they, did they, because it seemed like a safe main event to me. It seemed like, okay, this is the obvious way we go. It's not creative. It's not like we're booking somebody big. It's like, okay, just we'll have them go with Triple H. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because it's I mean, this one and next year's felt safe. They didn't feel like. It didn't feel like a big, oh, my God, I hadn't thought about that match. Holy shit, that's a crazy match. It's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, of course, it's Triple H and Cena. Yeah, I think they, in those two years in particular, they thought about those big pop things uh, further down the card. This show they would have liked and planned on Brett coming back uh, for the Sean Vince thing, which I think would have done that trick. And the next year, it's all about Donald Trump right. and uh, that whole mid-card angle. Uh, so the main event can kind of have less of the sizzle on the stake. So, um, yeah, here we go. Pretty, you know, there's these totally basic chain wrestling things from triple H and then he stands yeah. back like I schooled you. It's like, you just did like three like holes. Like that's like basic wrestling stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, and, it's like he and, did some technical I wizard, know. wizardry. I know. And then we get a series of, of corner whips and then a fisherman suplex by Cena. And I'm like, okay, he can wrestle. There you go. I got it. He, mm-hmm. he did a better. He already did a bigger and more complex move than you did. Mm-hmm. Game. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong, but I think these are the, at least in WrestleMania they are. But I think ever the first fuck you Cena chance. Uh, yes. From the Chicago faithful. Oh my God! Let's go Cena. Fuck you Cena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the let's go Cena. Cena sucks too. Is happening. Yeah. Uh, so but... that's all brand new. I mean. Not, 
the rea- uh, the rejection of Cena is isn't new, but the 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 organized nature of the Cena hate from the Chicago crowd here at WrestleMania 22 is new. It was very jarring at the time. I remember feeling like it's some kind of disaster that their baby face is in this position. I really want to know, you know, and I don't know if maybe lapsed fans remember this far, but I am curious because I feel like a lot of the fans, you know, I want to know what it was, personal recollections from yep. from the lapsed fan solar system. Yep, absolutely. Because we all cheered for John Cena at WrestleMania 20. We were all into him at WrestleMania 20 when he was doing that, when he was doing the hip hop thing. So what was it about John Cena that you hated? Lapsed fan crowdsourcing. Yes. Hit us up. Thelapsedfan at gmail.com. And and on Twitter as well, the lapsed fan. Your precise reason, as much as yes. you can narrow it down. I don't want this is different than the recollections. Right. And a I know I don't want a specific yeah. list, no longer than three points of why you think this happened to John yes. Cena. And I don't want to hear that, you know, I've always hated Cena, I've always hated Cena, because it's not true. We all haven't always hated Cena. That's exactly right. In 2003 and in 2004, we loved Cena. We thought he was great. We thought he was different. We thought he was edgy. And I want to know what happened. What happened after WrestleMania 21 where you said, this guy ain't for me? And I'm serious about that. I want to know what it is. Yeah, I'd love to do like a little project like yes. like that. And you know, God, it's so relevant in the WrestleManias to come that it's actually absolutely a perfect time to launch such yeah. a, such a thought process. Absolutely. So let's do it. Uh, thank thank you for that, boss. Yeah, thelapsedfan yeah. at gmail dot com, and on Twitter at thelapsedfan. Your precise reasons why John Cena just didn't hit for you post WrestleMania 21. So here we go to the match. Um, an FU attempt by. Cena's countered as Triple H drops down and slugs Cena in the face, gets admonished for it <laughs> by the ref with the closed fist. JR says, at some point, you've got to know this crowd will support, will motivate the game. Jerry Lawler says he disagrees that Triple H actually goes out of his way to get the fans to not like him. So again, more obsession with the freaking fans. Uh, welcome to the era where the crowd is the star. Yeah, right, right. Back in the day, they would only make half passing reference to a rejection like this. Think 92 Rumble turning on Hogan. Nope. But uh, and they certainly wouldn't build every other move around it and just wait and listen as announcers to the crowd to see if there's a sense that they turned around on every single move. So uh, Triple H takes his Harley race bump over the corner to the floor, tries a pedigree on the floor, but is backdropped on the ramp, which, again, makes such an awesome noise. His lower back and kidneys, JR says. (laughs) The steel didn't care, but the game's anatomy certainly does. What about my kidneys? (laughs) <laughs> the monarch of the mat, he calls him. <laughs> monarch of the mat? Ugh. Oh, I missed that. Thank God I did. It might have made me throw Talk up. Talk about Cena being forced down our throats. What about this thing that R- Triple H is a wrestling scientist being shoved down our throats all of a sudden? Seriously. Where's the resentment never, of that? He's never been a fucking technical wrestler. He's never been this 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 fucking, uh, 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 you know, uh, Technical genius, Drop this toehold ring specialist. tactician, yeah. this fucking general of, <laughs> of 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 ring ring tactical forces. <laughs> yeah, it's like, pat, what it's, the that's fuck? Patnesque, the way you put it there. Yeah, I mean, like seriously, like what the fuck? When did he become the leader and the fucking programmer of 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 technical? fucking wrestling when, it deci- this guy, when he decided to be swell to be a yeah. hybrid of rick flair and harley race in yeah, about 2002 right. that's when and and harley race ain't no technical wrestler he was a fucking brawler too yeah 
He was much beast. more tech- He was much more beef. technical. Really? Yeah. Much more he tech- always seemed like a beefy beast to me. <laughs> a beefy beast burrito. We may- <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the number two with, chi- right. with chips. I'm going, I'm going to... I'm going to Entertainment Bell. Give me a beefy beast burrito. <laughs> Entertainment Bell. That's a mouthful. Get it? That could be the slogan. <laughs> so anyway. That's a brand. Um, JR says, the crowd doesn't like seeing his offense. It's about, it about tells the story. <sighs> Crowd's exploding. Um, he... Anyway. Yeah. So um, Triple H puts a sleeper on Cena. No, um, which is a reverse chin lock, and it is long. JR says, by his own it's admission, long. Triple H is, by his own admission, a manipulator. That's right. A I master to, manipulator. I have to say, for all the, you know, that kind of weird tone of announcing and the crowd being distracted by not liking John Cena and all of that, I, this does still feel like a clash of the titans, this match. Sure. I agree with you. I agree with you, 100%. It still feels like two giants battling. It's, it, it is an epic match, I, no, no doubt. Right, no it fits doubt. that. It fits. It, it it is. It's closer to Hogan and Warrior than it is uh, yes. Michaels and Hart. Absolutely, it is. You know, um, and not some kind. It's not some kind of competitive, cooperative dance. This is a clash, and it's yeah. uh, it's ugly. Yes. Um, so anyway, it's bowling shoe ugly. We hear you can't. We see a you can't see me. Cena hits the ropes, but a Triple H. Bounces up before he can hit the knuckle shuffle and scores with a big spine buster on right. Cena. Horseman he's, style, oh, JR. He's in, the main, he's in the main event. So we've got to bust that spine on the pine. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Cena hits a pair of shoulder blocks. Mm-hmm. And JR continues, as he does throughout this entire match, to say that um, uh, Cena's style is not pretty, nor is it fancy. Mm-hmm. And see, why it bothers me... Um, I guess is that throughout the entire previous year, nobody talked about his style on TV. No one said he's a bad wrestler. No right. one said it just anything. comes up at WrestleMania. Of it all just shows. comes up because Triple H brings it up, and JR, uh, I guess JR is probably like, "Well, I guess that's true. That must be the way it is." And I'm like, "Why? If if he was such a bad wrestler bef- this whole time, why weren't you talking about it? Why wasn't it made into a bigger deal? It just was well, awful." I, th- I think they were just struggling to try to find a way to put their finger on and address what it was people were rejecting about John Cena. And like we talked about earlier, the move set and the clunky movements around the ring was one of them. Sometimes it seemed like it was the biggest one of them. And I think that's them just trying to find ways to address all the problems people have with John Cena and rethink them in a way that people may see them as acceptable or just, you know, um, just let him get better. A lovable flaw. Right. Just instead let him get of that, better. instead of that, we're going to take it and assume it's never going to get better. And we got to make people somehow look at it in a different way. So it's not such a problem. Yeah. And that effort would last years with John Cena and it would really bear no fruit whatsoever. Yeah. Right. But they just weren't used to people coming at their anointed next big top guy this way. Now they're used to it. They just blame the fans and they move on. So anyway, um, uh, Cena begins to pump up, um, hits the drop down, hooks the F- STFU. Um, Let's take a moment and talk about Cena's STF. Yeah. It is awful. It, and it never gets better, and I don't understand why. He, I don't understand. See, the STF is supposed to be a move where – you you, 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 you you tie the guy's legs with your legs and then you reach over and you kind of give him almost a cross face type mm-hmm. 
you know, maneuver where you're kind of pulling both ends of the body. But Cena, he can't apparently bend his arms. Right. Because he can't bring him in. He has there. It's wide open. And all he does is this crazy little triangle with <laughs> his arms. Yeah. And it looks so unbelievably unpainful. He just refuses to do like a grip or an S lock with his hands. Right. All he wants to do is make two fists and then have his wrists overlap each other. Like, right. a, like an X. It's like so that's not awful. a grip. It's like, so are you awful. Kidding me? How easy is it to break someone's hands apart yeah, when you don't I have think, a grip lock? You just why have wrists. I just push on... your arms up with my hands over your, my head and then I'm free. Woo. I don't know. I don't know why he insists oh. on doing it that way and it's never improved. The STF, you know, you're supposed to basically hook a sleeper. Right. You, know, you, you lock your, fu- your knuckles together and you pull back. Whatever. Uh, he applies that. Later, an FU attempt. Uh, Triple H drops down. It's driven in the yep. corner, and they hit the ref. Triple H then low blows Cena, but accidentally – yeah, he low blows Cena, but also catches the ref because they're both piled up against each yeah, other in right. the corner. So he gets a, Mike Chioda gets a low blow as well. Uh, Triple H gets a sledgehammer out. JR says it's amazing um, how they're cheering for this obvious intended use of a sledgehammer. He's still mm-hmm. obsessed with it. I know. Cena hits the ropes, runs right into it. Big sledgehammer shot. Mm-hmm. Ref recovers. Um but uh, only gets two on John Cena. Pedigree attempt to follow up is countered by the backdrop as John Cena comes to life, scores with the FU, only gets two, two, and the crowd goes nuts. You'll you'll notice something here. Mm -hmm. I want you to notice this. Triple H never actually hits the pedigree in this match. Because you ain't kicking out of that, brother. Right. Therefore, Triple H allows, never allows Cena to kick out of the pedigree. Now, this is how I think that went down in Vince's office. John, come on, sit down. So I wanted to, you know, tell you we're very excited about uh, the mains coming up, you know, in Chicago, big time. I uh, just wanted to let you know that um, that uh, Triple H has informed me that uh, he will not actually hit the pedigree move on you during the match. He'll make attempts and uh, you'll reverse them, but he will never actually hit the move. You, you know why? I mean, the reason, in case you're wondering, is that um, you will not be able to kick out. Physically speaking, you won't be able to kick out, but also it's written into his contract that if he ever hits the move, his opponent is required to play dead. Oh, it's contractual. So, so even though it's not... The scheduled finish, if he decided to hit the pedigree mid-match, and he did so, you would be contractually obligated to lay down and lose the belt. (laughs) I have no control over the situation. That's just the way the contract is. You didn't sign the contract? Shut up. I didn't, you know, I I don't write this shit. What do you want? Lawyers do. I don't, I just sign whatever they want me to sign. Oh, that's a great chairman. Well, that's a real confidence booster, Vince, in your leadership. I love that. That's a brilliant idea. You know, guys fight for quote unquote creative control in your contract. Yeah, no, right. just put no. one clause in there. Yep. My finisher is never to be kicked out of and watch your career be 10, 20% greater just on That's the right. basis of that one clause. That's right. You have to lay down dead for at least three minutes after I hit the move and I can hit it whenever I want. For at least three minutes. I like that. A duration right. and everything. Anything other than that would be a, a violation subject mm-hmm. to penalties. That's right. And fines and suspensions. Love it. Great idea. You, you just gave him a really good idea. <laughs> so anyway, oh, off to two. Um, and man, you know, 
As, as Triple H kicks out of the FU, I'm reminded I miss when kicking out of finishers meant something. We're starting to see it erode here in our 30-week yep, journey, we boss, right around this time. Uh, Cena comes off the top, misses a crossbody. Triple H goes for, comes off the ropes, misses a crossbody. Uh, Triple H goes for pedigree. Uh, no, a drop down. Cena hooks the STF, countering the pedigree. Triple H's hand drops two yeah, times. Who does Cena think he is? Chris Benoit? What the fuck is this? He's right, countering the wrestling. Pedigree. He's not allowed to wrestle. So far, actually, John Cena's done more wrestling in this match than Triple H. Right, so what's the problem? Uh, Triple H's hand drops twice, but not a third time. Cena keeps torquing, keeps torquing, and Triple H taps. Yeah. He tapped? I was shocked. Oh, yeah. Because I, I had no idea that Sean, John Cena was a submission specialist. I just didn't know that the game plan for this match was to put John over so big to, to double down on John Cena's champion. I thought they were going to soften a bit on him. Right. Right. I had no idea they were actually going to go with this, with the, with the submission clean like that. Triple H just gives it over. And, uh, yeah, I remember that being huge at the time, uh, as a, as an impactful finish of all the things that you would have you know, based on the build, yeah. the things Triple H said about John Cena's ability, the crowd rejecting him like they hadn't quite seen before with a top babyface champ, you expected going in that night in 2006 for some kind of funky finish where, you know, Cena doesn't exactly lose his perch, but this isn't a match solely designed to build John Cena, you know? Right, right. But that's what the finish turned out to be. In yeah, 22 minutes and two crazy. seconds, John Cena submits Triple H to retain the WWE Championship in his very first WrestleMania main event show closer. That's right. And then we get the uh, WrestleMania recap video. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again, I have always been impressed with these because they are put together over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. And they really have, I mean, honestly, they've got, they have to be gathering clips from the main event yep. and editing it in, you know, in the midst of it all, like yeah. it's kind of crazy and they have to be polishing it and making it look good by the time the video package is over. It's really an unbelievable thing that they do and very impressive when it comes to the editing work. And I'm always impressed how slick they look as Me well. Yep. You know, it's not just like a, a choppy put slap together video. It looks like it was produced two weeks ago. They basically have a whole separate team working on it. Oh, I'm uh, sure. I mean, it's like, it's going to be the, I can only imagine it's going to be one of the most stressful jobs in the whole fucking business. Mm-hmm. Cause you're there. Like you have to make sure you get everything fucking right. Mm-hmm. And for a, uh, Quick rundown and some context as we wrap yes. up the 20-second stop along the way. As we've cited throughout the course of our journey, uh, Brian Shields' uh, WWE History of WrestleMania book, 30 Years Looking Back, that came out, has some some thoughts and input from WrestleMania 22 participants. So we'll lace you in a little bit of those thoughts uh, to wrap this thing up with a bow before we hit uh, the WrestleMania 22 feedback section. Sure. Bid you adieu. Um, Rey Mysterio, uh, on his uh, world title win quote, I was never alone in that ring. I felt Eddie was by my side the entire time looking over me it was something we had talked That's about kind of creepy for a long time that one day it would be nice to have that gold and to be the one carrying it then all the years of sacrifice damage to my body and being away from my family to one day be the world heavyweight champion it was awesome i felt that yeah. i had broken barriers because not only did i become champion there had not been a wrestler my size hispanic and masked that carried the world championship so it opened doors for superstars that resemble me well in theory, yeah. it did. I'm waiting for the next one. I don't think it's going to yeah. come. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think that's about it. So also weighing in on the uh, Shawn Michaels 
uh, Vince McMahon collision. Vince McMahon reflects, it meant so much for me personally to be in the ring with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Whenever there's a situation like that, I'm really concerned that after the match is over, my opponent isn't going to be as well off as they were coming into the match. The pressure is on me. Shawn Michaels could be in the ring with anyone, quite frankly, and everyone comes out better as a result of it. And that was a true test of Shawn Michaels to be in the ring with me and to come out looking better than he did walking in. Uh, HBK uh, recalls, I previously got up on that ladder and said, not doing it, it's too high. I'd take a smaller one, put it underneath the ring. I mean, they were told not to have that size ladder under the ring. I pulled it out at the show, and man, that thing kept coming, and it just kept coming. (laughs) Of course, you get up there in front of over 17,000 people and realize, oh my goodness, this is that same one I said no to. But at that point, you have to go for it. And uh, So it was a shoot. Yeah. It was shot upon. To hear him tell the story, he uh, did not realize until he set that up that, uh, that it was the one he was supposed to dodge. He also remembers everybody sort of chuckles that I went from Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 21 to Vince McMahon the following year because Vince, yeah. as he admits, is limited from an athletic standpoint. I looked at Just it as having bit. a WrestleMania um, a WrestleMania match and going out there and having a WrestleMania off. I looked at it as having a WrestleMania off and going out there and having a fun match. Mark Henry on the casket match with The Undertaker. It's difficult to explain what it's like to be in the ring with Undertaker because, one, you're standing there and you have to watch what's coming to you. Then his presence, the lights are turned on, and then the mind games, and then you Mm. have all the talent that he Mm. possesses and the respect he commands. WrestleMania is his playground. WrestleMania is his yard. Mm Mm-hmm. And some interesting comments from the burn and charred edge uh, on this WrestleMania 22 review to close things out. He says, quote, that's just one thing. Like, man, I would not do that again. I burned a bunch of hair off my head and all the hair off my arms. I burned my knuckles and my tricep. As I crawled over, I looked at my arm because it was smoking and I could smell my skin. People thought I cut my eyeball because blood went down through my eye. The match was a graphic, disturbing visual, but it worked. You guys worked. There you go. I'd say that about oh. WrestleMania 22, a graphic, disturbing yeah. visual, but it worked. <laughs> there you go. So uh, there you have it. Uh, we'll mm. lace you with a bit of feedback from the Lapsed Fan yeah. Solar System here, and we will see you, boss, next, next week. week. Next Ford week. Field, Detroit. We head back to Detroit, where it's been 20 years since we visited the Silverdome. And we're all. 20 years since 93,000 packed in to watch Hogan and Andre. 20 years since the mains three. And we're all grown up. (laughs) We'll see you next week on the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast for the 23rd installment of a one of a kind 30 week WrestleMania journey. Mm. What's going on, Lapsed Fan Solar System? This is your boy Corey from Chicago. Uh, Just wanted to give my thoughts on WrestleMania 22, uh, which was held at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont in 2006. Uh, first and foremost, I have to say it's good to been following the podcast since, since it first started last summer, you guys are doing an awesome job with this, uh, 30 week, 30 WrestleMania tour through our minds and our lapsed them. And, uh, you know, it's not something that I want. It's something that I need really need on a weekly basis. And, uh, just want to give, give you guys your props. All right, so back to this thing. First and foremost, it was a memorable WrestleMania because WrestleMania 22 is the only WrestleMania that I've 
ever attended in life. I've attended various uh, wrestling events uh, over the years, including WWE, uh, where there was the Holiday Hell Tour in 96 or, you know, a uh, event in Cape Girardeau, Missouri back in 08. So, but what made this WrestleMania more special was uh, for the simple fact that you, I was actually there. I was used to watching it, been watching it, been a fan of wrestling for 30 years and you know whatnot. So to see it in person was awesome. Was you know, words couldn't explain it. Then with my cousin, my friends and I, we we showed up to the arena, you know, before the show started, we ran into a group of guys who were dressed up like the spirit squad. Um don't know how to go with that but you know it was a bunch of guys dressed up like a bunch of male cheerleaders i was like good luck and hope this lasts for a while but i was a little bit skeptical and just stood back and started laughing regardless my favorite moments from this event number one was the wwe women's championship match between mickey james and trish stratus how the whole crowd turned into pro crazy girl as you know, Mickey James just pretty much took all of us, and uh, especially that one part where she did the uh, <laughs> the kitty claw that was eventually edited out of the uh, repeats of the WrestleMania. And if you know, and I hope you guys know the kitty claw minus a little um, finger action with her lips. <laughs> you probably do know if you don't, you know. I, I, is pretty much she claw uh she gave Trish Stratus a kitty claw and then uh twirled her fingers and put it into her mouth and started licking them which which got the whole crowd into a frenzy. And when she won the crowd popped. Uh the same way it popped when Rey Mysterio defeated Randy Orton and Kurt Angle to become the world heavyweight champion, uh, especially when he did his uh entrance with POD doing Buyaka. That was exciting. Uh the most interesting moment was when Kane and Big Show defended the world tag team titles against Carlito and Chris Masters and we could feel the heat from not only Kane's pyro when he and Big Show came out but also Booker T's pyro when he came out to face the boogeyman in a in a handicap match with Charmel the other favorite moments were when Shawn Michaels and Mr. McMahon tore down the house in that street fight and in the hardcore match between Edge and Mick Foley. I had never seen a grown man get speared through a table before. And when I saw that, I screamed, oh, my damn. I can't believe that this man just got speared through a flaming table. Never went to an ECW show when I was younger, so this was as close as I could get. And when uh, Shawn, when Shawn Michaels did that elbow drop off that 20, 30-foot ladder onto Mr. McMahon, we all just went crazy. And finally, the last memory was pretty much when John Cena uh, beat Triple H, in which half of the crowd was definitely in favor of Triple H. And we were taking bets in the balcony, which how high it was for the amount of money that we paid to be in the balcony. Uh slash nosebleed section of Allstate Arena, we were we were going to start taking bets on who was going to win the WWE title. 
uh, because, you know, a lot of people weren't for Cena and I came to respect him, you know, after a while because I had bought the WrestleMania 21 DVD and saw his championship match. I was like, I know there's more than this. And then the, you know, this was before or this was uh, after the uh, beginning of his feud with Edge. And I was ready to see. I was hoping that it would have been Edge and Cena at WrestleMania. But, you know, things happen that way. So overall, the experience of being at a WrestleMania was fun. It was a little expensive as hell. But, you know, that that's how it is when you get to a quality event. But I it's, memory, it's a memory that I will cherish for as long as I live. And I eventually bought the DVD of WrestleMania 22 and some of the stuff that I seen in person were edited out, i.e. the Mickey James Kitty Claw. Uh, I was a little disappointed by it, but overall, it was a great event. You know, you know, even with the, the pictures of all the WWE talent and whatnot, you know, draped around Allstate Arena was interesting. So I think I was behind uh, Matt Hardy and... Uh, Eddie Guerrero and them, I, I assume that, you know, it's been, you know, almost nine years ago when this happened. Uh, but the other emotional thing that, you know, got to me was, you know, after Ray winning the World Heavyweight Championship and seeing him, uh, you know, have his celebration with Vicky Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero Jr., uh, after winning the title, I was happy for Ray because I've been, I've been watching him since he was in WCW. And, you know, to see him become world heavyweight champion was pretty awesome. So once again, uh, this is Corey and, you know, just, you know, keep doing your thing. And, you know, I'm following you with, you know, with this whole WrestleMania 30 for 30. And, you know, like I say, every week is not something I want. It's something I need, especially on my commute here in Chicago. Uh, Also, I can't wait to start joining the. To, to become the latest member, hopefully, of the new world order. Praise be to Warlord. And uh, you guys have a great one and happy new year. Take care. And is property of WrestleZone.com. Its content is intended for private use only. There's no pink zone. That's right, pink.